Welcome to the podcast. My name is Ben Bugale. My name is Vince Bazzelli. And you're listening to Pixel Project Radio, a video game and video game club-style podcast where we talk about games we've played recently. We do deep-dive reviews, and most importantly, we discuss the games we, all of you and us here at the podcast, love. Vince, what game are we talking about today? Today's game is a classic beloved by all that love Mario platformers. Super Mario Sunshine. Super Mario Sunshine, which, if I can be honest with you, it was the first Super Mario game I had ever played in my life. Yes. Actually, I did not play 64 first. This was the first one that I played just because of the age that I am. Wait. So, I was born in 94, and this game came out in 02. Okay, that's fair. So, I was 8. Yeah. That's fair. I... To be honest, I I was a Zelda guy, and so I kind of kept Mario at an arm's length, which I know might sound weird, but I just I just did. And then one day, my my now good lady wife suggested that we play Super Mario Sunshine because get ready for this, she never knew her life without Mario because her parents played Mario and bought a Nintendo when they were dating and got married, and so like he Victoria has literally always had mario in her life is that not wild that's actually pretty cool yeah i like that um nostalgia factor of it for you kind of ties it together and nostalgia is something that people really think about when like at least people that have been playing video games for a while they're in their mid-20s when they think of this game they think of nostalgia it makes you feel comfortable absolutely they do and it does and I mean, even though I didn't grow up playing Mario, it's not that I didn't play Mario Kart or any of those other games. I just, you know, I associated him with my childhood, even though I had no actual memories. You know what I mean? But it's it's kind of right. beautiful that he echoes through time. So, Vince, would you like to give us your review and rating of Super Mario Sunshine? Oh, absolutely. I really, uh, I put a lot of thought into this one. <laughs> you ready? Yes. Super Mario Sunshine brings Mario to a tropical oasis and, in the timeline in my head, Luigi to a mansion that sucks, and siblings between the age of 8 and 12 really confused. This game knew exactly what it was doing. 7.5 out of 10. That's hilarious, and and I think the nail is on the head there. (sighs) Okay, so I have here... Super Mario Sunshine was worth the wait 
from Mario 64, showcasing creative mechanics, a killer soundtrack, a curious story, and no-bones-thrown challenges. Isle Delfino provides vastly diverse platforming for our Italian-Japanese-American plumber to scale and traverse with a little something for everyone. 9.3 out of 10. Whoa, 9.3! I thought, bugs and all, bugs and all, I thought it was just... When I and, and hear me out, hear me out. I I rate this based on the level of diversity, as previously mentioned, because I think about different levels in the game, which we'll get to. But some of them are so you know x-axis; they're sort of more horizontal. But then there's plenty that are vertical, and there's a lot of challenge. And I like challenge. I like when the bone isn't thrown to me. That's um, why I like a lot of games made by Rare as a company. So. Mm-hmm. That's I yeah. agree with you. I agree with you, but like I, I like a challenge where the mechanics are consistent, <laughs> and sometimes, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean. Oh, yeah. Like I can't tell you how many times, and we can segue into gameplay. I'm assuming um, because like our our ratings, like th- this game is not a, a game of story pretty much like the story is pretty bare bones mario you arrive on the tropical island that's polluted maybe that's like a metaphor for society but anyway we are the the consistency of controls for me was so all over the place like i would slide off platforms sometimes like the camera would just yonk me somewhere and like sometimes i would get pushed somewhere by moving the camera oh that's how awful it was the camera is more or less a travesty less of a travesty than super mario 64 um but it it's difficult to manipulate all the same for me um i and perhaps i'm blaming myself here i guess i rated it so highly because i've kind of made peace with the fact that he's a a human a humanoid jelly bean um and that he slips and slides and falls all over the place because to be honest with you when like the adrenaline's flowing in certain challenges in the game, I I am suddenly like, I am like Oscar Wilde writing a poem. Like it is just flowing. Oh, and the adrenaline does fly, and you're just like, well, no going back now. No, here we go, kids. Like a forward, forward hoe. And it pays you know, off. Like, sometimes it does pay off, but other times when the control stick is so sensitive and yeets me off the ledge on a really sensitive platformer, yeah, it annoys me. But you're right, Ben. Maybe I did. You know what? I I can't go back on my reading, but this is still a really fucking good game. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like absolutely, it still is. Yeah, it still is. And I can I gotta get the numbers right. I can understand though where you come from because sometimes having those controls that are borderline broken um, <clears throat> can really cause the score to deteriorate. Um, the opposite. Well, no, that's, <clears throat> I was gonna say something about the opposite of deterioration is. And I thought, I don't have a word for <laughs> The that. opposite of deterioration. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was wondering if we might be able to talk a little bit about development before we go into gameplay, if that's cool with you. Let's do it. Sorry, I put the cart before the horse. My friend. I got a little too excited. Well, it's an exciting game. It's a great game. We love it. And it means a lot to both of us. So um, I'll lead off. So this technically is the second 3D Mario game to come out following Super Mario 64 in 1996. Only this time, it was released on the Nintendo GameCube. And I believe that was in the year 2002, but we can get down to... That is correct. It's 2002. Yeah. 
Um, this was released on an optical disc, which was a big deal. Um, there weren't that many GameCube games that had released. I think Luigi's Mansion released before this game, right? I actually don't know, but I will pull that up as you continue. Um, this is five years after Super Mario 64, but it still retains a lot of the core mechanics of Super Mario 64, so that's a big um, point in development. Um, they added, obviously, Flood, um, and Flood is a mechanic we'll talk about in gameplay, but... Um, it came before the GameCube, and uh, this was one of the earlier nintendo exclusive titles that we saw so this was a really big deal and everyone was talking about it when it came out absolutely and you were absolutely right by the way about luigi's mansion it came out i believe that was september 14th 2001 was the date i just saw and closed out of because i do that too quickly so often but it was 2001 so you were absolutely right Um, nice this game came after the disappointing failures to launch we can call them of super mario 64 2 and or super mario 128 there was a lot of confusion about what was the next mario going to be but ultimately sunshine prevailed and it was first shown at nintendo space world and then again and that was in 2001 and then it was shown again at e3 in 2002 um and i'd like to say nintendo space world really um cocked my eyebrow and i kind of thought what in god's name is nintendo space world and i looked tell us more about nintendo space world please i'll tell you as much as i can which is more or less that it's just um it was a video game trade show hosted by nintendo from 1989 to 2001 so that's why we don't talk about nintendo space world yeah so there you have it i love that nintendo had such weird Shit, like the GameCube launch. Have you seen the pictures of the GameCube launch? I don't believe I have actually seen those. There's like pictures of, it's like Britney Spears is there. Kanye West is there. Um, Like all of these big name musicians and celebrities are there holding GameCubes. That's, <laughs> that's really interesting. Uh, and Yeah, early 2000s Nintendo was on some stuff. They were, whatever they were doing, I mean... I think Sunshine saved them. I if they because of Super Mario sixty four two or whatever the hell that they wanted to call it. Yep. Um, it was weird enough to be interesting, and this is kind of where they started to branch off into Mario like using tools. Yeah, yeah. In his gameplay, instead of just like carrying things around, like having something that he keeps on him at all times, keep that motherfucking thing on him. And he did, and it was brilliant. And she talks, and she's also a philosopher. She's a wise woman. Well, she technically, it is a she, isn't isn't it? Because I always thought it was just a device, but I guess they have um, gendered this. Um, It it really is a machine, um, which we will definitely get to. This game was developed following the success of Majora's Mask. Um, And exactly as you were saying, they stuck to the idea of Mario uh, using a water pump, which... um, has changed right. the landscape of Mario for basically all time. I mean, if we look at Odyssey, we've got Cappy. Um, mm-hmm. And I, to be honest, those are the... If you look at Galaxy, you have uh, the Wii Remote Pointer function with the star bits that you can use. Oh, yeah. Um, that's a tool. But Galaxy kind of went back to its to the Mario roots. Mm-hmm. Just normal Mario. I still have yet to play it, and I will, but I am playing through... Um, mario 64 right now to officially beat it because i'd never beaten it but um, victoria and i are playing through that so that's that's a great time um yeah this game i beat multiple times when i was a child and i don't blame you it's wild fun but it's um it's a little bit of a bear for the thumbs at times 
the main level, and I bring this up in development because you'll hear why. Isle Delfino, um, Delfino is Italian for dolphin, and dolphin was the code name of the GameCube. It was designed, the Isle Delfino, the, the main level of Super Mario Sunshine, it was designed after the team who created the game visited France and Italy, though there's plenty of Caribbean and even Hawaiian feels to it too, don't you think, Vince? Um, yes. Especially in the sense of the music. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not really like representative of, of very like stereotypical, I guess, European music, for lack of a better word, or like Italian music. It's very um caribbean it is a lot of caribbean influences oh yeah no there's steel drum oh like stuff like that there's steel drum there's horn line there's there's a few other things i think there's some like glass guitar and and other sort of things littered throughout to give an ambiguous island sort of feel but um yeah it's really curious and it's worth mentioning in development that charles martinet and his spaghetti pizza returns for the voice acting so they kept him on board. And the reason I say spaghetti pizza, because I believe that's what he said when he auditioned for the part of the voice of Mario. Oh, my God. It's a really silly video, but there's a great, um, great big story. I, I need to find that. I, there's also a quote by Charles Martinet that says, um, this is the most underrated Mario 3D platformer. Really? Um, in his opinion, yes. So this is a, a personal favorite of his, I guess. Yeah. Wow. I didn't know that. That's pretty cool. Um, sh- yeah, it is cool, right? It's a cool little tidbit. Shall we talk a little bit about release and some sale numbers? Uh, Yeah, this one's all you. You go for sale numbers. All right. Well, I can start by saying the game was released in Japan in July of 2002, the United States in August of 2002, though it experienced a great amount of revitalization when it was released again in 2020 in the Super Mario 3D All-Star package. So that was, to be honest, that was a godsend in the midst of pandemic. Yeah, yeah, I, I, um, it was a nice rejuvenation of the games. Whenever there's any kind of reboot, it kind of puts it back in the zeitgeist. And uh, it was nice to get people talking about these platformers again. A lot of people talk about 64, a lot of people talk about Galaxy, but not a lot of people talk about Sunshine. So it was a, a nice refresh. I wish they would have, if we could have an, a little aside for Please. our opinions on uh, Take me aside. the 3D collection. Ooh. <laughs> so what do you think about the 3D collection, specifically Sunshine in the 3D collection? And did you play this game through that? The first time I played through this game was actually using my brother-in-law's copy of the disc and using it on a Nintendo Wii. I did this playthrough with All-Stars. Um, the only the only real frustration for me was the fact that they, they didn't fix some of the bugginess. They didn't fix some of the holes that are in the game. It felt like they copied and pasted it. And while I like the idea that they kept the older graphics my good lady wife and i have discussed at length could they not have updated the graphics like what they did with wind waker and what they are doing with skyward sword as well what are your thoughts right well i played this game on dolphin which Ah. is the uh gamecube emulator which is also like a reference back a harken back to 
the um, original codename for the GameCube. But on Dolphin, you can just crank up the anti-aliasing and the texture resolution, and it looks pretty much the same as All-Stars does. So if just by artificially cranking up the resolution on an emulator with optimization for the Switch, um, like putting it in a whole new engine, like something, anything, just to make it a reboot that's worth paying $60 for, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And I know... I, oh, go ahead. After you. After you. I don't know. I, I would like to hear your opinion on that. Well, here's the thing. The The reason that I give them a pass on the $60 reboot, which Nintendo, this is... If you are listening, Nintendo, this is not me giving you permission to just do this every time. But the reason that I give them a pass in this instance is because if you think about it, it's $20 per game rather than $60 for one. And I know that games are, you know, substantially bigger nowadays... But if I was to, if somebody came up to me and said, here's a copy of Super Mario Sunshine on Switch for $20. Sure, okay. If you're buying, yeah. if you're buying 3D All-Stars for one of the games, it's a mistake. If you're buying it for all three, I think it's okay. Okay, I see your point there. Um, I agree with you, actually, in, in that sense. If you think of it $20 per game. But um, most of the people... Actually, that's not true. I can't make that generalization. I was going to say that most of the people who really cared about these games were old enough to have played them the first time around. That's not necessarily true in the point that you had not played Super Mario 64 all the way through. So my point's kind of moot there. But I still think that re-releasing games for a price tag should should yield the end user something more than just a rebrand. I really don't like rebrands across all companies. And I love Nintendo, but I just think that it was kind of a money grab in the midst of the pandemic to like appease shareholders perhaps, or, or something like that, that us peons do not understand what the capitalist overlords do. So like, maybe it was just them being like, Hey, we really need some big numbers right now. It's the middle of a pandemic. What do we do? Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I know exactly what you mean. I mean, I felt that way watching the treehouse. I was sort of like, okay, you're throwing some, you're throwing milk bones and what we want are pig ears or are, you know, like filet mignon. Like, give give me something a little bit. That was, I'm sorry, I went from like zero to 120 with pig ears. No, to I'm not mignon. familiar with the treehouse. That's why I'm making this face because I, I don't know what it's, it is. It's Nintendo's E3 representation, they call it. Um, oh, treehouse. okay. I always th- just thought it was like Nintendo Direct. That's like what I always refer to it as. Yeah, no, I mean, it is Nintendo Direct. But if you type in treehouse, it's like, ooh, this this is what's coming. Where were we? Um, We were talking about the 3D collection. Yes, yes. Um, At Nintendo Treehouse, they, or Nintendo Direct, you say potato, I say potato, Um, whatever whatever you want to call it, um, they threw some things at us that felt like consolation prizes, and that was, I don't consider Skyward Sword a consolation prize. I loved that game, even though I know it was received poorly by a lot of people. Um, but there were some other things that kind of felt frustrating. And then at the on the other side, arguing myself is the fact that I know that the high ups at Nintendo have said a bad game is a bad game forever. So we're going to do this once. Like they take a, they take about re- about any game about but, which specific game like about anything like about anything yes so they won't make a second version if 
or like they won't make like a uh, um a sequel if the first game was bad it's like it's not that it's more so from what i was interpreting and i could be wrong maybe it's not a high up at nintendo if i'm wrong somebody somebody let me know please um <coughs> to that end if a game is bad like let's t- let, you know let's just make up a game like cyberpunk um if a game doesn't function well and it's released too early it's it's that way forever now granted nowadays we can patch things and go back but if oh i understand yeah, what you're saying yeah i under oh okay so there's no there's no periodic updates is what you mean to say is what you're trying to right say. they're saying basically and especially whenever you think about the games that they released between 2000 and 2010 that really didn't have that sort of element of updating um think about it they've got one shot like imagine if they would have you know used a different mechanic that really broke twilight princess or if they used something that made everybody cringe playing galaxy i mean those games are then forever remembered as disappointments so nintendo's here to make you know they're going to measure 80 times cut once right and even then they let the shitty platforming mechanics get through and the weird stick sensitivity that makes zero sense to me and sometimes i wonder if if that's some sort of they're trying to make him float so that if somebody plays Mario enough that like Mario is them, like if you become one, it's sort of like in Sweeney Todd, whenever he picks up the knife and he's like, my arm is complete again. Like I'm sure that if somebody was sitting down playing Super Mario Sunshine for 40 hours a week, which most humans aren't, at least I would hope not. Um, or speedrunners, or, or rather would I hope for it? But, but that's just it. Look at speedrunners. Look at how eloquently, uh, their hands move when they play. I mean, they are attached t- to the game. There's no there's no difference between them. So I'm wondering if that's their idea of you will feel the true reward of this game if you play it to this level. Sometimes I wonder that with Mario because he's very floaty and shifty and bouncy. And it's not that he's unpredictable. It's just that he is, again, humanoid jelly bean. He's very bouncy and momentum-based in this game. But not in the way that he is in Super Mario 64, where it's... I think it's the the very specific camera angle in this game that keeps you from seeing depth. Because you can see depth in 64, and you can't really see depth in this game. It's very difficult to do. And that's what throws me off. And, and landing from high distances and keeping that momentum is a mechanic that is not present in really any other Mario game. You kind of just, like, stay where you are if you fall a long distance. That threw me for a loop. Absolutely, and I can understand that. So, But we'll talk more on mechanics shortly. Let's go back. You talked about a money grab at one point, which I'm going to throw my fishing line into that word money grab, reel that, and jump into the sales numbers so that we can keep rocking. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. I, I forgot we were still talking about sales. I'm sorry, Ben. <laughs> we, just, we just love the game, and we have a lot of feelings. I have a lot of feelings. And so we're, we're going we're gonna to dig in. Um, I'm so no, sorry. No, nothing to apologize for, my friend. We have uh, we've got 400,000 copies of Super Mario Sunshine sold within the first four days that it released in Japan. So, I mean, it it think about it. That's 100,000 copies a day, which honestly it was probably more front-loaded, or the stores ran out, who's to say? Um, and in the United States, it was over 350,000 copies were sold within the first 10 days, which which surpassed the sales of Grand Theft Auto 3, Halo, and Super Mario 64, which consequently wow. consequently caused the GameCube to be bought 
which, you know, nowadays a lot of GameCubes are collecting dust. But man, at that time, at that time, if you had Kirby Air Ride or any of the other, like, 12 titles that were gold for the GameCube, you were rocking and rolling. It was a good time. You were eating pizza bagels and all that kind of stuff. So I'm still eating pizza bagels. God bless you. Um, They're delicious. It's worth saying that in Europe, which we didn't really talk about the release in Europe, but just because, you know, we, we don't think about that too terribly often, 175,000 copies were sold within a week of its release. So that's uh, that's pretty, that's a big deal. But all that to say, wow. I know, right? Um, all that to say in Japan, over 620,000 units were sold by October of 2022, or 2022, listen to me, what year is it? By October of 2002, I am not trying to hurry to 2022. Goodness gracious. Me neither. So that's what we're looking at sales-wise. It, it, it did very well. And I think it was, at one point, the 10th best-selling game in the United States. Um, that, was an actual, that was in 2002. So there you have what it. What was uh, above it? Do you remember? I, I do not remember. Um, Unfortunate. I know. I know. But... No, it, it's okay. It, I forgive you. Basically, oh, thank you. Basically, it made a lot of money, and by two, the GTA statistic surprises me very much, I, I, and the the Halo one, like, really, truly does. I think the reason why it surpassed is the good and bad thing about Nintendo. Well, I guess it's a good thing about Nintendo, which is that it's a family friendly console. Now, think about how many people were playing video games extensively. It's really our generation. It it wasn't it wasn't everyone. I mean, there there are some people um, who absolutely love video games, like Victoria's parents. But and she would actually love that for you. She would actually ask her parents for help playing like Mario and Banjo Kazooie and stuff. Like, can you imagine? I think that's amazing. I I think that's incredible. One day I'll help my kids do that. That's what I'm saying. But I think that's why Mario Sunshine took off. Because think about Grand Theft Auto Three and Halo. Think about when I think about it, I think about my mom saying, Oh, you we can't buy Halo. It's like, Mom, we don't even have an Xbox. Well, you certainly shouldn't oh, be. Oh, that's a great point. Shouldn't be playing Grand Theft Auto 3. Well, I mean, I eventually got a PlayStation 2, but guess who couldn't buy Grand Theft Auto 3? So, to that end, Super Mario Sunshine is benign by all accounts. But Right, you're going to say, like, it's a, it's a much better game for bringing families together than gta or halo which i think is mom doesn't care who master chief is you know or master chef i think that's his name you're right sorry no it's okay um all that to say by 2006 by july specifically of 2006 two and a half million copies were sold for 85 million dollars so even just up to 2006 i mean that's that's what we're looking at by the numbers so it really it took off um what a, and and how couldn't it? The world was awaiting Mario. The eyes of all we wait upon have... thee. Sorry, that was me. Wait upon what? No, that's that's um. I just had a sacred music nerd out moment because there's an anthem by a man by name by the name of Jean Berger who wrote this beautiful setting of the eyes of all wait upon thee, which is a psalm, I believe. So I will spare you of that nerding out but that's that's what we're looking at but for release and sales shall we talk a little bit about the story you already kind of you know what let us before we talk about story ben can i just say we should have a segment called ben by the numbers where you do numbers 
for games. I am the least numerically inspired person on God's earth, but hey. I'll... But I was very happy to sit here and listen to you tell me about statistics. And, uh, well, not really statistics, just sales, but I liked it. Well, I liked digressing with you all the way to sales. <laughs> about gameplay through the and three, uh, Mario 3D All-Stars through the numbers section. Ooh. And that was Numbers by Ben with interludes. <laughs> many an interlude, and they were all wonderful. So, they were. Vince, take us through the story. You started on it a little bit earlier, but tell us mm-hmm. the plot. Tell us how things happen. All right, so. We are on Isle Delfino, which is Delphin. Delphin. It's Delphin in it's Italian. It's Delphin. It sounds like a tuna brand. Um, <laughs> it's We're on Isle Delfino, and Isle Delfino is in the ocean because it's an island. Well, it could also be on a lake, but it's in an ocean. Okay, It's not Picture Lake Erie, it, ocean. everybody. It is not in Lake Erie. You can't find no, it there. Dear God, no, it's not Lake Erie. And it is surrounded by four other islands. One of them shaped like a crab. The other one is shaped like a sea turtle. One of them shaped like a tiny jellyfish. And then um, to the northwest is an island shaped like a fish. And those are the four islands that it's surrounded by. So think of like it's in the middle of a square of islands. So that's where Isle Delfino is. And um, the people of Isle Delfino are just called like Delfino people. I think like I don't know what their actual names are. I think. The, quote, races are called Piantas and Nokis. Okay. I think that's what we're dealing with. I, I don't think they ever say that in the game, so I didn't actually know that. But um, they basically look like um, if Squidward was obese. And that's exactly what they look like. Wow. Um, yeah. And then if you... Uh, all you need to know about them is that you can bounce on their heads, and they are bouncy. And it, uh, if you save them, they say, thanks a bundle. And they don't do anything else for you, ever. Um, that is, save them from the mud. Um, the evil, toxic sludge mud. If you talk to them, they say, thanks a bundle. Like, a million and one times. And if you spray them with water, they say, That's actually about exactly what they say. Yeah. So, uh, those are the Delfino people. And uh, you arrive to Isle Delfino on a plane with Peach. Uh, and we arrive on the dock, and we meet a paint version of mario that's holding a paintbrush like a torch style paintbrush Mm -hmm. and uh peach goes yo what the hell uh you're here how is he over there that's exactly and then you chase him and he runs to the center of town and he paints an m on a statue in the center of town and jumps inside of it and you say oh my god where'd he go and then you follow him into the painting and that's how the game starts. Yeah, it's it's wild. And and you mentioned Sludge at one point. So that's that's what's happening is that we have this person who we end up uh, learning is named Shadow Mario. And Shadow yes. Mario is basically going around um, writing these, you know, graffiti things everywhere. And he's writing M's. And so upon arriving, um, you are asked to basically basically you're arrested mario is arrested and not for tax fraud this time but he's arrested for defacing the property of the island um his sentence is to clean up his mess which again he never he never did that it was in fact shadow mario who um took this once pristine island maybe let's make pristine the word of the day 
Um, and so he goes all over the place, and that's when we have his trusty partner, Flood. Uh, it's a powerful water cannon, and it's a backpack made by, and I love this, Professor E. Gad. Um, yes, who, who also made the the Poltergust 3000, yes. Yes, who also made, I believe, the paintbrush that Shadow Mario is carrying. Um yeah, so there you have it. But the the graffiti is on the airstrip, and again, exactly right. We chase, we chase Shadow Mario, and that's when we um, we're eventually kind of cut loose in uh, Delfino Plaza, which is the what do you call that? The home world of this game. Yeah, the home world. Yeah, it's like yeah, it's like the hub world. Yeah. Did I put the cart before the horse on that? Did I say that this? Did I did I miss the entire part where we go to jail? I think you did, and that's okay. I think I yeah, I think in my brain. That cutscene is like doesn't exist, but well, you're right. So then we do the Mario chase thing. Yeah, that's that's the catalyst moment, right? Is whenever he's arrested because that's the only reason we get flood. Um, that's true. So even though it's incredibly forgettable in the grand scheme of the game, it does happen. It's like less than fifteen seconds. It's it's less than fifteen seconds. Yeah, it's like a really it's like four it's like a PowerPoint slide type deal. He's, just shows four shots and then you're out of there. I, the judge, I remember now. I think the judge goes, I'm gonna, you, wah, wah, wah. and then, <laughs> and then you're, you know, yep. As with the American court system, more or less. Um, yeah. So Shadow Mario um, kidnaps Princess Peach, but Mario stops him just in time. So that's a reoccurring. It's a reoccurring event in the game whenever Shadow Mario shows up and tries to create chaos and put sludge everywhere. And it's very blatant that he has heavily infected all of the levels off of the plot, um, which there are many levels throughout this game, which we can certainly talk about. Do you want to wrap up the rest of the plot, the rest of the story, and then we can talk some levels? So basically, it's reoccurring that Shadow Mario um, is trying to kidnap and run off with with Princess Peach. Um, And he, again, is wreaking havoc in different parts of Isle Delfino in the plaza and the other levels, which we will get to shortly. Right. So um, after I think at some point in the early game, Peach is standing in the plaza and then um, Paint Mario takes her. Right, That's he correct. takes her from the yep. plaza. Um, so as you get a certain amount of shine sprites, the story advances, and um, the next area that you're allowed to go to is... Oh, no, we're not doing area, sorry. We're doing main story. So um, you find out eventually who Paint Mario is um, when you defeat Mecha Bowser in the middle of the game in an amusement park, which is a very fun, like, rail-style level. You defeat him. And then you find out it's Baby Bowser. Um Bowser Jr. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> not baby Bowser. I mean, they're kind of a baby who's little li- like adolescent Bowser. Who's obsessed because baby Bowser's like, you're my mother, which is like, oh, OK. Right. It's like, don't touch my mama. And you're like, I am uncomfortable. <laughs> you got some splaining to do. <laughs> so um, baby Bowser runs away and you don't really encounter him until later when is the next time we encounter Bowser Jr.? Sorry, I keep saying Baby Bowser because no, I just love the way it sounds. It's kind of interchangeable. Baby Bowser comes back eventually and, you know, again, says that Peach is 
Peach is his mother. I love the fact that um, Bowser admits to his son at one point that Peach is not actually his mother. Um, it's just kind of silly and kind of feels obvious, but I, I don't know. Right, it's uncomfortable. I think it's uh, it's it's just like a weird thing where where in in Bowser Junior's like timeline. I don't think I've ever seen him say something like that in any of the other games where he calls Peach's mama. Kind of a weird ad end. Like they never say Mario and Peach are dating, but everyone like assumes that like they're like a couple, you know. It's, but, it's a little strange. Right. It's it's a little yeah. It's a little strange that it's so explicit. Like she's my mama. Very strange. Yeah. And, like, that was the driving force of the plot. And don't get me wrong, like, Mario games are not really known for their deep plot, you know? It's the gameplay. With, with like, a story alongside it. Like, what's my motive kind of deal. Yeah, absolutely. So, from Delphina Plaza, there are a number of levels that we get to experience and inter- interact with. Hub worlds? Like, like different, uh, different portals to different places on the correct so it's not like in super mario 64 whenever you're on top of a snowy mountain or then you're like you know in the bottom of the ocean or you're not it it, you are visiting places that are unique to isle delfino thank you for catching me there Um, right so we've got bianco hills rico harbor gelato beach pina or pinna park i don't know serena i think it's pinna park and then there's serena beach I don't know how to pronounce some of these because there are a lot of games that I play by Nintendo that I never really get a clear idea as how to say it. I thought it was Serena, but... Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Um, right. And we've got Noki Bay, Pianta Village, and then, of course, Corona Mountain at the end. Corona Mountain. And, obviously, Delfino Plaza itself. And we can't forget the Delfino Airstrip, which we spend very little time on in the course. Right, of the in the game. beginning. Mm-hmm. So... A lot of great games. There's plenty of shine sprites to collect. I think there's about 11 per level, with the exception of Delfino Plaza, which has 40. Corona Mountain, which only has one. The Airstrip has two. And then there's a number of blue coins to collect, which you can cash in for more shine sprites. So I believe they followed the same model um, of 120 shine sprites, not stars this time, obviously. Right, right. It's 120. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, the game is as short. So, in terms of like story, we'll talk about length. You can finish this game, like, only get the first four or five shine sprites in each, like, base world. Um, what's the minimum that you have to get to make the sprite shine in the center of town? Is it 50? I think it's 60, actually. Okay. So, 60 is really not that many when you think about it. If you do all the worlds, maybe, and and for the first three, like, hub worlds, maybe four, mm-hmm. or, like, little teleport um They're not so levels, bad. They're, they're really not so bad to finish even all 11 of them. They're really not that bad. The later levels are very difficult. So I'd say, like, 12 hours, 12 to 15 hours of gameplay and, for bare minimum. And we were talking... For 100%, it's, it's a lot of thinking. So it might take you longer. Absolutely. And Vince, you were saying something that I I believe before we were recording that I can't help mention, and that's that this game is a general crescendo of difficulty. So it begins, word of the day, maybe, I don't know. Um, crescendo. Right? Yeah, Words with Ben. Throwing in crescendo. Crescendo. 
um, to grow. It's Sorry. it's it starts <laughs> off it starts off in a relatively easy sort of format, um, but it really it really ramps off ran bleh. it really ramps up in difficulty as the game goes. Um, so those are the levels, more or less. There are plenty of shine sprites and activities and things to do. However, because there's graffiti and pollution everywhere, the goal is to clean that up ultimately. And with each challenge that you do, you clean up the island more, which leads me to believe that Al Gore probably loved this game or probably still loves this game because why not clean the planet, make this place a little bit better? <laughs> Um, Bush Gore. <laughs> Bush Gore, good God. Ugh. Bush Gore, could you imagine? Hashtag never forget. Um, this game, the levels, it's worth mentioning and intertwining that between the levels and what actually happens in the game, that it follows a very similar format to what we experience in Super Mario 64, where you have to do things in a pretty, generally in a pretty... St- straight through, you know, straightforward way. But they also, they did bring back the collecting 100 coins, though you can only do that in specific variants of the levels. Uh, Collecting 100 coins will, of course, give you a shine sprite. Um, Right. And there's a couple of secret ones as well. Right. So so that's like all the different ways that you can obtain your shine sprites and, and kind of advance in the game. It's a very basic... Like like um, like Ben was saying, it's a very basic formula for the game. Like the the paintings are essentially now just turned into paint portals from sixty four to sunshine. Um, the, there's like a, a a one to eight secret items, which are the blue coins. You have your regular coins. You have one ups, and that's it. And you just have to get the shine sprite at the end of each level. And there's not really much that the characters say to you. Some characters will throw you or, or like they're the like chucksters. In terms of level design. We'll get to that. Right. The chucksters. The chucksters. But all in all, it's a very basic tried and true. Well, basic we know now because there have been a lot more Mario platformers, but like they, they knew what worked or Mario, I should say Mario platformers, but they knew what worked and they did it and they just did it again. Absolutely. And, uh, and it worked. Yeah. It worked it just fine. So. However, in this game, in addition to the, quote, usual suspects of collectibles, we also have different nozzles for Flood that do different things. Right. Um, you have your regular nozzle, which is just your squirty squirt. You can hold down R to squirt your squirt and uh, stand in place. And you can like aim it around. Keep saying squirt. And the controls are inverted, and there's no option to uninvert them. And I really hate that. Yeah, that's um, a bummer. And then you have the the dual. It's a lot. You have the dual nozzles, which that you hover, mm-hmm. also called the hover nozzle, mm-hmm. um, so aptly named. You can hover from pretty much any height, which kind of like defies all laws of physics. But sure. Um, it stays in one stream and it propels you from any height, so you can use it on really high places to, to like um, levitate basically to other level platforms for about I would say like three to four seconds. Um, nothing crazy. You have the jet nozzle, which jets you across water. Um, you have the rocket nozzle, which rockets you fucking high as hell. Um, 
And there's one more I'm missing. Which one am I missing? I don't think you're missing any of them, but I believe that the jet nozzle that you're referring to, I think its Christian name is the turbo nozzle. (laughs) I think so. (laughs) I always call it the jet nozzle because it looks like a jet. It feels like a jet. So I, you know, that's that's just me trying to, you know. Cross your T's, dot your I's. I don't know. The spirit was there, though. You got to give me that. Recognizing its baptismal name. Um, however, with all of these devices, we, we recognize that Flood is basically a, a multifunctional super soaker. But that means, yes. that means that you need water, which you do constantly have to refill throughout the entirety of this game. Right, you find a body of water, you go down to it, you swim in it, and you hold R, and it fills your thing, mm-hmm. fills Flood, and then you get to use Flood for... Much more than I recalled when I played it as a kid. Flood lasts pretty long. Oh, yeah. Um, I never really found myself not being able to beat something because I didn't have enough water. If I ran out of water, it was usually, like, my own fault because I just wasn't playing it efficiently. Oh, yeah. There's some challenges so, that yeah. that do use a lot of it, but you're. I think, yeah. I think you're right. Um, you can also reload your water whenever you pick up one of your new nozzles, but... You can only have two nozzles at a time, which are the spray. Um, generally, you're started with the hover, but you have to always trade out the hover if you want rocket or turbo. Right. So you always have the single squirt. And uh, if you want to use one of the special nozzles, you don't get hover anymore. So, Which makes some puzzles much more difficult if you're not using the, the double nozzle and only have like the rocket nozzle or the jet nozzle. And can't get rid of it, you know? Mm -hmm. It's worth noting that you attack with the spray nozzle. You can attack with the hover nozzle as well, technically. You can clean up pollution and attack some of those more gelatinous enemies. Um, But those aren't the only attacks you're limited to. You are also limited to... Not limited to. You also have access to some of the more traditional Mario fare in terms of how he can defeat enemies. Right. Um, the like flood becomes a really integral part of combat. You can squirt enemies to stun them. You can flip enemies over using flood. Um, you can like backflip and then hover to like jump onto an enemy's head. And um, this is where the, the very sensitive control stick really shines because you can do a lot of very high flying maneuvers with flood to help you in combat while also being offensive. And I think it's a nice balance. It is. And they really make you work. And they really make you push your coordination to the limits because exactly what you're saying, it's you can do some really impressive maneuvering because of how sensitive the hover nozzles and some of the other other nozzles are. But at the same time, goodness gracious, if you miss something by a millimeter, the game makes sure that you know that you missed it by a millimeter. Right. Um, It it really does, especially with Flood. Absolutely. Um, Like to clear those... um, those mud so a lot of the enemies in this game are made of mud aptly so because you squirt water at them so like the mud piranha plants that um stop you from going to to each world that you have to defeat for some reason were just so difficult because you had to turn around and position yourself exactly right to squirt into their open mouth yes (laughs) oh (laughs) nintendo said squirt in their open mouth rated e for everyone that's the quote of the year right there squirt right into their mouth so yeah so some some very very specific 
um, scenarios, which is that one, mm-hmm. um, spe- um, one that I can think of off the top of my head, but there are many more, make the make Flood like a really powerful tool, but also a really um, sensitive and difficult tool to use, much more difficult than the Poltergeist 3000 in Luigi's Mansion. But of course, because you're on vacation, you don't fight your typical Goombas, nor do you fight your typical Piranha Plants, but you fight other little insectoid creatures and obviously the enemies that are made of mud which you've mentioned earlier but for the right, more the goopy boys what's that the goopy boys Big goopy boys i think is uh what they were called technically so for the more tangible and i say tangible kind of loosely here guys everyone relax for the more hard real enemies that you have to combat you can still jump on their heads you can still ground pound uh, diving is a lot more fun in this game, I find. Even though you don't attack with the dive, I think it's a lot of fun because if you spray the ground in front of you and dive and slide... Um, right, you get that really fast slide animation that will take you very far. Oh, it's absurd and completely unrealistic, but I love it. Uh, yes. It's also worth mentioning that at a certain point in the game, whenever you're at Pina Park, Pina Park, Potato Potato, Downtown Dantan... Um, that eventually you can unlock Yoshi and use Yoshi in the game. Right. <clears throat> Yoshi requires specific fruit and vomits to attack. Yep. Rated E for everyone. It's, yeah, I don't, I, I guess that's okay. Cause I didn't know that, I didn't know that would be acceptable. Anyhow, um, Yoshi uh, gives you a little bit more of a float, but to be honest, in most scenarios, if you don't need Yoshi, just use your hover nozzle. It's easier because Yoshi is a bitch to navigate. I don't know how many issues you had with Yoshi playing through this or with your you know, most recent playthrough that we, we just did. Um, if you had some angry reactions, I know I had many angry reactions to Yoshi this time through that I didn't in the first playthrough. The Yoshi gameplay in this game is difficult because of the momentum and Yoshi is supposed to be a more slippery character anyway. It makes it really difficult to play as Yoshi in this game. Truly. It's satisfying when you get it right. Like the, it, Yoshi's basically invincible to most enemies. He can just eat stuff. Um, he can jump over most goop. Like he, he can jump to higher platforms, obviously, because of his double jump. But... Yoshi's just a difficult character overall to play in this game. And luckily, Yoshi, like, you get him in the last half of the game. So it's not like it's an integral part of the game. But it's still difficult nonetheless. That's a big part of the gameplay. And Yoshi will ask for different fruits from within the egg. Yes. So that's that's interesting. And there are certain fruits that you can carry. You can carry bananas. You can carry melons. You can carry pineapples. But you can't carry durian so you have to kick durian to yoshi and there are some missions where the only thing that yoshi wants is durian which is a pain in the neck right to be honest um there is one other rideable character that we're missing out on and those are the bloopers and we oh my god <laughs> we use the bloopers and blooper races which i think mainly happen at rico harbor if i'm not yeah mistaken. rico harbor and uh, they're owned by a pianta named big daddy so Big Daddy, he, you, you race the blooper, and if, if you get around the loop in like a minute, I think it's less than a minute, you get a Shine Sprite. It's a, it's a lot of fun. It's a really, really fun one. And trying to get the, the lowest time is, is quite a blast. 
It, it's a good time. It is. And there are three different kinds of bloopers you can ride. There's the green ones, which are slower and easier to handle. There's the yellow ones, which are balanced for the most part. And then there's the red ones, which are hard to handle, but are very fast. Um, the most memorable yes. line from Big Daddy in this game is, Homina Wamama! Homina Namina Which I actually have tattooed on my right bicep. So I always remember Big Daddy as I play through this game. And through my life. I'm never gonna I'm never gonna forget that. I, I know you won't, and I'm probably You guys can't see, but Ben has Ben really does have Big Daddy tattooed on the inside of his left bicep. With the, it's really incredible. With the quote. Um It's 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 the best stick and poke I've ever seen. Thank you. It was um You're welcome, buddy. It was painful to say the least. Um there there are some NPCs that are kind of worth mentioning. Um Toad. Toad is in this game. Toad Toad's in every Mario game. Toad's worth We've obviously got our Piantas, yep. but we've got, like, the hotel manager at one of the levels is an NPC, as is the mayor, uh, the raccoon. Yeah, the hotel manager in um, Serena Beach. Yes, which is my hotel favorite there. level, but we can we can talk about Oh, it. yeah, it's so much fun. Oh, it's sick. Anyway, sorry. Um, and, and it's the part of me that loves Majora's Mask that loves that place. Um, the raccoons are who you take your blue coins to. Um they uh, notably look like Tanuki, so that's kind of um, right. a little bit of a nod there, I think. But for every 10 coins you give them, they give you a shine sprite, as previously mentioned. Um, there's also the park director, who is um, an elder Noki. Um, but then there's the, El- the Noki elder, who you find at Noki Bay, of course. Um, other NPCs include Sandbird. I'll just look up Sandbird for your own health. Uh, Il Piantissimo who you end up racing in some of the levels. You've got the sunflowers, who are adorable, and then you've got butterflies and birds, which, of course, Nintendo being um, throwing no bones as they do, um, will hide shine sprites, blue coins, and regular coins within the animals that you think are just part of the background. Why is the sandbird listed as an NPC? I I really don't know. I mean, technically you don't play them, but I thought the sandbird was more of like some sort of psychic the sandbird's like a boss it's like a boss level kind of but like you you just ride this psychic fusion amalgamate sand thing that's covered with red coins who put them pretty majestic who put those coins there right so um you got your npcs uh it's also worth noting that um some levels most of the secret levels with the harder platforming uh flood gets taken away from you and um, the same music plays every time, and um, it can be PTSD-inducing, and the sad part is that it's good music. And I wish that I didn't have to listen to the first 15 seconds of it so many times, but the levels are doable without Flood, and they are difficult, and some of the most satisfying levels to finally beat. I, I really liked a lot of them. In each of the levels, Bianco Hills, Rico Harbor, Gelato Beach, etc., in these levels, they have these platforming levels that are usually uh in the titles that involve the word secret so like in bianco hills uh it's the hillside secret in rico harbor it's the secret of rico tower gelato beach it's uh dune bud sand castle secret and so you have to make it through the platforms there's no time limit um your sanity has a time limit but you have no time limit um they're great levels. They're very challenging. And later you end up having to, with the use of Flood, you have Flood taken away from you when you go to them the first time. When you go back to them later to do the Red Coin Challenge, you are 
you are left with flood, but they are timed, and you have a limited amount of water. Right. Um, and that's... Those are some of the hardest levels to beat. Um, they're just very difficult. You can't really mess up. You can't really fall. You can do, like, one or two mess-ups, but the time is pretty crunchy. And um, what else are we thinking in terms of levels? Do you want to start with... We could just go through each world, like each, and, and talk about our favorite levels in each world, if that's cool with you. That's great. Because so. we got through our gameplay. Um, mo- by, by the way, just as a disclaimer, most of the basic Mario gameplay elements are also in this game. Um, back, um, backflip, spin jump, um, ground pound, like the, the, Ben touched on the ground pound thing, but you can basically do almost all of the basic Mario 3D platformer things that have been implemented since mario 64 so absolutely just putting that in there absolutely so speaking of those secret levels that live within the main levels let's let's go down the list here let's talk about bianco hills rico harbor and and what your favorite challenge was in each of these what what's what spoke to you in bianco hills vince what spoke to me in bianco hills i think it's a great place to start um this level is one of the more pretty levels in the game mm-hmm. like where you start out and you're going through that little village in town it's like very cute um i liked this level i liked a lot of the like mini levels in this mm-hmm. area mm-hmm. um but i think i'd really in all of these i really didn't like any of the red coin levels <laughs> i just think they're they're they hurt my brain and uh they're really tedious and I, I would I would have rather seen more like bigger bosses and not really sticking to that part of the Mario 64 formula. Um, the PD Piranha level where he flies around and you have to squirt him with water and uh, he falls down and then you have to like jump on his little belly button, but he's it's like out in the open. That's my favorite in this. It's called um, Down with PD Piranha. Nice. I, oh no no wait no it's not it's called pd piranha strikes back sorry oh yes episode five. that's the other one because you do fight yeah. pd piranha twice 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 um and let me just say this about that there are red coin challenges that are not timed that are in the mainland and are in the main place but whenever you do the secret challenges they have red coin challenges as well those i like the other ones that you're talking about vince i understand entirely um so to that end in bianco hills more or less my favorite was probably the hillside cave secret i just i just love these levels yes i agree i um i can't agree with you enough more let's the the oh sorry let's no, i was you let's was, let's let's i was just gonna pivot to rico harbor let's pivot to rico harbor let's do it let's pivot to rico harbor where we have a wide variety of levels in this more horizontally. Well, I mean, there are still some pretty vertical challenges, but it's a little bit more sprawling, I feel, in some ways. But Yeah. Um, and it's also worth mentioning that there is a Shadow Mario level in each of these as well. Um, oh, yes. I forgot about that. Yeah, yes. it's worth mentioning that and that you have to chase him and that he's a pain in the neck and that after doing all of those, that's whenever you can actually get to the end of the game. Um, so... I will say that my least favorite is Yoshi's Fruit Adventure. It breaks my spirit. It's difficult, and it's the one where you have to get Yoshi a durian, and no other fruit will do. But I do love 
the blooper races. Blooper, blooper surfing sequel is my favorite, actually. It's the um, it's the purple Yoshi level, right? In this one, I That's the... think it's the orange Yoshi. Okay, I believe you. Wait, you no? I think you're right. I think it is purple. I think it might be the purple. Well, you have to. Whenever you're getting fruit for Yoshi in this level, you have to pound the buttons on the alternating towers. And so getting a durian is a crapshoot in and of itself. So first of all, you have to be patient, get the right fruit, and then you have to get it to Yoshi fast enough. Remember? Right. Hor- right. Horrible. I do remember that. Uh, yeah, it's a bad time. And I'd like to interject, if it's okay, Vince, that I think it's important that we intertwine some of the musical elements in this game, and I'll tell you why. Because there's something between these levels that is worth mentioning. So, quick side note, the music is another lesson in theme and variations by Koji Kondo, but he's joined by Shinobu Tanaka. Kondo composed the music and the... Kondo composed the main motif for Isle Delfino, Bianco Hills, Rico Harbor, and Gelato Beach. Gelato Beach is the next level we'll talk about as soon as we're done talking about Rico Harbor. But if you listen to the music, you can hear this, the main theme of Isle Delfino in all of these levels. The rest of the levels were by Shinobu Tanaka, which is why the main theme of the game goes away. Oh, no way. Mm-hmm. As a motif? Mm-hmm. That's why we have that verdant little, um, the main theme. Da, 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 in Bianco Hills. That's why we have that. That's why in Rico Harbor, it's a little bit more of a horn line. It sounds kind of industrial. And that's why Gelato Beach sounds very um, steel drum. Metal. Yeah, the, the steel drums. Yeah, And then it's a very uh, European gypsy jazz sort of feel um, in Delfino Plaza. But those are all those are all Koji Kondo who's doing his theme and variations thing. And then everything else is off on its own sort of tangent. Um, but it's still good music See, all the same. So I just wanted to yeah, interject. it's still that. good music. It's worth contemplating as as we discuss this. So, yeah, there you have it. Do you have a favorite or least favorite Enrico Harbor? I'm taking it that Yoshi's Fruit Adventure was not pleasurable for you. No, no, Yoshi's Fruit Adventure, the fruit thing. Didn't like that. Um, I really like Gooper Blooper Returns. I think Gooper Blooper, like the the main bosses of each of these levels are very funny to me. Yes. So the the Petey Piranha and Bianco Hills and then Gooper Blooper in this one. And then we'll talk about the next one. But it's really they, they make me happy. Yeah. Yeah. They're just like good Mario levels and, and you kind of beat a boss very straightforward. I did the other ones and I appreciate the difficulty, but like it, it was the platforming where I'd have to do things over that I really thought i did wouldn't have to do kind of deal so Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it's worth mentioning going backwards just another quick step here that bianco hills is lot a lush community of villas uh the lower part of corona mountain it's got windmills it's just very beautiful and gentle and the music reflects that rico harbors industrial it's kind of a port city um it's got a fish market which you know just comes with the territory but then we have gelato beach which is uh, the largest beach sprawl of the whole island it's under perfect blue skies have a swim 
Enjoy a famous smoothie. What is a famous smoothie, for God's sake? And Bass. Are you reading? Wait, are you reading off the wiki right now? Yeah, yeah, that's why I read it the way I did. (laughs) And Bass in the glow of the Shine Tower. What did you like? What did you dislike? Um, The mirror levels are good. They're clever. I like them. What else is in here? Um, The Sandcastle Secret. This is where we get the sandboxes. What else happens? The red coins in the coral reef was actually really cool Mm -hmm. because being able to go to the coral reef was really cool. I liked that actually. I think this is, this is one where it's either between that or the sand bird Mm -hmm. with the the big, the big honkin bird. Who's also an NPC. Apparently I would agree. I, I hate, and I was, I don't know why wiggler ahoy full steam ahead drives me insane. Oh yeah. I don't know. And I don't mean fighting wiggler. I just mean like, I remember the first time that I landed in that level and the music started playing for Wiggler and I looked up this, this giant caterpillar storming all over the place and I was like, no, nah, I'm just exiting area. I don't want to do this right now. Right. I've done that a couple times where um, in the later levels, especially when you see a lot of the platforming and like very um, low tolerance for mistakes mm-hmm. kind of deal. Mm-hmm. It it made me want to be like, yeah, exit area for I'm just going to go eat dinner. <laughs> Right. <laughs> I don't want to do this right now. Exactly. You know. Now, Il Piantissimo, I love racing him, and the sand sprint yes. in this level was very enjoyable because you kind of feel like you're a little bit, you're getting away with a secret whenever you pull it off the right way. So I really rather enjoy that. Um, yeah. Now, something else to throw in as we look at the levels, and we encourage you, if you've not played this game, to give it a go. It's very creative. It's a step in a new and beautiful direction for the Mario franchise. Something else worth noting, though, is that from levels, you can see other levels. You can see different courses from the course you're currently in. Right. So as right. we're about to talk about uh, Pina or Pinup Park, I'm noticing in the background of the art that there's Rico Harbor. Yes. And you can see, um, you can see Pinna Park all the time from the main, from Delfino Plaza, and um, you can see the volcano as well. Like for for when this game was released, like the the continuity that they tried to put into it, the little details make it really special. Um, it's it's like you said, Nintendo games like they can't just release a patch update that will fix those things. Like they have to be built in, and, and those little details didn't really slip their fingers. Like it's a very like the world feels populated. It feels nice. It feels like very meticulously done. Um, I like that very much about it. Absolutely. So. And I mean, for Nintendo, I mean, one wrong move, I mean, their reputation is gigantic because they've only right. existed since 1889, not as a video game <laughs> company, but they have existed that long. So speaking of 1889, let's talk about Pinna Park. Let's talk about <laughs> Pinna Park, which has been here since 2002, so. probably. Right. So Pinna Park is where you encounter Mecha Bowser. This is, I would say, like the halfway point of the game. Yeah. Uh, you encounter the, like the first level of Pinna Park is Mecha Bowser appears, and that's when you fight Mecha Bowser. You get these little flood rockets. I think this is actually my favorite one besides the runaway Ferris wheel. I think that one's also a lot of fun. Oh, it's so fun. Right, it is fun. You fight Mecha Bowser and you get like little flood rockets and you just have to shoot the rockets at Mecha Bowser and there's bo- um bombs bombs um bullet bills that chase you and you can squirt the bullet bills and destroy them. But you destroy Mecha Bowser and then they, uh, this is where Bowser Jr. runs away with his little Mecha Bowser head hot air balloon. 
So it's worth that's that. It's worth bringing up that Pinna Park has two different styles to it. You either have beach challenges, which you do outside of the entrance, or you have challenges that happen within the park itself. And it's an amusement park, as previously mentioned, and it and it boasts everything from a roller coaster to clam cups. Doesn't that sound nice? The view from the Ferris wheel is magnificent. Um, lots of great levels here. Runaway Ferris wheel is great. I don't want to copy you here, but um, the level where we're uh, roller coaster balloons is actually, no, that's probably my favorite one. So as much as I like Mecha Bowser, I do like the roller coaster balloons. Um, mm. Okay. Yeah. The red coin level in this was awful. Oh, it was, it was a bear. And getting done with it, I will say my satisfaction to frustration ratios were very close. It yep. was like fifty-one forty-nine, um, but I I digress. It's um it's a good level all the same, and it's it's in this game, you can go between different levels in in different orders, but some of them are not able to be unlocked until certain points. But Vince, I would say that the the Mecha Bowser fight it really does feel like the halfway point in this game. Yeah, um, yeah. So and it coincidentally enough it is. There's four other worlds after this i mean one of them is only the final boss fight but the next three worlds feel like four worlds because they're the difficulty scales uh much the difficulty scale is much greater after this point so we go to serena beach Mm -hmm. and uh let's talk a little bit about serena beach it's uh so like it's also a part of isle delfino like another beach just like the first beach that we encountered which name eludes me whose name eludes me bianco hills Uh Bianco Hills, that's right. Well, no, that's not a beach, technically. Oh, no, it's not a beach level. You're talking about Gelato Beach. Yeah, Gelato Beach. Thank you, Gelato Beach. So, this is a haunted beach. Um, This is the Boo world of this game. And um, this is, like, a really clever implementation of it. It still doesn't feel, like, super gruesome, like a normal Boo world would feel like. It feels, like, it's like a sepia tone to it, to the whole thing. Yeah, the sun is setting. Yeah, kind of deal. And uh, it's like the sun is setting on the beach and the ghosts are coming out. That's like the vibe. So each one of these levels is themed that way. Um, I think the Mysterious Hotel Delvino is my favorite in this one. Oh, it was just... Which is the fourth level or third level. There's so many good levels in this. Um, and yeah, you're exactly right. That ramping up of difficulty is is... These are my favorite levels. These last three are my favorite. And so I, I think... I should say these courses rather are my last are my are my three favorite, and I think it's because of the difficulty. The Manta Storm. How did you feel about the Manta Storm, there, Vince? Dude, that threw me. <laughs> the Manta Storm. Like, okay, so for the Manta Storm, if anyone didn't get this far or what it is, a giant manta ray with that spreads a trail of like the goopy paint behind it is basically swimming straight toward um, Serena beach and it's a ghost manta ray. So it hovers over the land and spreads paint all over and you have to spray the paint. And if you spray the stingray, it turns into two or if you spray the ray, it turns into two and then subsequently that one turns into two and then so on and so forth until you have all these little manta rays running around that do one slot of damage to you no matter what size they are. Yeah, it's it's a doozy and it's the opening challenge of this level. It it'll really it'll really do a number on you. Um but no, this is my favorite. I'm thinking that they went with Serena or Serena, Serena, whatever you want to call it, 
um, because it's literally the word siren. So I'm thinking that that's sort of the nautical bend there, like a siren calling calling one to their um, nautical demise. I would have to say, I think his, uh, Mysterious Hotel Delfino is actually my favorite two in this one. Um, I don't know if I have a least favorite, to be honest with you. No. Um, even the even the red coin levels in this are not that bad. The Shadow Mario level in this is, is fun. Yeah. Um, this is a good one. It is. And the music in this one is not, like, I didn't really notice any demonstrable change in quality from the music in the earlier worlds. Like, this game has really good music. This is one of the more, it's like a little on the spookier side, but it's still, like, pretty upbeat, joyful, good to put on in the background for something. The hotel itself is. The beach, on the other hand, has that strange, chromatic-sounding, like, rise and fall synth string sort of yes. sound. And I love it. I live for it. Yes. Um, the lobby's cute. The lobby is cute. I think I was thinking of the lobby, but you're right, the beach when you first arrive. It's very... Yeah, it's, like, eerily happy. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a good it's a good tune. So what what do we have after Sir Serena? You say Serena. I Noki say Serena. Bay. We are at Noki Bay. Sound. Um, this is one of the two races that live in Delfino. I'm assuming this is where the Nokis live, um, based on the Noki Bay. And Noki Bay is uh, their version of like a jungle. In in, uh, I would say I would say like the closest version to a jungle level that you could get to. I think. Or is that Pianta Village? I, think that's I would say Pianta Village, Village is. my dear friend. I'm confusing them. I'm confusing it's, them. You're right. Noki Bay is not that. But um still another island themed level. Care to talk about the music, Ben? Of Noki Bay. Mm-hmm. It's Lydian in nature, which is um a nerdy way. Well, no, there's no I mean I'm going to try to put this into layman's terms and it's not going to work. Basically, there's this constant rising, which is very curious sounding. It kind of deceives you, makes you feel like you're in one key and then they take you another direction. Um, It's a very, very vertical level uh, going to the Mm -hmm. depths of the ocean of the bay, I guess, and all the way to the top of these magnificent spires and mountainous regions. Steep cliffs and seabeds are what the Nokis call home. The huge waterfall and three soaring towers resonate with mystic history. Mystic history. Mystic mystery. Mystic mystery. <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah, this is um, not my favorite one of the levels. I don't really like... I don't like platformers, like high platformers with water at the bottom. Fair. It frustrates me. But still, like, I would say there is enough of a challenge where uh, this level feels rewarding after you beat it. And I don't think I got all the shine sprites from this one. I think this is the one where I was like, eh, yeah. no. Every you know, every Mario game has one of those that you just go, maybe not, maybe not this one. Um, right. This one, it's grown on me a lot, though. Victoria begrudgingly played through Ely Mouth's Dentist. Um, she did a fine job with it, but she's just like, ugh. Because if there's one place where Mario's controls are actually the worst, it's Mario underwater. Um, he is extremely difficult to maneuver and to 
manipulate when he is in the water with his helmet on and and otherwise. It's nice that he has the the hover nozzle to help him navigate and move, but it's still difficult. Um, so I think by proximity, I don't like Ely's mouth dentist or Ely mouth's dentist. I love Il Piantissimo's <laughs> surf swim because, yeah, right. Um, the surf swim was kind of comically easy because I think I was, I just started flying across the platforms instead of running on them using the hover nozzle and I got to the red coin and turned around and he was still a ways away. So that was, it was yeah. kind of silly. But yeah, no, I, this one, I didn't like it the first time. I like it more this time. Um, music's very, very curious here and it's yeah yeah i i realize that we jumped over the music of peanut park so let me just say it kind of has a ragtime fun little americana sound to it and again you should play this game and give it a listen for yourself after noki bay unless you have more to say on Noki Bay, which sounds like something Jar Jar Binks would say, for goodness sake. Right. I hate, I, I actually hate the name of it. I know. Even the name itself. I know. After that, we have the Pianta Village, which is where the Piantas live, at least for the most part. Right. I, I really um, enjoy Pianta Village and the chaos that ensues. You know what's interesting is that a lot of the Piantas live in Pianta Village. And I didn't actually, like put two and two together that they were piantas and that they lived in pianta village like i just call them like the, the delfino people because the nokis are never like they're not anywhere else they're only in noki bay there are some in peanut park there are some. oh yeah, yeah there are some but like that's where you first see them and you're like who are these people you know but you hadn't seen them until then and they're in and it, the piantas get their own village and delfino plaza and i thought that's interesting so there are some peanuts that's my aside oh no you're fine there are some Piantas in Gelato, or Piantas, listen. There are some Noki in Gelato Beach, but they're just more forgettable than the Piantas overall. Oh, no, you're right. There is one in, like, that first gazebo. And when you get to mm-hmm. Gelato Beach. Yeah, it's it's curious, but Pianta Village is just Piantas, and Noki Bay is Noki, is is just Noki territory. Pianta Village. The ancestral home of the Piantas was built in a giant tree as protection against wild beasts. Giant mushrooms thrive beneath the village, which, for all intents and purposes, is going to rot that tree right out from under them, and it's going to be a terrible time. Right. What idiots. In 100 to 200 years. Fools. They'll regret what they did. Fools. Um, what was your favorite level in Pianta Village? What was my favorite level... I liked that this this was a chine chomp, a chine chomp, a chain chomp level. I liked that. You better leave that. I, didn't, I think that was neat. Uh, the Fluff Festival Coin Hunt. Let's talk about the Fluff Festival Coin Hunt because you get all the way past Il Piantissimo again, where not, you're not racing him on the beach this time. You're racing him um, on a climb. You get past that hard stuff. Then you get to the Fluff Festival, and that's something. And uh, I liked that one because it was so frustrating to play. Now, you mean that you like it sincerely, not that you actually dislike it. It's It was a good challenge. No, I liked it sincerely because I, I thought it was a good challenge. Um, it was so frustrating, but that was one of the ones 
ones, I keep using that word, that was one of the instances where I really think the difficulty was fair Mm -hmm. and warranted. I would agree. I would agree. In Piata Village, obviously there's the Chain Chomp, and I I didn't mind, I didn't really dislike any of the levels. The the Goopy Inferno is probably the most difficult and the one I disliked the most. Um, But... The secret of the under of the village underside is probably my favorite because I just love the secret levels. Um, it is what it is. That's just the kind of person I am in these games. Um, so overall, the story is, like we said, pretty scattered about the eight main levels. Um, and this game is not so terribly long. So we actually have reached our final boss. And we, again, like we said in the beginning of the, or more toward the beginning of the podcast, that... You encounter Bowser Jr. and Bowser. Um, And as with most Bowser levels at the end of Mario games, Mario games, you go through like a series of stages in the Mario level. So there's three total transformations in this in this Bowser stage. The first one is like a lava pool with like scattered platforms. Um, The second one is spikes that come and like move in and out of the platforms or like fire that you have to spray with with flood, and then you know you just do the classic thing where you either flip Bowser on his back or pull his tail, and then he's uh, out of here. He's skadoodle. Bye bye. So long. So long, Bowser. Yeah, I, can we can we say so long, gay Bowser? I mean, that's a great question because apparently they. So, I don't think it's technically offensive to anyone. No, and I know that it existed in the past games. Basically, if you don't know this about Mario, there were. <laughs> I guess it started with Super Mario 64. <laughs> yeah, there's, I want to give some context, yeah. It started with Super Mario 64, where he goes, So long, Bowser! And he, like, yeah. he like does, like, a little schwa at the end of longa, because they're trying to, you know, kind of... They're trying to make him sound Italian. ...play with the accentuation on the penultimate syllable, right? The da-da-da-da-da-da. You know what I mean? So they go, um, So long, gay Bowser! And so, for years, everyone went, Wait, what? So long, gay Bowser, and so and it's uh it's one of the cornerstones of like the meme community. I guess I was going to say it's a hard meme culture world or a, a, yeah. a hard meme culture reference. So, um, in terms of a boss fight, I thought it was relatively fair. He's difficult, but not as difficult as I don't know Gulp from Spyro to Ripto's Rage. Um, cause that just, that wasn't even a fight. That was a mechanized demon. Um, no, um, no, no Bowsers are ever just bullet sponges. You know, the boss progresses pretty well. Mm-hmm. The difficulty progresses with it, but Nintendo does that really well. The gameplay, the boss progressions, it's all really good. So yeah, I think it's the end of the game. Um, so like you, you shatter like this last platform that Bowser falls through um, the arena flips over, he falls into Delfino Plaza, and there's the final cutscene, and you're good to go. Yeah, and... Game's over. Pretty much, yeah. I mean, I will admit Victoria and I are going to try and 100% this, even though we've played through it twice now, but we are going to go for it because she's never done it, and I certainly haven't, so... Um, a truly great game, and I was wondering, Vince two questions that i thought we could kind of put a bow on this conversation with which are what could the game do better and what does it have 
that other Marios can't touch? I think the implementation... So, like, let's go for can't touch first. I think the implementation of Flood was brilliant. And the uses for Flood and and the different level designs specifically around Flood. Each level had something to do with Flood, even if it wasn't... um, like spraying muck, it was weakening enemies, it was getting to places, it was always platforming with Flood. And that's, I think, this game's biggest strength, combined with the environment where there's a lot of water around, there's beaches, like lots of fountains and that give you water. I think that's a perfect implementation of a water weapon that Nintendo did really well. Um, the other section of that question, what do I think that they could do better? I think it was the some of the more frustrating platforming aspects for me, the weird momentum changes, not at all akin to super Mario 64. Um, some of the air momentum stuff, if you held forward too long in the air, you'd fly way too far. And, and, and it was like, it was not like an exact based, um, stick momentum air system, but you get used to it after a while. I just wish there was a way to change the sensitivity so that it wasn't so sensitive. Agreed. And that's pretty much everything I would change. Some of the aspects of the game were intentionally frustrating. I feel like, like the durians mm-hmm. or some of the, the weird platforming glitches, like to try to make it more difficult. But to me, it just felt like it was, it was slippery, like a little too slippery. Anyway, you let's hear your thoughts on that. Oh, well, I think... What the game could do better, in all fairness, is kind of in the same realm of what you're saying, which is, like, let's say that Mario, on a scale of 1 to 10, let's talk about sensitivity of controls. Mario's movements are like a sensitivity at a level 9 out of 10. Like, he's very sensitive. That's not to say if you sneezed, he would move, but that is to say that he moves very easily and he doesn't just turn around. You actually have to like kind of walk him in a circle, which is its own sort of challenge. Um, I would turn it from a 9 down to an 8 because I don't want him to be stiff or too easy to manipulate. That's what I would really change. Um, I wouldn't change like the enemies. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at the enemies in this game, and they're all entertaining and difficult in a healthy way. I mean, from the pink booze, that's creative. The cheap cheeps are around got booze bullet bills i mean we've got we've got all these things oh by the way those little things in peanut park are apparently called strollin stews so i what the hell i'm just reviewing some of these names for my my health and their for your health for your health and well-being my health and well for your trivia nights at the bar everyone i i i need someone to care about my health and well-being sorry um so just a great variety of games wouldn't change that um, but that's not to say, but that's not what I think that other Mario games can't touch. I didn't play Galaxy yet, as as disclosed earlier. I have played Odyssey, and playing through this game and then playing Odyssey afterward was really, I kind of looked back, you know, as a, a retrospective, right? I, I looked back at Sunshine and there are elements of Sunshine that just even felt better than Odyssey to me. And I think that one of the things Odyssey did right was it took that 
that companionship between you and Cappy and like you honestly, you need Cappy for a lot. You, but I feel like what you're saying is exactly right. Flood, you need Flood in some way, shape, or form at pretty much any point. Um, there's a very, 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 very sturdy message to this game about bettering the planet and about taking care of the world around us. And I think that yeah. that's a beautiful thing, which is why I jokingly and yet lovingly say that Al Gore probably loves this game because it's, you know, <laughs> it, it, it's what it is. It's it's a wonderful game. And I think another thing that they did masterfully with this game is that they made the levels such that while all contained in this same island, they were so different enough that you didn't feel like you were playing the same thing over and over and over again. And right. And I'm not going to lie. I, I don't know. I don't know if other Mario games have really mastered that the way that this game. No did. galaxy didn't do it very like galaxy had different levels from each one. I'm sorry. That was not very specific. Gal- within each world galaxy had different levels that were just totally different from each other. Usually uh, 64 did it with different things and this followed the 64 formula very much but it refined it much more and it was much more uh, satisfying to go through each level and see what was different in each one and just take that time to explore i did like that so that that was that was that's a big plus for this game as well yeah no i agree with you wholeheartedly i'm sitting here trying to figure out if mario is a part of any union um as a plumber but i can't seem to find that yet they get great health benefits actually oh oh my god they absolutely do it's him and luigi it's the it's the mario brothers labor movement i'm trying to figure it out but anytime i google mario plumbers it would be like a number right it'd be like the mario brothers 419 or something like ua local 449 steam fitters plumbers union 27 and these are all you know kind of around the berg as it were but but yeah we'll we'll figure out that sometime later in the future but did you just look at pittsburgh unions oh yeah absolutely we take our unions very seriously here oh we are a pro labor movement podcast we are Yes, we're pro. Yeah, we're pro labor. Absolutely, we're pro labor of any sort, whether it's labor unions, organized labor, going into labor. We're we're pro it. It's okay. Yes, big yes. So yeah, that's sunshine. It's uh, it's a hell of a game. It's a great Mario platformer. It's one of those like awesome ways to just sit down and play a couple levels if you want to. You can play this game pretty separated out if you want to, or like all is one experience. It's up to you, but. Uh, that's sunshine. It's a, and we liked it. it. We liked it. It's a blast. It's nostalgic in its own right. It's difficult in just the ways it needs to be. It's not an unfair game, um, but it involves a level of patience to really master and get down. But once you get it down, it, it and once you trust yourself and get out of your own head, it's just wonderful fits well under the hands we would recommend it i know that vince you were jazzed to talk about this game and so i was so glad to do this with you yeah i was super jazzed to talk about this game because this game um was a huge part of my childhood and uh, i played this game quite a bit i don't ever remember the platforming being as frustrating as i see it now 
Amen. Maybe it's because I'm used to platformers that are like now modern day platformers that have a much tighter controls, but yeah. this does not. And I I will come to like an agreement with Ben that the game kind of puts you in that adrenaline mode. Yes. Um to beat certain levels. And there are sometimes when that feels so satisfying and there are other times when I don't want to be in adrenaline mode anymore. And when it required level after level <laughs> after level, uh, some sometimes I had to put the game down. But but that's modern day me, and I don't understand why that's modern day me. Because me as a kid, I just played it all the way through. I just go one more time, one more time, let's go, let's go, kind of deal. So well, well, I just want to tack on to what you said there, and that's that old games, older games. I feel because of the lack of bone throwing, they throw you into that adrenaline drive because you don't have a bunch of chances. There's not much grace in these games. Um, you you really no. have to trust, go with the flow. It's it's kind of almost a, a a Zen or Taoist practice playing through these games, trusting and and not overthinking because you can calculate till the cows come home, but it won't actually end up um, it won't end up benefiting you the way that you would hope it would. So um, yeah, if you want to hear us talk about. Mario and uh, the labor union to which he would probably belong and whether that would be in the United States, Japan, or Italy, because he's a little bit of all of them, isn't he? Right. It, well, the, the with some level European architecture included in that. Absolutely. Let us know on any of our platforms. And for the final time, that is Super Mario Sunshine. And that brings us to the end of our podcast. Uh, if you would like to contact us in any way, shape, or form, you are more than welcome to do so on many different sorts of media. Our Twitter, at Pixel Project Radio. Our Instagram, at Pixel Project Pod. Uh, you can email us at pixelprojectradio at gmail.com. Um, and I would like you to tell us, what, what do we want them to tell us? Tell us anything that you want us to know about you and your love of video games and what they mean to you and what you'd like us to talk about because we don't do this for ourselves. We do this for all of you. Right. We sit in this comfort zone of playing games that we have already played or games that we already love, but we want to hear games that you love. And we've heard on Instagram stories a bunch of times, um, not really so much activity on Twitter, but we'd love to get more active on Twitter. I'm I'm more of a Twitter user myself, so I like Twitter more than I like Instagram. But yeah, hit us up, email us, let us know. Let us know what games you want to see featured on the podcast. Um, if you have, also if you have any stories or like experience from playing Super Mario Sunshine that you wanted us to share, maybe um, next week if we get enough features, we can read a couple. Absolutely, my friend. It's been a pleasure to record this episode with you. You as well. You as well. And this is the first one where it's just Ben and I. I know. We forgot to mention that at the beginning. So. Can, you, can you believe it? My goodness. Oh, I know. It's it's a glorious experience, the two of us here. It, Look at us. It is. Oh, my Who gosh. Who would have thought? Oh, my gosh. I'm, I'm not crying. You're crying. No, we... <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> we give thanks for Rick Firestone and all of the work that he does, and we look forward to talking with him again real soon. But this is Ben Bugale signing off and giving thanks for each of your sets of ears who happen to be listening to us talk about this game. Again, we encourage you to listen to it. So thanks so much for listening. And I am Vince Bozzelli. Goodbye. Goodbye.
Please follow us on Facebook and subscribe via iTunes. My name is Jonathan Dornbush, and this is Podcast Beyond, episode 707. I keep wanting to accidentally say 600, but we're in the 700s now. i got to get used to that. Uh, talking about all the latest PlayStation news releases and more uh, right here on IGN and YouTube. Uh, of course, you can also find us on all your favorite podcast services. And why am I doing the end of the show now? Well, because we're ending the show right now. It's the quickest episode in Beyond history. Uh, <laughs> no, we actually have quite a bit to talk about this week. I'm joined this week by Brian Altano. Hey, what's up, Beyond? Beyond, Lucy O'Brien. Hi. Hello from New Zealand. Hello, Lucy. And Max Scoville. I'm also in New Zealand. I moved all of my dolls and things there, and I'm also in... I know I'm not. Hi. <laughs> it's an incredible one-to-one that you were able to do from your, your previous home, so congratulations on that. Uh, but no, Lucy, thank you for joining us in quite a different time zone and uh, through your internet wife, or your uh, hotel internet to be here. Yeah, it's actually doing quite well. I thought it was going to, I'm in Christchurch, I'm in mandatory quarantine, so that's why if you're watching this on video, uh, my background looks extremely different um, to my usual white nothingness. Um, yeah, I'm in quarantine. The uh, The internet is holding up okay, uh, but fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Yes, we'll we'll see what happens. And so if you if you hear any or see any technical difficulties as the show uh, goes on, please bear with us. Uh, but yeah, we have quite a bit to talk about this week. Uh, we're going to get to the, I think, biggest PlayStation news of the week in just a second. But I do want to briefly just follow up on last week's episode, where, of course, we talked a little bit about the whole uh, Kojima conspiracy that is uh, Blue Box Studios and Abandoned. We don't think it is actually Kojima. Uh, But anyway, they were supposed to put out a trailer app for their horror game Abandoned the day after we recorded our episode. Uh, Of course, we were saying, unless it gets delayed, and lo and behold, it did get delayed until August. Um, It got delayed the day it was supposed to go up, which, like, not the best timing to communicate that when all eyes are on you, but uh, communication about this game has definitely been uh, not one of its highest points, uh, suffice to say. Um, I I think I mostly wanted to bring this one up to one. Uh, Something we didn't mention on the show that I think a few people I saw in the YouTube comments mentioning was that oh, PlayStation is giving all this game backing, though, so it has to be a big thing. Um, There was a PlayStation blog post, and they're creating this trailer app, not PlayStation. Um, There are a lot of games you probably have never heard of that also had PlayStation blog posts that you just don't remember. Um, And, like, that is a very more more common thing, and we're actually going to talk about that a little bit later in the show, though maybe about the the barrier to entry to do so for that. Um, But it is a thing that doesn't guarantee that Sony is funding this game in any way. So I just want to put that out there. Um, I had a question. Did they they put up a trailer for the trailer app? Not yet. No. I I mean, if I'm going to download an app, I got to know what I'm getting in for, you know? Exactly. They put up a short film of a man describing why you couldn't watch the trailer app for two more months, despite it being supposed to launch that day, which is like... I feel like they it's, it's it's incredibly poor taste. I'll just flat out say that. But to not 
uh, communicate that earlier and to do that the morning of. I mean, there were people being like, what time do you think it goes live? 9 a.m.? Or what about, you know, uh, midnight uh, New Zealand time or whatever? And they're like, no, it's just not going to be here for two months. Like, how did they not know until that morning that it wasn't going to be ready for two more months? That's kind of insane. Yeah, it was. I feel like I want to see a documentary behind this whole, like, thing. It just feels like everyone has been scrambling. There have been so, so many sort of threads of miscommunication and yeah i i would love to hear it's very it's very you know trump ends up at the landscaping thing <laughs> it's, it's got a, it's, it's got a, it's got that vibe you know Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's in a strange scenario where, like, I certainly feel for the dev who didn't expect all of these eyes on them in a way that is questioning their own existence. Like, th- mm-hmm. this is definitely a guy who for weeks now has been told, you're not real, you're an actor. And that probably grates on a person. I can very much, like, understand and sympathize with that. But I also, I agree with you, Brian. Like, this was definitely something they probably had to have known before the minute they were going to launch. Yeah. And, and knowing how many eyes are on them, they should have just said couple days ahead hey we have to push this even more um it's it's a weird case and a weird scenario and obviously when that trailer app if it ever goes live at this point we'll we'll keep an eye on it if it doesn't just become a normal trailer they put up at some point on youtube but we'll wait, 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 so hold on, hold on. so would yeah. you say it's it's a some sort of a playable teaser don't you start. Don't, they're going to think you're Kojima now. You know who's behind this, don't you? It's the Patriots and the Lale Lule Lolos. They're, they're doing it again, and all information is fake, and you can find out more on the Death Stranding subreddit. Uh, this is going to get picked up on the subreddit for sure. Um, no, but I will say, in terms of the whole uh, Silent Hill conspiracy aspect of it, I would look more toward the agreement that we saw pretty uh, recently, uh, AK this morning as we're recording, that Konami has partnered with Bloober Team, uh, the team behind the Medium and, and other various horror games, uh, to to work together in a partnership. And I don't know, Konami really doesn't seem to have a ton of horror franchises to pull from uh, that a first-person horror and third-person action horror, uh, you know, studio might want to work on. I mean, we've, you know, we've talked about this for a long time. Like, I remember talking about, like, whether or not Bluebird should tackle Silent Hill, like, several, several episodes back. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This has been a thing that they were rumored to be doing for quite some time. And this just feels like the official announcement of the partnership so that when they announce Mm -hmm. the game later, it's not, like, totally out of the blue. I hope it's an an observer pachinko machine and we're we're all wrong, you know? I will point out that like the sort of like uh, ethical concept of Bomberman is scary. Like the sure. I, that idea of sort of 64 identical men trying to kill each other with ex- explosives is, you know, theoretically a dark um, prospect. In a very so that, small that, that contained be, environment. I think a lot yes. of people have been asking for a first person Castlevania where you don't have a whip or anything, you know, <laughs> just you have to, you know, survive all those bats and stuff by yourself. <laughs> yeah, where Simon Belmont just walks around and just slowly mumbles about how bad things got. <laughs> yeah, you got to hold the right trigger to peek inside a wall, see if there's chickens in there, you know? <laughs> there used to be food here. Uh, we, yeah. we, we can only hope all our game design <laughs> dreams come true. But yeah, that that to me at least feels like if you're looking for an actual like fire behind the smoke, that feels like probably a better place to look than... So mm-hmm. there was a lot of backlash about this because I think that people don't really like... 
um, or they don't think that Bluebird is sort of like the team that should be there for Silent Hill. Um, I, I'll, you know, Devil's Advocate, give them a chance, like see what they're capable of doing. I have a feeling they'll staff up and um, they'll be able to do something new. Also, it's been such a long time since we've had like a traditional Silent Hill game. Even PT wasn't really a traditional Silent Hill game, although it was, you know, um, sort of one of the most brilliant horror experience we've seen in this medium no pun intended but uh i i enjoyed the medium for the most part uh i think that blair blair witch like had a lot of really cool stuff going on for it it was kind of an almost they did a phenomenal job of building um mood in that game and i think that that's one of the things i think of first when it comes to silent hill uh it's also like that you know that that's a franchise that's kind of in disarray and has been for a while like there's dlc for dead by daylight there's the silent hill collection which uh, is a, a bad port and the only real way to like kind of revisit those games. It's also still 30 bucks, which is annoying. I, I went to peep that this morning to see if I could just like jump back in and replay those games. Cause it's been so long. And I was like, I don't know if I want to spend $30 on, you know, two games from several generations ago, but, uh, this is apparently not the only Silent Hill game being worked on right now. There's also a VR one. Um, and there's also these rumors that like a Japanese studio is working on one of the games. So I don't know if like Bloober is making a VR Silent Hill, if a Japanese studio like that. We got some answers here, but I feel like there's also, you know, this spirals off into more directions and then whatever the hell the yeah. abandoned thing is. So but, yeah, I, I completely just want to add to that, um, that, you know, I don't really care who handles a silent a new Silent Hill game as long as it's not like an homage. Like I want it to be an interesting development and evolution for that series. Like mm-hmm. my I guess my one fear with you know having a Western developer attached because we have seen previous Silent Hill games with Western devs attached and it always felt a little bit like yeah like an homage like they were just trying to sort of recapture something that was very organic in the first place and and not really evolving it at all um and you know what was so exciting about pt was that kojima seemed to be taking it in a very new direction mm-hmm. um so you know i'm 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 excited that we're getting like i'm ex- i'm excited whenever anyone is talking about silent hill because i love that series but at the same time like I, i'm really hoping to see some evolution there yeah yeah i mean isn't it go, ahead. Oh, go for it jonathan I was just going to say, yeah, speaking to your point of like, there there are reports, I think Video Game Chronicles had the report as they've previously been reporting on Silent Hill that, yeah, there seem to be other projects in the works. And so I think like, to your point that it's a bit of a, like, what is the identity of Silent Hill? I think Konami is trying to figure that out too. And it seems like the yeah. answer is probably going in a few directions and we might see what sticks and that kind of ends up being the future of what this franchise is. You know what's not silent? I'll tell you. Hundreds of chrome balls rattling through a pachinko machine, but why not try a new direction for that quiet, quiet franchise? The loud mountain of pachinko coming up from Konami. <laughs> I mean, we, they, make, like, they make pachinko machines. It's a yeah. joke, but I'm just saying they do that. No, yeah, it could, no, I mean, no. hey, we can get a Silent Hill water bottle and treadmill machine or whatever else Konami's strange right. business. No, I mean, like they... Like, they they have they are the keepers of some of the most beloved video game franchises ever that are all sort of in limbo right now like it's mm-hmm. it's such a bummer i mean watching like the metroid dread stuff out of e3 i was kind of sitting there being like where's where's castlevania you know like there was yeah. and i've mentioned this before but like and i don't think i realized how good i had it in the moment or us castlevania fans had it in the moment but there was a couple years there where we were getting a brand new just really awesome 2D Castlevania game across the GBA and the DS for years. We got like six of them and they're, they're great. They hold up tremendously well. They're 
they haven't figured out how to port them to modern consoles or make a collection. They aren't fast-tracking sequels or anything. There is, uh, in a couple territories, in a Castlevania Advance collection has been raided by, by a Ooh. couple of ratings board. So I, I am hoping that those are getting ported to at least PC, but hopefully consoles too. Me too. I, I always love wanted to, to see what they PS5. look like, you know, just on a screen with lights that come out of it. So you yeah, mm-hmm. actually see happen. the games. Yeah. Um, I had the worst Game Boy, like, plug-in light frame. Oh, I had that. Yeah, just to be able to actually see those games. But yeah, they're phenomenal. It is a a very strange case, and I I think we're going to keep covering it, uh, obviously, as we hear more officially. But I I just want to follow up on that as we did spend a little bit of time on Abandoned last week. Um, But uh, moving to a game that isn't Abandoned at all and has, in fact, been acquired uh, to pick up another A name, uh, Returnal. Uh, the devs behind Returnal Housemark have been officially uh, acquired by PlayStation. They are now an official part of the PlayStation Studios family uh, of studios. So they join, obviously, first-party teams like Naughty Dog and Bend and Sucker Punch, uh, Insomniac and whatnot. Um, it's really awesome to see Sony pick them up uh, alongside, and it, we'll, we'll talk about both aspects of this, alongside that announcement was a now-deleted tweet from PlayStation Japan that also welcomed Bluepoint Games, the Demon Souls remake creators, uh, to the PlayStation family as well. Um, the, the thing that makes people think that was more than just a, a typo is because they actually had a bespoke new image that had all of these sort of like PlayStation studios lined up, included Demon Souls in there, had them have the, the Bluepoint logo on there. So we're potentially looking at Bluepoint also being, uh, officially acquired, presumably an announcement sometime to come soon, if that is the case. Um, but as of right now, we, we know Housemark uh, has been picked up and I, for one, I'm, I'm really excited by this. I've, I've loved Housemark for quite some time on PlayStation and at least for my end and Brian, I'll start with you in terms of like these deals, it sort of felt like Returnal and Demon's Souls also to, to another extent, if Blue Point turns out to be true, we're sort of like the final test beds of like, okay, we, we kind of want this deal to happen, but let's see what you do with our brand new hardware. And right. both were hits, both were critically acclaimed and it felt like, okay, that seals the deal. Yeah, no, Returnal is one of my favorite games this year. Um, it's one of the best PS5 games. It's uh, Housemark. Right before Returnal came out, I went like kind of on a download spree um, and re-downloaded every old Housemark game that I could get my hands on. Um, most of them I had purchased already, so it was easy to do that. And like they have such an awesome pedigree, and I just I really love their approach to sort of taking this like '80s '90s arcade design philosophy and modernizing it, and also like. On like on a personal level, it's just super cool to see uh, hard work pay off and be rewarded. This is a studio that has been consistently awesome, but also very openly had like financial troubles and you know uh, had dabbled in uh, making mobile games, chasing the battle royal craze and, and and shit like that. And it was just like get a, it's so cool to see them ha- not have to worry about that. Like they they moved in with the family that's going to take care of them. They're going to get support. They're staffing up. Uh, which is part of the announcement is like they're they're bringing new people on. They they already said they're working on a new project that isn't a sequel to Returnal. It's it's going beyond Returnal, whatever that means. Um, and I, I love this. I love this. I, I this is such a cool sort of feather in the cap of what Sony's doing to join like all of their studios and stuff like that. And you know, for so many people, uh, the Sony third you know first party studios are basically just like long story driven sad dad stories and there was a you know some sad mom stuff in returnal for sure and you know it's it's it is a third person you know kind of bleak sad game in a lot of ways but also like this this is a, this is a studio that just knows how to have fun with the sort of arcade genre 
And I can't wait to see what they do next. I'm so happy for them that they get to continue to grow and evolve and stick to their guns and make cool stuff. That's like the best news in the world you can possibly ask for for a studio like this. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited for them uh, to your point of like having that backing because Returnal felt like the the first step in their new era where yeah. where they do have this arcade DNA and I think that's going to continue to be part of their games but to have the the backing and the support and the stability I think that's something that we've seen on both sides like Tim Schafer was very open about like wanting to join Xbox after like uh, Double Fine notoriously like stayed independent very specifically for a long time, but because it meant he didn't have to worry about also pitching the next game to be able to get funding for it. They could just right. have that funding and security back there. And so, especially for a smaller team like Housemark, who's been putting in the work for years, who has been like, I think a stalwart of you know, like a high point of both the PS4's launch day and now, you know, the first six months of the PS5 uh, and and been on PS3 and Vita as well. Like I'm I'm very, very happy for them and I'm excited to see what comes from them next. It's also watch charting their evolution has been uh, fascinating too. Like Returnal is such a step up over anything else that they've made before, and that's I I can't wait to see them grow. Like that's so cool. So I'm looking Max, at the some um, reason to me. Oh no, you go ahead, Max. I was going to say just talking about sort of the evolution of the studio, um, both Housemark and Bluepoint. This is this is not really that surprising um, because they've both been I would say sort of primarily in bed with Sony for mm-hmm. around 15 years each. Uh, I mean, the majority of of things that house has put out have been have been playstation exclusive there's super stardust hd there was the uh the psp version there was dead nation which was across all the uh playstation platforms it made a bunch of vita games uh the 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 exceptions here are really like the angry birds trilogy and uh outland which was multi-plat and but it's oh, like yeah. they, they've clearly been like really like they've been pretty tight with with sony like they've been making lots of you know, PlayStation four exclusives or PlayStation three exclusives. And then looking at blue point, I mean, obviously they're a, you know, they're a port house for the most part, but they do really good ports. Uh, the only, the only ports they've done that weren't for a PlayStation system were the metal gear solid HD collection and the 360 version of Titanfall. But like everything else that they did has, has been a PlayStation game. So it's, it, it feels, it feels less like, I mean, obviously this is, you know, this is an acquisition and it's cool. They're going to have some more money to throw around and they have the security of that. But like, this feels more like a, you know, yeah, Jon Snow is part of the the family. This, this sort of like, you know, <laughs> bastard stepkid is allowed to, you know, come to Christmas officially. Like he gets to be in the Sears portrait studio photo. Like it's, um, yeah, you know, like your, it's, your, it's more your friends that, yeah. that were engaged for a long time get married. Yeah, like exactly. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then I, similar to, sorry, Lucy, go ahead. Uh, yeah. I just want to add that, like, I feel like, So this is a very simplistic observation, so I apologize in advance, but it feels like, you know, Sony is starting to, it's, it's very MCU-ish. Like it felt like with the, the Ratchet and Clank, the, when I, when you power that up and you see the Sony Studios logo and it's very Mm -hmm. much like the Marvel Studios logo and like they're, they're getting all these kind of uh, smaller developers under their wings, you know, like how the MCU is, is, is is getting like Taika Waititi and perhaps less known directors under their wing, right? It's like, and and all of a sudden you're getting these very tonally different films and under the PlayStation banner, you're getting these very tonally different games. Um, and I think that's really exciting and interesting, but like from the outside, that is, it, it's starting to feel very MCU-y. Right. right. I, mean, yeah. I think it's, it's very much like a, um, we used to have that sort of, 
you know, only on PlayStation, that sort of Nintendo seal of approval kind of graphic that you'd see on things. And this is, you know, by having a really cohesive uh, first party kind of label, it's really being like, this is, you, you can expect a certain level of quality from this. And I, you know, I wonder if they just sort of looked at their long running relationship with Mark and Bluepoint and they were just like, yeah, you, you pass the test. They can, you can come hang out, you know. But don't you think they're, they're leaning into it from like a marketing angle? Oh, you know, totally. I, yeah, like yeah. For, oh, as yeah. soon as soon as that ratchet, like for me, it was that ratchet and clank Sony Studios thing. I was just like, oh, okay. Well, I mean, there's, this I think is there's, what you're doing. I think there's always been some confusion among among players. Uh, you know, obviously we're pretty we're pretty close to this, but like, what constitutes mm. a first party game versus? A, a game that is exclusive to a platform, you know? Right. If you mm-hmm. can only play it on PlayStation and you start up your, your system and it has the PlayStation logo and then you play the game, but it was developed by people who don't work for PlayStation, they just made a PlayStation game. That's, you know, that's not a first-party thing. It's just, you know, it's just exclusive. But, you know, then you can have... I, I don't know. It's... It, it That doesn't... Like, you get, you'd get the PlayStation startup logo on every, you know, PS1, PS2, PS3 game. Like, there's always a... There's that thing there. And it's just sort of, it's kind of nice that they have like a really, it's, it is, it is cohesive branding to be like, Hey, this is, this is one of our games. You can only get this here. You know? It's yeah. absolutely buy... an evolution of the Nintendo seal of quality. Mm-hmm. Like it's yeah. absolutely that. Well, we don't buy... buy games in boxes anymore. So having a little sticker on the top that says only on PlayStation doesn't work because if you're buying it from the PlayStation store, you're not checking to see if it's on the Xbox marketplace or steam or whatever. So having this thing get in your face when you first start it up to be like, ah, I can only get this here and yeah, I, and I mean, in two years, you know, uh, acquiring the Yeah. Uh, acquiring them. I think also like Lucy, to your point, it's, it's assembling the, the team who have been sort of a part of it, uh, you know, for some time. And, and I, I think like this is bumped those people up to that next level. Like, like you were saying, I think, um, most of the MCU directors now are people who did one indie movie. There was a joke on, I'm watching Hacks on HBO Max, and there was a joke about how, like, someone did one indie film and now she's doing the next Marvel movie. And, like, that was kind of, that's been the thing with the MCU is you do an indie movie mm-hmm. that's really criti- critically acclaimed, you win an Oscar if you're Chloe Zhao, and then you direct a Marvel movie. And so I like Returnal and Demon Souls were, I think, both really big hits and I think are kind of looked at as the next gen games right now, like other, now, and Ratchet and Clank, of course. But those were the the two not owned companies by Sony. And if Sony just acquires them, then yeah, they are, they are the face of what next gen games are looking like right now. And and that can go a long way for marketing because I am honestly sure that like, you know, as long as those studios remained independent and seeing the acclaim that Returnal and Demon's Souls got and seeing the work that they put in, probably other people want to work with Housemark and Bluepoint. Um, mm-hmm. And that's a matter of Sony probably saying, well, we want to make sure we're always going to be able to work with them. Uh, and their teams that probably could use the backing and the funding and security because that's you know something these teams probably love to have. Uh, I can't help so, but wonder yeah. how long this has been in talks because if yeah. you know I mean Returnal again it's like that is the biggest house smart game to date and Demon Souls it's been in talks been. since late last year. Okay, yeah, but I yeah. mean, yeah, I wonder if it was just sort of like okay, you shipped a you shipped a launch title, welcome aboard. But it, you mm-hmm. know, or if this was even just like a a conversation prior to that, but. Uh, Apparently, they were talking about it towards the tail end of development for Returnal, and then, um, and this is where it gets confusing to me, um, kind of put it aside so the team could finish the game, I guess, instead of just being like, hey, you might have to, you know, move (laughs) soon or something like that, or like... You know, we might have a, a new like, like if you, your you, your studio gets bought out and things change, it was too much to sort of shake up when they were just sort of at the finish line, 
of um making you know dragging the game to go gold uh which i guess makes sense because like if they're hiring new people and stuff like that that creates a lot of new dynamics in a studio um and so like yeah that's that's pretty cool that not only were they were like hey this is kind of uh, you know on the horizon right now but also finish what you're working on um we'll see how it does and then and then we'll talk and then it it sold returnal sold really well which is great you know yeah for like and- a 70 dollar punishing arcade game basically <laughs> yeah it, it really put housework on the map in a way that I think like they've been critically acclaimed for a while, but matching that with some commercial success um, will really go along, I think, in the future. And, and Lucy, to your point, I think like immediately, even if they don't, you know, continue with Returnal, I think like making housemark and Returnal and Celine a part of this brand that you now know as part of the MCU of PlayStation mm-hmm. makes a lot of sense for them going forward. And, and Bluepoint's an interesting one, too, where as as uh, Max, you were looking into their history like they are pretty much known for remasters and remakes i wonder if that's what continues from them because they sure know how to do it really really well and there are a bunch of old playstation franchises people want to see but like it's also a talented studio and i wonder what their inclinations are to doing an original project as well and maybe this offers them security to do both of those things okay so i'm looking at the at the playstation 5 launch games um this might be a little bit tinfoil hat but i feel like if this trend continues, it would not surprise me one bit to see Sony scoop up Sumo Digital and Young Horses because Sumo Digital did, you know, Sackboy's Big Adventure, which, you know, I mean, this isn't, you know, there's no indication that like a, a company that makes a launch title for a, a platform would be uh, necessarily acquired. But I feel like, you know, Sumo also did Little Big Planet 3 and uh, they've, you know, got a look, you know, long track record. I'm looking at Young Horses who did, who did Bug Snacks, uh, which was, Kind of a kind of a surprise, uh, you know, launch game, and it was also like free out the gate. Uh, they also they have a history of doing like Octodad was using PlayStation Move support. They had a, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know, it was I don't even I don't know if that was exclusive specifically, but like I think it might have launched console yeah, exclusive. On yeah, PS4, I mean, it's, that, it's that was an early yeah. game for it's PS4. you know an existing relationship there. I just I mean I'm gonna I'm just gonna say that now, and if it happens, <laughs> somebody remind me that I said it. We can point it back here. Yeah, um, yeah. Young Horse is an interesting one. Like having talked to that team a bunch, I, it, it's I wonder like how much they would value the independence over uh, the security of that stuff. And I, I'd be very curious to see where they go um, in the future. I'm very excited for whatever comes next from them as someone who loved Bug Snacks a lot. Sumo is an interesting one because yeah, they they now have a very long standing Sackboy and Little Big Planet relationship, and but they are like a much more a much wider company than just that. Like they, I think Sumo were also the people who made Hood. Recently, like they, they are acquired. Let's see. They've acquired several studios like they are a big company into themselves. So I mm-hmm. like I almost wonder if that just remains a partnership at this point. Yeah, mm-hmm. that, that could also check out. But I mean, if you I, I feel like in a lot of ways, um, Young Horses has like a very, a very double fine kind of energy to them. Like they're very oh, kind yeah, of wacky. Sure. And, you know, you look at a lot of sort of uh, Sony's other stuff and it's very, you know, it's very, very polished and, you know, triple a and and shiny and clean and sort of to have like the you know to have sort of a class clown in their portfolio would be you know good addition yeah Yeah. i like the idea of of celine joining the sort of like playstation avengers because it's like you have all these people that are like wrought with trauma (laughs) and then like these you know people being like oh god kratos is like my wife died and then like fucking joel's like my daughter died and celine's like i've canonically been killed hundreds of thousands of times and lived through every second of it it fucking sucks 
<laughs> and then they pan over to like I, they pan over to the, the one of the bug snacks, and he's like, "I have hot dogs for hands." <laughs> just, the sliding scale of tragedy in place. Yeah. Oh my places. god! Uh, ranking the, the most one, tragic the one thing uh, yeah, the one thing that I, I, you know, I consistently heard from um, from like devs who have worked under the Sony banner is that they have always been afforded a great deal of creative freedom. Like that is what I've heard. I mean, that is just what I've been told from speaking to people at like Media Molecule, for example. Um, that there is, you know, there is little interference from that like company. So when it comes to acquiring smaller, scrappier studios, uh. I don't I don't think that I'm not overly concerned that Sony is going to like try and steer them towards a certain type of Sony game. I think that right. there is a degree of understanding that, you know, they should be allowed to go out and do what and make what they want to make. Yeah, I think yeah. in the same way we're seeing the Xbox acquisitions of teams being like, no, we want you to, we, we acquired you to make the games we want you to make. Like, I think they want Housemark to make Housemark games. If, if Bluepoint mm-hmm. turns out they want Bluepoint to make either the remakes or the original games that Bluepoint wants to make. I think if they acquired a smaller, very like idiosyncratic team like Young Horses, it would be like, because we want you to make those games to like turn them. I I guess the closest comparison I can think of, which has been one of my major bummers is like, you know, on the Activision side, we have a lot of really imaginative, great teams like the Toys for Bob team who are doing the Spyro and and new Crash games who are now working on Call of Duty. (laughs) And it it, like hurts my heart to see the, er, the, ingenuity and the originality and the creativity that came out of a team within this larger you know activision banner to then just continue now having to work on call of duty and so yeah i i don't think we see that sort of same thing with playstation Mm. i think we see them get to make the games they want to which is kind of different than what you do see with comic book movie directors because like a lot of them have been very open about being like this was my movie and then those parts were the parts that the studio told me to put in so it can connect to the larger cinematic universe narrative um yeah. I, and I mean, of, of course, <laughs> it's worth pointing out and talking about, you know, obviously there was the report uh, several months ago that we talked about quite a bit on the show of the worry that Sony was just doubling down on blockbusters at the risk of of creative freedom or of, of or at the excuse me, at the um, the limitation of risky creativity. Um, but it, it's at least with these new studios, I think they're acquiring them in the sense to let them do what they do best. Um mm-hmm. But in terms of like Sony's interest in continuing to acquire, um, part of the news of this uh, came out from a GQ UK uh, interview with the leads of Housemark as well as Herman Holst. Uh, and GQ asked Herman if it feels like we're in the midst of this arms race because Microsoft bought Bethesda, Facebook is scooping up a lot of devs for VR. Um, is Sony interested in, in an arms race and or do they see it as an arms race? And Herman said... Uh, quote, no, not at all. We're very selective about the developers that we bring in. Our last new acquisition was Insomniac, uh, which has worked out very well. I'm always looking for people that have a similar set of values, similar creative ambitions, and work very well with our team that we can further invest in and help grow as creators. It's not like we're going around and just making random acquisitions. They're very, very targeted acquisitions of teams that we know well. The amount of collaboration between our external development group and Housemark on the technical side, the production management side, and even on the creative side has been so deep. So for us, it just makes so much sense to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, this is not something you do overnight. Um, we've been working uh, on this for quite a while, but we obviously didn't want to distract the core group at Housemark that's been working to get this amazing title out, uh, Brian, as you had mentioned earlier. And I, I think the the strongest point that I can bring up about this, that where I get that like their current approach is coming from is like the 
I, I've had those discussions with Herman about Firewalk Studios and uh, Deviation Games, and of course they also are working with uh, Jade Raymond's Haven Studios. Like, they're not acquiring those teams. Those teams are still independent. They're just, these next new games are being published, and that feels like um, his point about they're, they're targeted acquisitions of teams that we know well. And even if those studios are headed by people they know well, like, those are brand new teams. And so it seems like Sony is letting those teams almost, like, figure out themselves a little bit while working with them and, and still giving them like the keys to the kingdom and letting them work with their resources, but not fully taking them on just yet because it is a risk at that point with a new team. Right. I think that's why the Bethesda thing felt um, so surprising for a lot of people because it, it didn't really seem like there was like a deep history between those companies outside of just sort of coexisting and, you know, supporting each other's platforms and such. Um, whereas the Sony acquisitions definitely feel like, you know, we have a history of working with you. You've proven to exist well within our ecosystem. We trust you. You know how to, you know, deliver a product that uh, audiences like and critics like and sells well. So I guess like to me, it would be more like to see what Sony should acquire, or what I want them to acquire in the future. It would be more like filling holes in, uh, or gaps in in, in genres uh, and stuff like that that they're not truly covering on right now. Which, like off the top of my head, I don't really have a ton that I would think of. Whereas, I, you know, obviously Microsoft has spent the last few years sort of like ramping up and staffing up and getting to a place where they're a lot more comfortable and um, can go. Here's our, you know, here's our suite. Here's our library. Here's our all of our studios, our games. Um, but Sony's been doing that for a very long time, so I think that they're in a like, they have a really rock solid foundation. So I actually don't know who I'd want to see them purchase so maybe that is a good philosophy of sort of being selective because i don't think they should just go you know throw a billion dollars at capcom or something um and go hey you're ours now yeah i i worry too i don't want too much consolidation of the industry because you get into that monopolization issue i i do agree like the xbox made the deal it needed to and it was a smart move because they needed to shore up having original exclusives to be able to put on game pass to be able to get people to want to invest in that as a service like it it totally made sense from that perspective but i agree with you it was a very funny move coming off of um you know two playstation 5 announced exclusives from bethesda with it so just money <laughs> like yeah. money 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 that's what mm -hmm. that acquisition was all about and again, like right. good on them for yeah. you know securing that safety. Like that yeah. that gives Bethesda a lot of safety to be part of such a larger corporation. Like Bethesda was big, but Microsoft is Microsoft. Right. And so to be part of that larger house, uh, it just makes sense. Like from a financial point, as you're saying, Lucy. Even even if the relationship doesn't feel as the same as like, oh yeah, Sony acquiring Insomniac is like oh, that should have happened 15 years ago. Yeah, of course. Exactly. That, yeah. Same with same with Housemark and really same with Bluepoint. Like. If that one also proves out to be, which it feels like it will, like those just feel obvious to me. Mm -hmm. But I don't want them to go say like, well, we've been publishing a lot of Square Enix, you know, Final Fantasy games exclusively at first. Let's just acquire Square Enix. Like, I, I don't want that to happen on, on the PlayStation side. It would be nice um, if they acquired FromSoft. That would be a cool one. Uh, they, did, they did purchase a minority stake in FromSoft's parent company uh, a while back. So... Mm -hmm. We'll see what happens there. Uh, but for now, you know, uh, I mean, Sekiro sold pretty well multi-platform, and I feel like Elden Ring's going to do the same. But we'll see. I mean, yeah, this is yeah. all. This is more money than any of us could ever understand happening constantly with people mm -hmm. who are smarter than us. 
and more I'm powerful. So <laughs> I feel like I've never. I feel like a child just being like. We're just like I'm sort of feeling like we're like, we're like the Muppet babies, and yeah. you just see the legs, you know. You just see legs. Yeah, I can't see higher than like the nanny's skirt. I'm just. I like, mean, I, okay. I'll I'm pretend freaking... it's Star Wars with my friends for a couple. Oh, this of is hours. this is like fourth graders deciding what furniture they want in their dream house. Like this is yeah. This, you know what yeah. The hell we're talking about. I'm, I'm freaking out about paying rent today and figuring out where that money is coming from. We're mm-hmm. we're not. Yeah, we're not qualified for the the million dollar hundreds of millions of dollars deals just but, sell uh, bethesda you can pay yeah, just sell them um yeah i have this stock so i assume it means i own the company um but no very uh congratulations to the housemark team I haven't gotten to speak with a few of them uh with the launch of returnal they seem like a really great passionate group uh, of devs who have been doing amazing work for years and I'm, I'm very excited to see what's ahead for them and maybe congrats to blue point as well hopefully we get to talk with you in the future the way to celebrate would be to remaster bloodborne or just putting that out there it's a good time mm-hmm. it's a good celebration just drag and drop it put it through the graphics processor and make <laughs> those... all those secret skeletons they that the people on youtube found in the walls and such you know yeah. they bring those guys those, those old horses get those out there Fog. Volumetric fog. I read that somewhere. I don't know what it is, but it sounds spooky. Put it in Yarnum. It is a phrase I have definitely heard as well in a GDC talk. Uh, moving on from there, though, of course, uh, whether or not that happens, we'll, we'll, of course, cover it on the show when or if it does. Uh, but uh, in terms of looking forward a little bit closer to games uh, you can play on PlayStation Plus next month. Uh, July's PlayStation Plus lineup was revealed this morning as we're recording, uh, and it includes on PS4 uh, WWE Battlegrounds, which I think is that like sort of chibi WWE game that got released when they said there wasn't going to be a proper WWE game because the developers. I think watched. Chibi Chibi's the wrong nomenclature. I feel like that is okay. super deformed or SD. Yeah. You know that. Is... <laughs> okay. Um, there's it's also DK mode in GoldenEye, basically. Okay. Uh, Black Ops Four which is not the most recent Black Ops, let alone the most recent Call of Duty. Uh, and on PS5, uh, A Plague Tale Innocence, which is coming to... That is it, cool. It's yeah. getting a next-gen remaster on uh, PS5 and Xbox Series X in, in the beginning of July. And so this will be free to PlayStation Plus owners, you know, no additional charge there. I'm really excited. I've heard such great Me stuff too. about A Plague Tale, uh, and I've been waiting to jump into it, hoping there would be... Uh, uh, a next gen remaster since it came out so late in the gen and now that we have a sequel confirmed for next year i i really want to jump into this one it, it's, it's apparently you know extremely it. un un you know undervalued so i'm mm-hmm. i'm definitely keen to jump into it yeah one of the best rats games i've ever played easily. i hear it's got mm-hmm. volume high rats. praise it does have volume <laughs> rats. rats interesting um well we uh I'm happy about that one. The other two I'm less happy about, except for to say, like, just put some some cool games people may not have heard of before instead of Call of I, Duty. <laughs> I tried to get into that that wrestling game on Game Pass because I was like, I'm looking for just, and it's, you know, free to download or whatever. I was like, I'll, I'll, I'm looking for like a fun sort of like arcadey beat em up. It is one of the most like grindy games I've ever played in my entire life. Like it's kind of a mm-hmm. bummer because like there's like there's some really cool ideas in the back end of sort of like unlocking you unlock characters in action figure packages. Like they have like card backs and everything and bubbles, and which is super cool. But you have to fight like hundreds of matches to get enough you know, sweat points or whatever they call them in that game to unlock the the men and the women. So yeah, it's kind of a bummer. Just a heads up. It will be, it's free to download on PS Plus or it's part of your subscription, but that is a serious time commitment. So just keep in mind that your time is just as valuable or maybe it's not. Maybe you're just bored and you want to grind, grind for yeah. men. Just do it. Grind for men. Uh, that's a different <laughs> app. Um, mm. yeah, what it's worth. Yeah. 
Mitchell reviewed it on IGN and gave it a five, uh, mm-hmm. saying it works as a shallow party game. You play for an hour, then move on to something else. And that's it. Um, so take that one. Yeah. With a little bit of caution, but, uh, definitely. I hope you'll all be checking out a Plague Tale cause I will be too. If you're, um, if you're a shallow party dude, you're going to love this. Game. <laughs> uh, shallow party dudes and grinders for men, apparently. Uh, <laughs> moving on from there, I just wanted to briefly mention, uh, we were talking about the Castlevania arcade collection getting rated in a few places. Uh, the ESRB rated a Ghost of Tsushima director's cut for PS4 and PS5. Uh, this comes on the heels of a few uh, reports and rumors of an alleged uh, single-player DLC expansion coming at some point uh, that has been referred to as Ghost of Ikushima. Um, that makes sense as sort of the type of thing you would put in a director's cut, um, whether or not, you know, that's all planned for some sort of reveal at a state of play or something else we don't know for sure. But I uh, just wanted to keep that one on the radar because I'll take an excuse to go back and explore that very, very pretty world. Mm-hmm. I just want to point out Same. on the on the runner show, you told us what was on the runner show. We discussed this before we recorded, but you wrote more ghost stuff, director's cut. And I was like, what is more ghost stuff? That sounds like a great indie game. I can't believe I missed that more one. Ghost, it's a, I, it's a Swayze movie. They found some new scenes. They're gonna re-put it out again. He's they instead of just doing pottery, they do all sorts of art stuff. Uh, I've actually never seen Ghost, so I it's only, okay. You don't need to see that movie. <laughs> I only know that scene via like community parodies. Weirdly, uh, anyway, moving on from there. Last thing I wanted to bring up uh, was something. Thank you, Max, for pointing this one out. Um, it was a thread that appeared, I guess, overnight in our uh, in U.S. hours um, regarding uh, things potentially uh, about what it takes for indie games to appear and be promoted and work with uh, Platform X, uh, which is, if you read between the lines, very obviously a PlayStation. Uh, This thread comes from, and forgive me, I never know how to pronounce it when there's another I in there, so forgive me, but is it uh, Ian or Ian? Let's Uh, just say Ian for... Double Ian. Double Ian Garner. uh, I apologize for butchering your name, but uh, co-founder of a publisher, an indie publisher known as Neon Doctrine, which I will um, fully admit I was not really aware of them before this thread. uh, But this thread has picked up some steam overnight where he runs through the. uh, It very clearly came uh, based on his previous tweets after a meeting with Platform X, which he says is uh, will not be defined, but it's the operator of a very successful console and does not have Game Pass. Um, so obviously we're all, I presuming. mean, yeah, it's the, uh, Atari VCS. Um, but no, well, the, to, go to, to either, even further dig into that, um, somebody responded and they were like, I'd be shocked if this wasn't Nintendo. And he responded, be shocked. <laughs> so that yeah, pretty much numbers it down to Sony. <laughs> yeah. There, there have also been a couple other, uh, developers who have chimed in. Um, obviously not too many because it seems like these things are related to probably things you sign NDAs for, or do, you know, longstanding business deals of. So there hasn't been a ton of developers speaking publicly, but, uh, his thread kind of goes into the, the difficulties as an indie developer of getting promotion or, you know, putting uh, promotional push behind your games on the PlayStation store. Um, some of the, some of the things that he brings up include, uh, that they don't really have an ability to manage their games on the store. Uh, they said in order to get promotion, you must jump through hoops, beg and plead for any level of promotion. Um, they also don't feel like a, a blog post is as worth it as they think PlayStation thinks it is. According to them, this is of course all alleged based on their conversations. Um, they said wish lists don't really have an effect on the PlayStation Store, um, whereas they, you know, can surface games on other platforms. Um, so, it can 
Go ahead. Do you, do you understand that? Because I'm not sure. Because I, I wishlist games every now and then. Because uh, I know when you do it on Steam, they'll ping you when they're like on a, a sale or a deep discount or something like that. Um, and I don't necessarily know the justification or reasoning for that. Like, I, I think it's I, I've seen developers say like, hey, wishlist our game um, sort of in lieu of like a pre-order because um, pre-ordering games digitally is, you know, unless there's a actual value to it, like there's bonus content or something. Um, it's not necessarily something I'm, I'm interested in in any way. Sure. Uh, but um, yeah, I, I don't really know what the purpose is for wishlisting on these uh, sort of e-shops e because it, it doesn't seem like to do anything significant. And I think I, I presume that there's like a pro, like a sort of understanding or a promise that if it, your game gets wishlisted enough times, it receives a certain degree of like surface promotion, right? Yeah, like right. it becomes it, it tell. The, I think the idea is that, and again, this is something that we're we're saying, not knowing how these deals properly work out. But the mm -hmm. as you were saying, Brian, like on Steam, um, there's there's the you know you wishlist things there, and a game that gets wishlisted enough seems to get algorithmically bumped up for people. That is the thing that is part of Steam. I think what he is implying is that doing so on PlayStation doesn't offer any sort of similar net gain, and so it's essentially like a worthless tool. Um, that doesn't. I mean but but it's hard to say because we don't know anyone who said, "Oh, I've gotten wishlisted a million times and been able to get promotion as a result." We we just don't know the numbers of that. Um, right, right. Because and, and like the, the the idea of like wishlisting something a lot of times and then it get it earns promotion is is sort of like it's it's making something on the rise to popularity more popular. It, you know, it's giving rich people gift bags with phones in them, and it's like make, give those to poor people. You know, like there's there's like the idea of like uh, something getting wishlisted a lot and then bumping up um seems weird because it's like f that that still doesn't save any of the sort of like hidden gems or the undiscovered like really cool games that no one really knows about uh, obviously all these storefronts have a discoverability problem massively massively because there's just too many games released and there's some little rectangles you can put there but i, I think like, like what is really like you know i i'm, I'm working with an uh indie game dev right now he's writing a guest editorial for us on like how I shouldn't talk about it before it's even published, but like about how, you know, the indie, the term indie is, is becoming really nebulous and it's actually working actively against um, a lot of indie devs in terms of promotion. And, you know, from my understanding, that's, that's across, like, I'm not saying that there aren't issues with the Sony storefront um, because, and promote, you know, obviously there are a lot of like really muddied issues that this guy is raising. Um, but, you know, I think as a general rule, it is really, really difficult to get your indie game, of w which is now classified as anything less than AAA, um, right. you know, uh, promotion on, on, on storefronts. Like, it's like, it, I, I don't think it's just a Sony PlayStation issue. I think that it's an it's a everything issue. It's like it there, there are no buckets in which to separate indie games in a, in a meaningful way. And I think that that's a broader conversation to be had. Yeah, and I, I, I think, I, no, Brian, just to, just to the point of the wishlisting, I think the idea is that indie devs use it as a way to groundswell support via social media, which, again, exposes a problem that is, you know, like across the board of discoverability just being an issue. Right. But I, I think the idea is that the wishlisting, when, when there's enough passion from a small group, it can elevate those smaller games, and then that lets people who would have never seen it otherwise see it on those charts and, and in a place of prominence they wouldn't have otherwise. Uh, again, I think it speaks to just like 
the fact that people need to go out of their way and really do all this stuff to get any sort of prominence is is an issue. I think we can all agree all of the storefronts are just generally have their own problems. I don't think there's right. any great storefront. <laughs> no, even down to um, the search functionality in a lot of these stores, like if you type in something like Far Cry, you're going to get dozens of results that aren't even remotely related to that. And obviously those are just two words together. So that really could like if anybody who tagged keywords in the back end of their, you know, uh, game description, uh, that might flag that in a search, but it's just crazy to me. Like Nintendo had the same problem for a while. One of the things that, that developers were doing that I think they shut down on the Nintendo eShop was they were, uh, deep discounting their games to like pennies because most people who mm -hmm. buy games in the eShop get money in kind of gold, my Nintendo coins in return. So everybody always has a couple of like pennies in the wallet or a couple of bucks or whatever. So they would deep de discount these games at 90, 95% off, drop them down to like a dollar or sometimes a penny. And people would buy them like crazy because they'd be like, oh, that's, you know, at the top of the sales tab um, or the deals tab, which would then bump it to the best selling tab. And it was sort of like a cheat code. Uh, and I remember like there was a lot of really bad games that sold really well because people were like, I'll buy a game for a penny. And then the developers would bump the price back up to the original price. And so you would have this best-selling game at $8 or $9 or even $5. And people would go like, oh, it's the one of the best-selling games. It must be good. And mm -hmm. it isn't, you know? It just sold really well because it was a penny because, you know, people will buy crap when it's a penny. And so, yeah, the, like, all of these stores have that problem. Um, it, is, it is odd to me, like, when you... When you go on like the deals tab or like the folk, you know, the spotlight tab on a lot of these stores, you see Call of Duty and you see um, Battlefield and you see GTA and a lot of games that don't need help, but also like they're best sellers. So it's sort of like a chicken and egg situation, right? Like because they want you want an audience to buy a PS5 or a Series X or a Switch and jump on the store and then see the biggest, best selling, highest rated games. Um and it helps keep those things in perpetuity at the top of the charts, but it leaves little room for breakthroughs. I think, I think outside of, yeah. I, I agree, but I think outside of like, you know, the, the, the broad issues with storefronts as a whole, you know, just reading through this thread, it seems like there's a lot of like issues that this guy is having. Um, and it sounds like others are having with communication from PlayStation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Communication. And that's, that's an issue, right? Yeah, which which we obviously don't have any insight into how those conversations mm. like go in terms of we don't have those conversations because we're not making games. But um, yeah, what two of his biggest problems to me seem to be the the as you were saying, Lucy, like the conversations to actually just get promotional consideration, approval, things like that seem to be really stuck in the past. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I think his frustration comes from the idea that PlayStation has publicly taken an increased stance to want to support indies but that the behind-the-scenes machinations don't necessarily live up to that promise. Um, and some of the things that he points to, as, as you were saying, Lucy, are like, it can take, you know, not just weeks, but months sometimes to get a response. I believe if that wasn't him, another developer had chimed in to say that, um, of communication for these things. Um, there, there was some concern over, uh, you know, actual platform uh, featuring, which uh, I do want to bring up some reporting in this, but he mentioned how... Uh, you know, all the stores take a 30% cut, but to really essentially get a feature, you have to pay a minimum of a $25,000 US fee to get featured. Uh, Kotaku's report on this, sorry, I am playing with a, a Grookey, so if you see that pop up, that's why there's a weird little green monkey here. Uh, Kotaku's reporting also mentioned that from 
developers they've spoken to that this seems to be something that is similar on Xbox as well, um, which, you know, for indie devs can be a large chunk of their budget um, right. for, for some of these devs. Uh, and, and so I think he he was talking about sort of the amalgam of all these things with the the problem of communication, even something like uh, discounts, like being able to uh, do launch discounts is really not an option uh, for them, at least they're very limited uh, for them to be able to give their game at a launch discount, which I have seen some games like most recently, I think Griftlands was available as a like PlayStation plus discount at launch. Um, But, but speaking to that, they, they mentioned things like, uh, discounts are hard to be, to be part of future discounts. It's basically, you don't, get to do it yourself is sort of something that they choose when and where those things happen. Um, it, it's sort of a, a, it seems like a web of issues of, uh, uh, that boiled down to a lot of Lucy, as you were saying, communication stuff, Max. That whole, like, we'll decide how to market your game. Sounds a lot like how iOS games are published. Like I've heard that Apple's basically like you submit your stuff and they're just sort of like, it's like, when is it going up? And it's like, we'll, uh, we'll let you know. And it's like, that mm-hmm. seems a yeah. little bit, a little bit presumptuous. Um, it bugs me though, because like whenever a new game comes out, indie, AAA, whatever, if I hop on the PlayStation Store, I feel like the top thing I see is either games that came out a while ago and everyone's heard of because they're massive bestsellers, or games that aren't even out yet because they're pre-orders for stuff that just got announced at E3. And mm-hmm. like this, I mean, this happened for like um, for Final Fantasy Integrate, I think, and it was you know it was it was still placed pretty high up, but I was like, I was looking for it. And I was like, this just came out today. Why isn't this front and center? Like, this is one of the biggest things and it's a freaking exclusive to the platform. Like, what are you, what are you doing over here? And like, I don't know if you, if you go to the search and you, and you uh, organize by release date or whatever, like newest first, you can find some stuff that way, but it really is just like, it's completely baffling that there's no, there's no, like, here's what just came out. It's all all of the things. Some of them, right. you know, maybe they're shovelware that costs seventy five cents. Maybe it's a PlayStation theme. Just put that somewhere. Uh, and those and they, the the storefront front pages also collate like movie deals and um, the subscription services like PlayStation Plus and PS Now, which take up huge amounts of real estate. And so, like, also like they know if you have PlayStation Plus or not. Like, get rid of yeah. It. If you have it, like maybe maybe if I'm paying you money every month, like get rid of the ads and stuff. Well, this, I, I don't this know. <laughs> while we're soapboxing, this pissed me off the other day too. I got an email from Sony. Um, do you guys remember before the PS5 uh, went on sale, there was that thing you could sign up for where they were no, like PlayStation Direct, yeah, yeah, and they were like, well, you you can buy a PlayStation directly through us. And I never got the email from them. All these people were like tweeting out beta invites and stuff like that, and I didn't get one. So I ended up getting my PS5 through Amazon. And Sony knows I have a PS5. They know that millions of people can't get a PS5 and can't get one. And they know I've registered. I'm 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 purchasing multiple PS5 games digitally through their storefront. They know I'm a I'm a PS. I'm get, getting trophies on PS5. They know I'm in the ecosystem. Like I'm not just like mm-hmm. faking it using your friends. They sent me a thing the other day, being like, "Good news, you got uh, approved to purchase a PS5 through us." And I wanted to be like. I don't need this. Give this to somebody who needs this. So mm-hmm. many people want this right now, and they're fighting tooth and nail for it. No, I, I mean, feel like that... maybe you wanted to sell it for a thousand bucks on eBay. <laughs> <laughs> I got that same email too, Brian. I felt kind of like you. You know, if I have a PS Five, yeah, like, right? looking a grift you... horse in the mouth there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Griftlands now on PlayStation Four, but um, I don't think you could pass those to somebody else, right? Because they were like, no, well, they, they, they were the, 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 yeah. 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 
I, yeah, I think the like the larger thread, and I think one of the things that at least struck a chord with me, and, and Max, you were the one who, who brought it to my attention, so if, if you feel differently, obviously let me know. But I, I think like the really stark thing for me was that, especially seeing the reporting that's come out since and probably more to come, is that like there are problems across the board, but PlayStation's does really seem to boil down to, as Lucy was saying, like the communication and the, the way they, um, at least this dev, and it seems some other dev take it as like a, we don't need you, you don't need us. And that, that is an alleged presumption of sort of what the, those conversations boil down to. We obviously haven't been part of them, but that seems to be like the energy that they're walking away from, from these convos. Mm-hmm. I really also- hope that this like, absolutely, I don't know, as soon as, you know, this kind of thread gets media attention, I really hope that there are changes made because this Rattle sounds- some cages. But this sounds agonizing looking through this thread. It just sounds, you know, you put like, everything you have into making this game and and getting it on the PlayStation store. And then you have to, it's just jump through these hoops where you're sort of doomed to fail. It just sounds so agonizing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they got, they got rid of the, uh, you know, the drop on the PlayStation blog where it used to be like a weekly thing that was like, here's everything that came out this week, which was super handy. It was great. You know, I'd skim that every week and check it out. And I understand that not everybody wants to go check out a blog because it's a thing from 2004 or whatever. But now that now that blog is just like this weird, like smattering of like, oh, here's a press release about Call of Duty, which I don't I don't need to read that. And then an announcement from Herman Hulse, which seems like a thing. Like that's a you know proper PlayStation blog thing, and then it'll be like, oh, here's a you know here's a thing from uh oh one of the lead producers of an upcoming game talking about his game and what it's doing, and it's like, mm-hmm. I guess that's sort of cool, but it's it's you know again it's like a it's a smaller sort of pre- it's like a paid blog, it's just like a really odd sort of odd platform at this point that could be used as like a sort of you know a customer a, like a, a PR mouthpiece, a way to re- you know relate information to the public. It could be you know super handy in that sense. Right. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, going back to this, uh, this thread, I want to say, like, um, there's a mention in there about how, like, people are assigned, like, case managers or whatever. Like, you have, like, a – you have somebody at Sony who's assigned to your to your game to sort of handle it and be your sort of point of contact. And I've heard about yeah. this before from, you know, developer friends, and it sounds to me like um, <laughs> like having a social worker. Like yeah. if And it's – which is just – it's hard – or like, a, you know, a parole officer. And, like, if you get – if you get stuck with a uh, one who's not – great at their job or isn't it doesn't have your best interest at heart then you're kind of screwed and if you get with a really good one then things are awesome but it's like you know there's no way to really tell one way or the other and it sounds i mean it sounds like this guy definitely got kind of the short end of the stick on a number of levels yeah it sounds like it can be a bit of a crapshoot because it, it is worth pointing out like especially in this era where they are trying to push things i think we were talking before the show but like you know shuhei appeared on the the uh jeff keely not E3 E3 show to be like, here's chicory that's out today. And, and again, they were putting some muscle behind cause it's a PlayStation five console exclusive. And they announced the salt and sanctuary sequel on there as a like PlayStation loves indie sort of thing. And so it's very clear that like some indies are getting, you know, attention and promotion and love from PlayStation. But I, I think it's a, like the, the thread speaks to the, the, just the sheer number of devs who you probably don't hear about from the one or two spotlights at a show like uh, Keeley's show and and how they can fight for space on a platform that is arguably supposed to be the biggest console. Um, and, and well, I think- it's like the golden touch, right? Like it comes down from on high and is like you and you and the rest of you can go the, back. The to one thing I'm, I'm curious about is 
if you launch your game on Steam, does sales there factor into like getting Sony's attention? Like, will that get you courted by somebody who's trying to corral more indie stuff to, you know, put on the PSN store? Um, so, I mean, you know, if you want to launch, if you want to launch on all platforms at once, which is obviously a great way to get everyone's eyes on it, that's I can see that being tricky. But if you're like, oh, it's the it's been the number one Steam game for, you know, like five five months or whatever, you know. I don't know. That's that's a really interesting prospect because there's a lot of um, sort of uh, staggered launches that happen that it seems to be working in their favor occasionally. Like if you look at like Hades, right? Like that was sort of dominated that conversation on Switch and now it's coming to PlayStation and it's like this whole thing. You know, like it, I feel like that reignited that conversation just because that audience wasn't allowed to access it for a long time and then now can. Um, but that's interesting because well, I, I know I get frustrated when like a big new game comes out and I go to buy it on PlayStation and they're like, oh, it's not here. It's only on Steam and your phone or something. I'm like, what? I mean, Supergiant's one of my favorite devs and they have had a like longstanding with uh, Transistor and Pyre. Like both of those were, you know, PlayStation focused released indies. And then it was really surprising to me to not see Hades come to yeah. PlayStation first. Like when it got announced for Switch, I was just happy to finally play because I don't play much on PC. But like it was really a shock to not see Supergiant's Dex game come to PlayStation. Obviously, I'm not saying there was any issue there with their relationship, but um, it, it, there is this, we're in a very strange era for indies, it feels like, at PlayStation, both, like, publicly and now it seems behind the scenes as well. Um, and I, like, I, they have started to put this impetus ever since Shuhei got into his role that is focused on outre outreach to indie devs as a sign that they were going back to what they did during uh, the Vita years, as we have in a, a recent piece that went up on IGN that we can talk about in a sec, Lucy. But, um, you know, those years in the very beginning of the PS4, like, indies were put on the same stage as the the biggest games. You know, stuff like No Man's mm -hmm. Sky was trotted out at several PlayStation games. It's launched notwithstanding. Maybe, a, like, maybe a bad example. I, 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 go, mean, I go with, like, Luftrausers or something. I just mean, like, that was one they put a lot of muscle behind, and they were right. they, they wanted to. And, and they put, you know, on the first PlayStation 4 E3 that I attended as, like, a, a freelancer, they, they were like, here's 12 big indies coming to PS4, and it was like they had all the devs coming out on stage to play their game for, like, a minute and did all this quick carousel things like they want to show that uh you know outwardly and i think they're trying to do that again but it, it does if things behind the scenes are not living up to that those processes do have to change um yeah but again it's it's processes we don't have a full insight into uh we'll we'll be covering more as we go on again we it, it's very clear there are issues throughout all of the storefronts um, th that are going on. Um, this one in particular is, is focused on what's going on on PlayStation. I don't know, Dora. Um, this guy sounds like a pretty big Xbox fan. Maybe he's <laughs> putting some blood in the water there. We'll see. But um, it's uh, something we'll obviously continue to cover as we hear more. Uh, obviously, we haven't heard any comment from PlayStation at the time we're recording this. Um, but uh, should there be any more reporting at IGN or elsewhere, we'll, we'll be sure to keep an eye on it. Um, running a little short on time uh this week so i just wanted to briefly mention i know we took a little bit of time last week but uh lucy before you left you you were just continuing ratchet and clank correct in terms of what you've yeah done? still still i okay i don't have my playstation with me it's just too heavy to take in my suitcase and and lug to new zealand um but yeah i was i was really digging it i mean i don't want to you know go on about it i i I think it's a delight to play. It's got a real theme park vibe. Uh, it just feels good to play. And um, I'm looking forward to getting back to it when I return to the US in six weeks. 
<laughs> in the meantime, I've got my Switch, so I'll, I'll you know, speak to, to the, the games that are multi-platform on, on the Switch. I don't know. They both seem like pretty portable platforms, in my opinion, but to each their own, I suppose. <laughs> uh, Brian, what have you been playing since we last checked in? God, the idea of even bringing a PS5 I know. on an airplane. Um, I uh, I played a bunch of Chicory, which is cool. I'm not in love with the art style, but I think it's like really smart the way it handles these sort of like adult coloring book uh, drawings that you then color in on the fly. It's really smart in that like you can sort of sporadically splash some paint across the screen and it'll stay there for the rest of your playthrough. So you'll just like paint some kind of like goat man all crappy looking and then he just has to like live like that forever until he's dead uh it's it's a very zelda light which i i I totally dig um it's on steam and playstation right now watch some videos of it first and get an idea of it uh because uh it's you you might not be in love with it but i i think it's i think it's pretty cool and i'm i'm excited to finish it apparently it's only like 10 hours long uh i also started scarlet nexus which i'm about 10 hours in it's awesome um, I haven't really like kind of been hooked by a JRPG in a while, but this one has such, um, it's, it's, it's so much like the combat is so much different than like your typical JRPG. It feels a lot more sort of actiony, a lot more platinum games. Um, the art direction for the sort of overworld and city is, is really, really cool. It, it sort of takes this, um, kind of hand-drawn perspective on uh, sort of like dense Japanese cities, but then puts you in a lot of underground areas. I'm playing as the uh, female character, which you use a lot of sort of like psychokinesis. So you're constantly grabbing stuff around the environment and throwing it at these just like nightmarish, almost from softy uh, bosses and enemies. Um, and you level up pretty quickly and you can just dump all your skill points into like more and more stuff that it really feels a lot more like an action game with the trappings of an RPG than like the other way around, which is probably why I'm so hooked on it. Cause it's, it's less like, you know, here's long story sequences. Here's a lot of like kind of grindy stuff. It's, it's very quick moving. And apparently you can finish the whole game in like 20 hours. Uh, if you just kind of mainline through it, I'll probably do a lot of the side stuff too, but yeah, I'm really happy to be like just into a JRPG again. It's been a minute. So nice. yeah, definitely yeah. check that one out. I, I have it downloaded and ready to go, and I just haven't had time to jump in before this episode. But yeah, I, I definitely want to jump into that one. Uh, Max, what have you been up to? What have you been playing? I finished Ratchet and Clank. Um, nice. It definitely is. It's harder to play games with the new baby around, but um, yeah. <laughs> I, I beat it. I really, I really love that game. Um, I have basically no attachment to that universe of those characters, um, but it still remains like one of the best looking uh, graphically things I've ever played. Uh, and I really. I, Luz, I think you hit the nail on the head. Like it feels so good to play. And I think that's something Insomniac is just really phenomenal at is just absolutely nailing the moment to moment sensation of, of playing the game, regardless of what you're doing in the game or like, and obviously, you know, you can't just phone that part in either, but like every weapon in that feels different enough. And and it's totally fun in in its own way. It it kind of has this like Nerf gun sensibility to it. And it, it, it's, it's very toyetic in a way I really enjoyed. And I just, I, had such a good time running around in that in that world i'm I'm just really i'm really happy that that studio is still doing what they do and i mean i'm dying to play whatever they do next with spider-man or whatever else they have in store but like it's just such a such a treat um aside from that i have been uh playing wolfenstein 2 which i never got around to when it first came out but i'm dying to see what like what machine games is going to do with indiana jones down the road not that we'll be able to play that on the playstation or anything but you know, still thought I'd check out um, Wolfenstein and just, you know. Uh, it's so good though, right? 
de-atomize some Nazis. It's pretty, it's, so it's yeah. Speaking of weapons that feel good. Uh, and I think I might also dip into some older Far Cry games. I just, I feel like I really, Far Cry 6 has got my attention and I want to, I want to kind of, you know, just get, go get that, get in there, mess around. I got, I got the, um, the first two, uh, for dirt cheap, they were on sale and I was like, yeah, well, why not? I'll, you know, I, I never played the first one. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'll give that a I'm shot. I'm playing the first yeah. one too. Yeah. Uh, cause they, I bought, a, I rebought like the first five of them or four of them or something, three and a half. Um, and played through three, and yeah, we. I was I was planning on doing a whole block on Far Cry last week, which I forgot to add to the show this week. But we, this <laughs> this week was packed with news anyway. But yeah, we should definitely get into that, Max, because I know we both really love Far Cry yeah. games. I, I yeah. desperately want to play more Far Cry three because that's like one of my favorite games ever. And I, but I've already, I think okay. I've, I think I've like started that game maybe three times and played through it like one and three quarters times, and it's just like I, I don't, I could, I could check out a different one. You know, I could play something, mm-hmm. something. I've only played once. For sure. We can uh, definitely do a Far Cry block with you guys soon. Uh, cool. Ahead of six. But yeah. Um, yeah. Moving on from there, I've been playing a bit of Chicory. I'm kind of taking it like it's divided, I think, into 10 chapters. I've been doing like a chapter a night just as like a uh, a cool down since it's such a relatively uh, quiet game other than a few moments. Uh, I, I'm, I'm pretty close to you, Brian. I don't want to spoil them, but I think you know what I mean. Um, yeah, I'm, I really there are intense. There are intense things that happened that i was like yeah. oh that's yeah there are shockingly intense uh <laughs> that definitely feel evocative of some other indie games but i don't want to spoil too much but uh yeah i'm really enjoying it as a like i i don't consider myself like an artist at all i i feel like i have terrible like artistic instincts but i've i've liked that the game hasn't prohibited me from feeling like i can still indulge in the painting side of it and yeah i kind of like it's one of the few games recently where i've just like i've taken to painting like screen by screen because it's very like old zelda-esque as you were saying zelda light like screen by screen uh like the original um it's i i'll just take the time to paint it in and think of like oh i kind of want this side to be that color block and then make the trees this detail and whatnot and you just kind of like do it and it's it's not for an achievement or a trophy and not to complete the game i'm just doing it to do it and it's like you said, adult coloring book, kind of in a nice, soothing way like that. Ooh, it's sexy. Yeah, yeah adult mm-hmm. coloring book uh, with no adult themes. Uh, actually, it gets, it gets pretty heavy. Pretty, I'm pretty sure my parents <laughs> had one of those when I was growing up. <laughs> I will make the breast pink. Oh, that, that wasn't a marker. Was... <laughs> <laughs> um. Anyway, uh, so yeah, I've been playing that. Uh, there, there is, as far as I know, no nudity in Chicory. Uh, but I've been enjoying Chicory quite a bit. Uh, and yeah, I've just been playing that. I haven't really been playing too many games because I've been very busy just unpacking or not, as you can see from my background. Um, but other than that, I did want to, before we wrap up, just give a quick memory card story. Memory card, of course, is our weekly segment where you, the viewers and listeners at home, write in with your favorite weird, wacky, happy, sad, whatever memories of your PlayStation gaming life, and we read them on the show. Uh, This week's comes in from Shay. Uh, Shay wrote in with a Easter Sunday tale uh, from Easter Sunday back in the year 2000. Uh, And Shay wrote, my folks did the usual breakfast and Easter baskets that they had uh, given us usually with candy and cheap toys or knickknacks, but we also had an egg hunt sprung on all four of us kids by surprise. We had those little plastic eggs you put candy or money in and uh, hide instead of real eggs because that leads to problems. Uh, My parents decided to place those all around the backyard, front yard, and inside the house, all hidden very well. Uh, In each egg, there was a small piece of paper. Upon each paper was written a singular letter. There were 20 pieces in total once all were found. We spent what felt like an eternity not only hunting down those damn eggs, but also deciphering some form of 
uh, or word jumble with my siblings. At only eight years old and the youngest, I wasn't much help, but apparently I helped the best I could. Uh, when all was said and done, the pieces of paper laid out and read PlayStation and Tony Hawk. And the moment that was solved from behind my couch, uh, my dad pulls out a brand new PlayStation 1 and a copy of Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. We were all so excited and we played together as happy siblings and ate Easter candy all day. Uh, pretty amazing. sure. Pretty sure. That's took amazing. Money and what went and snagged like, Metal Gear as well. Yeah. Yeah. What a like a perfect day as oh, a child. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. A scavenger hunt that ends in a video game because normally that would have just ended in some candy, but it ended in candy and a PlayStation. And he, I would say, I've said this for the Easter Bunny, though. He doesn't usually he's, do that kind of stuff. Easter yeah, Bunny is one of my favorite Metal Gear bosses, though. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's normally a bit of a cheapskate. So, uh, congrats to you, Shay, uh, on a great Easter haul uh, two decades ago now, Jesus. Um, but thank you for writing in with that story. And if you want to write in with a memory card story, you can write into beyond at ign.com with the subject line memory card, and we'll read them on the show. Uh, but that's about it for this week's episode of Podcast Beyond. Uh, before we go, you can find me at JM Dornbush on Twitter. You can find Brian at Agent Bizzle, Lucy at Luce O'Brien, and Matt, not Matt, Max at Max Scoville. Mike. Uh, before Mike at Mike Scoville. I don't know who that is. Uh, I did want to just shout out, uh, Lucy, we just published a piece uh, about sort of the legacy of the PlayStation Vita uh, that you can go read on IGN. I don't know if you want to say anything about it, but... Uh, yeah, no, uh, exactly. It's just, it's it's a really interesting read about how the, the Vita was basically this big commercial failure and then turned into kind of like a machine for innovation um and it's yeah it's really fascinating because it could have just sort of gone into nothingness and instead it's got this great legacy of like being yeah a game where you can play the best indies uh it's a really good read yeah uh so definitely go check that out uh max anything you want to plug yes um this video i spent a very long time working on finally went up we uh we launched a new series called kid bash creatures uh the first two episodes uh, were sponsored by Dungeons and Dragons Dark Alliance, and they had me making custom monsters based on the monsters in that game. Um, and it's one of my favorite things I've ever worked on. Uh, obviously, the the game could have had a better reception, but you can't deny that it's got some cool critters in it. So I'm glad I got to make some of those. Uh, and go check that out. It's it's very cool. And also, um, the beginning of every month, I put up the uh, biggest streaming. Wait. Biggest game releases and the reviews and review from the last month, which is all the games and all the reviews in one. And way too many games came out in June, and I spent way too long on that video. I think they recorded for like 48 minutes or something stupid like that. And I didn't even do the biggest streaming releases. Akeem took care of that for me. So if you want to find out what's happening in July or what already happened in June, go check all those out, please. Awesome. Thank you. And uh, you're welcome. Brian, anything you want to plug? I'm shooting a big thing today that I can't talk about yet, which will be cool, I think, for people who are interested in video games. But also, uh, there's a couple things that went up right during E3 that kind of just, uh, you know, got trampled by E3. One, I did a Let's Play of Chivalry 2 with Max in full costume, which is fun. You should go check that out. And also, I um, built a custom MLB The Show baseball stadium with uh, rapper, singer T-Pain. So that was weird. But yeah, go check those out. They're both really funny videos. Awesome. Uh, And yeah, you can catch us normally every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific on beyond.ign.com, youtube.com slash IGN games and your favorite podcast services around the world. Uh, Thank you all so much for joining me this week. And thank you to Tayo, our producer, for making the show happen. And thank you to everyone listening and watching. We hope you're safe and we hope you're well. And as always, beyond. 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 Beyond.
Hit us up on Facebook and Twitter. Bum 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 Instant DMCA. Alright. Good podcast guys, we're cancelled. But not cancelled in like the really bad way, just this kind of bad way. I mean any kind of way is pretty bad. Yeah, I guess it's kind of good No, like someone cancelled that. Well, we're not podcast, but I'm pretty upset I know. I'm not it. saying anything about politics. I don't think he's ever yeah. been in politics. I'm but... pretty... <laughs> he's never run for office. All right. Welcome, welcome, <laughs> welcome, everyone. Welcome back to Hard Reset, a Cold North production. Just for the record, none he of did, us would he paid, vote. He paid for uh, Martin Luther King's PA that he uh, gave this speech at the uh, Washington Monument, or the Lincoln Memorial, I mean. None of us would vote for Bill Cosby. Let's just get that out in the open. <laughs> but Bill Chappelle, or Bill Chappelle. <laughs> Dave Chappelle. <laughs> Dave Chappelle actually has a bit about that. Chris played it for me earlier. Oh, okay. Oh, I can't listen to that. All right. All right. Well, I'm your host, Patrick the Law Morris. Joining me this week, we have gorgeous Ben Reynolds. Yeah. And the tenacious Tim Rackenai Miller. Hello. And thankfully, not Bill Cosby. Uh, coming up on Hard Reset this I mean, week. That can we... be arranged. I can go get him. He's right outside. Oh, why is Bill Cosby at your house? <laughs> I don't know, man. It's scaring me. He just showed up there after he got out of jail. <laughs> yep. I'm going. First place he went. I was very scared. <laughs> Do you have the pudding pops? No. Okay. No, he's not supposed to know about those. <laughs> All right. Well, coming up on Hard Reset this week, we're going to be wrapping up our E3 reactions. And uh, depending on time, you know, depending on how quickly we get through that, we might be talking about a couple of Sony acquisitions uh, that have both been confirmed and uh, not confirmed. But before we get to confirmed all that. And denied, as you might say. And eh, not denied. Just, oh, we shouldn't have said that kind of thing. Um, but before we get to all that, I want to know what you guys have been playing this week. Ben, tell me what you've been playing. 2K21. I I went back in and decided it's time to win me a championship. Back to that well? Oh yeah, I need that. I need to get the, uh, get that chip. You go, you go back to that game periodically throughout the year, don't you? Yeah, well, just yesterday I felt like playing video games and I was about ready to uh, launch into some Far Cry again. And then I was just like, eh, I don't really feel like playing Far Cry. I feel more like playing a sports game. And 2K just happened to be the one that struck my interest. Okay, and do you buy 2... You Oh no, you bought 2K on Xbox this year, right? Yeah. Nice. I buy it. I buy it on Xbox every year. Oh, I didn't know I that. I bought it on PlayStation's. The first huh. couple on the 
PS4 system. Yeah. Nice. Well, and uh, how is it? How's it going back to, you know, what is very familiar territory for you at this point? Oh, it's fun still. It's, yeah, I mean, it's just 2K. It's a fun. You know it pretty well at this point. That I like yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that's that's pretty cool. Um, Tim, what about you? What have you been playing this week? Um, I dove back into Saints Row the Third Remastered, the best Saints Row. I I 100 agree. Yeah. I haven't gotten that far. I've only been playing for a few hours, but it's reminded me how good it was. Did you choose the zombie voice? No. Ugh, no. Why? It's not my character this time. I'm not making a zombie. I'm going to kill zombies eventually once they infect half the town. But, you know. All right. Fair enough. I remember liking two better than that one. I really? did not get very into that one. That is not a very popular opinion. That's why. Why do you prefer two? Do you remember? Two I mean, is it was, very it was a while ago. Though. I just remember enjoying it more. I just, I never, I didn't, I remember I started three, I think because you suggested it to me like a while after it had come out and I played it for a while and was just like, yeah, this just feels like more of two, which like, I don't know that I necessarily wanted, which I just felt like two was like, I guess two still felt a little bit like GTA ish, which without like while it was still bordering on the absurd it yeah didn't just completely embrace the absurd like the three was when it went out really the window like, yeah. yeah two was kind of their last attempt at okay we're gonna be gta on the 360 and the ps3 before gta is on the 360 and the ps3 they they did that with uh with saints row one and then they tried to do it again with two and they like tried to get a little bit wackier with two, but not nearly as much as they leaned into it with three and four. Um, but I, so it, it's interesting to me that you prefer those more straightforward ones, Ben, than uh, than three and four, because you're, I mean, you're so into GTA. I, know. I guess. I guess that if I want to play a game that's like silly like that, I think of like, uh, what Dead Rising, Dead Rising, Just like Cause. Kind of yeah, well, and Just Cause isn't even really necessarily that so like the gameplay is just kind of silly. It's not necessarily quite as like just purely silly. Um, I mean, Just Cause is more like Bollywood silly. Where you're like riding a nuke, yeah, at, as the climax. It's not like just like Bollywood. I granted, I'm not super familiar with Bollywood, but it seems like it's like kind of tongue in cheek, not acknowledging that it's silly. Whereas, like, I mean, it's just it's sort of like an '80s action movie. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way to describe Whereas, it. Whereas, like. Yeah, like, I feel like Saints Row 3 is, like, more like... A comedy. like The a, Lego movie, sort of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
No, that that's a that's a good way to put it. Weird weird movie to compare it to, but I it makes sense somehow. Um so Tim, how are you liking uh how are you liking Saints Row the Third? The remaster is fantastic. I I decided to install the other one on Steam. I played it side by side for a minute. And oh my god, I can't believe how bad the original looks. Really? Is that good? So, <laughs> so are, it, where are you playing the remaster? They made that many improvements. Yeah, I'm playing the remaster on Steam. No, but, it came out just, a, I don't know. Uh, a couple years ago, but you're playing it on Steam. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Nice. Well, that's uh, that's interesting to hear. I might I might keep an eye out for that one on sale on Xbox if I can find it. But Because I do remember really liking that game, but I just never finished Wasn't it. Wasn't it on Game Pass? Oh, man, maybe it was. I don't remember. Because I'm trying to think of... I, I yeah, don't no, the remaster just came out in May. Like, it's oh, only really? been out for like a month and a half, yeah. Saints Row At least Maybe the original was. Yeah, remastered. Yeah, it only came out about a month and a half ago. At least on Steam. Wow. So. Saints Row... I'm just going to look it up real quick. Because I could have sworn... I, I thought it was already out on Switch, even. Who knows? Yeah, who knows? Whatever. We know. Um, I the definition was lost years ago. <laughs> so I personally uh, have been playing. I finished Mass Effect Three. It was amazing, but I'm not going to spend too so much does that time. Mean you're done. Uh, so I'm done with the, the with the main trilogy. I'm still going to play Andromeda, but Andromeda is so detached from Mass Effect from the original trilogy that like I'm gonna play ratchet and clank and then i'm gonna play um andromeda but and then also like i'm not done in the same sense that like tim's not done because we're both gonna play mass effect 4 when it comes out but i uh so so i finished mass effect 3 i got the blue ending not gonna not gonna say any more than that because i'm still gonna lobby ben to play those games but Pokemon blue ending the Pokemon Blue ending, Tim. You'll know. So which... does that mean you picked Blastoise? Yes, uh, Tim. You'll know which which ending the blue one is. But it was. Uh, oh yeah, it was incredible. I absolutely adored Mass Effect Three. I thought it was the best one of the trilogy. Uh, and then I moved on to Ratchet and Clank. Started Ratchet and Clank. I'm not loving it as much as most people that I've heard talk about it really enjoyed it like tim you you said you finished it in like two days right yeah i finished it and 100 percent completed it within two days yeah see i'm not Damn. like i'm not yeah. that it, it was a lot of fun i'm not that addicted to it like it, the the gameplay is great but it's like i mean it, it's a great ratchet and clank game which is a great game but i'm not just absolutely infatuated with it the way so many people are. So I don't know. Maybe it'll make like the more weapons that I open up, the, the better the game gets, the better the gameplay gets. So maybe that'll continue. Maybe it'll continue to be a trend, but only time will tell, but we aren't going to waste any more time. Tim, how fast do you think you could speed run it? Ooh, that's a good question. 
how fast could I speed run it? I mean, if I was skipping everything and knowing through the whole game now, I don't know, maybe two, three hours. That's like without any glitches or skips. Really? Did, did you know that there's a big like speed running competition in Minneapolis every summer? Yeah, that's summer games done quick. Yeah, oh. he, he was going to go last oh. year, but I've been COVID. there. <laughs> I've been there before, and I've been to yeah, AGDQ no. as well, which has been in Florida recently, which was also awesome. Yeah, so. right. I, yeah. One of my friends was just telling me about it, and I was like, "I bet Tim knows about that." Yep, I know yeah. about it. I've been there. It's fun time. <laughs> Tim, are you are you going this summer? Uh, it's online this summer. They should be uh, starting like in a week or two. Shoot. Well, if they when they get started and they're streaming, send me a link because I do think that like while that stuff is not my jam to the sense that like to the point that like I will do it myself. I do find it extremely interesting to watch that yep. stuff. So send me a link when you can. Um, but we are going to yeah, move I will. straight on into our topic of the show, which is wrapping up our E3 reactions. All right. So um, we left off having talked about everything up through Bethesda and Xbox. And that leaves us at Square Enix Presents. Um, Square Enix Presents the kind of the, the heavy hitters, Guardians of the Galaxy. So Guardians of the Galaxy, it looks a lot, like gameplay-wise, it looks a lot like Avengers. I don't know. Th- this one wasn't thrilling to me. Did you guys yeah. have any, like... Oh, Ben, what was that? Uh, it, I'm. It just looks like uh, more press this button at this time. Yeah, QTE stuff. And then yeah, yeah. it's like it, I mean, it's a little more sophisticated than like old school, like movie games, but still basically looks like it's a lot of timing based shit which is not really what I would be looking for in a game for, that is that's Guardians of the Galaxy is. yeah exactly yeah. Tim thoughts on Guardians I really don't have <laughs> to be honest it looks meh yeah like I love the Guardians of the Galaxy they're like it's a great like there were great movies, great comics, but I don't really have a care to play a game about them. Yeah, and some and of mean, the gameplay looks good, but it doesn't look like it would be fun. Well, I the thing and and playing Ratchet and Clank this this week has really kind of opened my eyes up on Guardians of the Galaxy because it's like playing Ratchet and Clank, this is what a Guardians of the Galaxy game should be like gameplay wise, this is what guardians should feel like and should look like. And it's not at all what like guardians looks like gameplay wise, looks like ratchet and clank from like the PS two era, as far as like, like speed and kind of clunkiness. And it, it like the locomotion in ratchet and clank is just so excellent. And guardians yeah. of the galaxy. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Ben. Oh, I was just saying, like, the, I mean, I meant, like, graphically, it looks pretty good. 
Yeah. But like it doesn't look like the controls don't look like it would be fun. It just look doesn't it Right. It's like it looks it's a pretty it would be a pretty game, but not a very pretty not a pretty fun game. Yeah, it's a good to look at game, but like combat wise it looks pretty dull. So, um Yeah. Tim, you're I'm gonna have I'm gonna ask you to carry some weight for me here. Final Fantasy Pixel Remasters. Did you see those? I did. And this is probably the most exciting thing that came out of their uh, entire conference for me. Interesting. Okay, um, tell me why. Just, um, I'm a huge fan of the old ones. Um, my buddies and I have been playing through them again. We're just finishing five now. We'll be moving on to six after. Um, but they're just great games, seeing them remastered and shown in actually like a good style and helpfully having a decent port with decent translation of most of them is huge is because it's been something that they've struggled with for three four and five for a while yeah so that's something that actually kind of came to mind for me it was like because this is final fantasy one through six getting a pixel remaster and final fantasy one through six is already on ios and these games are only coming to PC and mobile. And, like, you can play most of these games on PC already, and you can play all of these games on mobile already. Is there something wrong with the current ports that, like, these games could improve upon? Um, A lot of the menuing is not great. Um, Some of this, I wouldn't exactly call it sprite work. I don't even know what you'd call it. The games don't look great. Okay. I don't think the iOS versions give the games that much justice as they just don't have the right feel to it. At okay. least in my opinion. Um so hopefully this uh this does a better job. And like I mentioned earlier with like translation and such, like you could go um pick up fan, like fan translations like from 5 for example. Um, they've changed the character, the main character's name a couple different times, depending on the translation and the version you're playing. Um, okay. It's like in one of the original versions, it was, his first name was Butts, B-U-T-Z, but then later translations, it's Bart's. So, you know, like there's a lot of like little things like that. So like that quality of life and localization work. stuff. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, if you want to be some more butts, <laughs> see I would more love butts. to see some more butts. What do you got for me, Ben? Uh, ben, don't show us your butt. <laughs> um, uh, no. So <laughs> it's. No, I, will. I mean, that's so that kind of sheds a lot of light on that situation for me because, like, and that's that's why I was wanting to ask you because, it, like, to me personally, I'm like, I see these and I think eh, they're they're already out. Very- on, ios so like why are they doing this but that makes sense now that knowing that you've played them so um and then also we're gonna come back to final fantasy in just a moment uh avengers is getting a wakanda expansion is that doing anything for you guys what was that ben sit tight bro all right. Um, Tim, is, is that like, does that incentivize you at all to go pick this game up? I just feel like the ship has sailed. No. <laughs> yeah. I just feel like the ship has sailed on this one. 
It's like they just this it, game. It wasn't ready when it was launched. It lo- like it, it lost so much momentum. No, it. Go ahead, Tim. It crashed and burned. It crashed and burned hard when it launched, and I wasn't really into it to begin with. Yeah, and just adding more stuff to a game that's not still not all that great. It just feels like another kind of No Man's Sky esque fiasco, except that the game isn't actually getting better. Yeah, it's it's not getting better. It's just they're just adding more content to it, and it's like it's. I think that this game has so many more problems. Like everything I've heard about and seen about this game, granted I haven't played it myself, but like it, it has foundational problems, not like quantity problems. It has quality problems. And and no mm. matter how much quantity you add, it's not going to fix the quality. So I just that I don't think this game is going to make a comeback. I like I think that they're probably just going to have to put this one in the ground relatively soon. It's not going to be a comeback cuz it never left. That's true. Um no, I I bet been I, here for years. I bet they put this project away by the end of the year. Yeah, it'll probably be dependent on Wakanda sales. If it sells well, they'll probably continue with it, but if yeah. not a lot of people buy the DLC, then it's just all right. Bye down the toilet. Well, it's something like, new. It has or it has like pretty consistently less than five hundred concurrent players on Steam, and it's like how many people are playing this on console that you guys are continuing to make content for this? I I don't know. It seems odd. Um. Okay. So and then back to Final Fantasy Stranger of Paradise. Tim, again, did you see anything about this? Can you can you do some some yeah. heavy lifting for us here? I'm trying to remember what this was the Dark Souls esque one. I'm, cool, I'm right? pretty sure this is the one where you have to sit on your hand. Yeah, and it's then like a you play the game. Okay, okay, okay. It's like a uh, it's like a hack and slash <laughs> that ties into Final Fantasy One. And yeah, it's supposed to take place before the story of Final Fantasy One. It's looks kind of like a Souls S game. I don't know it. It looks interesting, but I think it's too dark and drab. Yeah, for what Final Fantasy is to me. Okay, it, it just I don't know. It feel it feels like they took um, the main characters of Fifteen, made them look a little edgier. And it's like, all right, here's a here's a castle. Go storm it. All right, and and so you're probably not going to pick I, this I, one. I don't know. I I, I probably will. Yeah, <laughs> I I probably say, will. You know Tim will. It's yeah, a that... Souls esque game. I probably will. It's a Souls esque, and it's Final Fantasy. So like, yeah. So yeah, I probably will play it. But uh, yeah, I don't know. At first glance, not a whole lot to be excited about. Ben, are you so stoked for Strangers of Chaos? Stranger of Paradise? I was like, wait, what? Yeah, That's a it, different name than you just said. The, ba- the bad guy's name is Chaos, and, and they ta- they say Chaos a lot in the trailer. 
Are you are you so stoked for this one? Is this going to be the game that gets I, uh, you into Final Fantasy? Yeah, probably because <laughs> I do like to sit on my hand before I play <laughs> video games. But but play video games, right? Is that what you call it now? <laughs> All right. Um, no, I, I'm, I'm sitting <laughs> on my hand right now. See, I've been sitting on this hand. <laughs> so it's, it feels like a stranger. Uh, no, okay, so Tim, off the cuff, what are you more excited for, um, Stranger of Paradise or Final Fantasy sixteen? Uh, sixteen at this point. Fair enough. Do you All think right. I'll make sixteen too? Probably. If it's a, if it does well, probably. Well, 15 Do you think they'll make a well. Final Fantasy thirty two? I mean, eventually. eventually. Probably yeah. when we're like 80 years old. 15 did pretty well, and they didn't make 15 too. 15 did not do very well. Oh, really? I thought it was pretty well received. Yeah, no, 15 was... It, it did not do very well. It was universally hated. The fact that they, like, stopped their DLC production only after, like, three of the five or six planned. Oh, something wow. along those lines. I don't have the number in front of me, but, yeah. like... God, oh, okay. they abandoned that game so quick. I did not know that. I thought I was under the impression that 15 had done pretty moderately, like been pretty moderately successful. And all right. Oh. Wow. For one, not for one of the most <laughs> successful gaming franchises of all time. Well, yeah. And I mean, 14 standards of success. 14 is having a pretty huge renaissance right now. And oh, yeah. And like, thirteen was kind of a disaster, if I'm remembering correctly. Is that right, Tim? Oh, you know what, Ben? I'm I'm gonna take uh, that back. It wasn't it. Uh, it sold a lot. It wasn't very well received. Yeah. In terms of thirteen, didn't they make three? Like thirteen two and thirteen three? Didn't they make three of those? Yeah, they did. The wow. third one's actually pretty good. But really, the other two kind of can skip, yeah. So it's thirteen, and then it's lightning returns, and then what's the third one? It's thirteen. It's thirteen, thirteen two, which was about lightning's sister. Okay. And then you had lightning returns, which was the third one. Okay, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. All right, interesting. Um, okay, so so you're probably more excited for sixteen than you are for Stranger of Paradise. Correct. At this that. point. All right, cool. All right. Well, um, so Ben, I believe you were doing a letter grading system. Tim, you and I were going out of ten. I'm gonna give Square Enix presents like a f- And then I was converting your Yeah, you were converting into letter grades. <laughs> I'm gonna give it like a four. <laughs> I thought it was not good. That's Tim roughly equivalent to a D. Okay. It gets a six. No, that would me. be a failing. That would be an F. <laughs> it um, got a six from you, Tim. It gets a six from me. Yeah. Um. Like I said, the um one through six pixel yeah. upgrade, like that's huge for me. Like I'm gonna be so excited to play through those games again. Um. Yeah. While Stranger of Paradise isn't like super interesting to me, I'm gonna play it. Yeah. So they've got me there. It's not 16, um, but it's still like, yeah, this is a new big Final yeah, Fantasy game. 
and then Guardians of the Galaxy. Eh, not the worst thing that they've come out with in recent years. So that that's an argument. The only <laughs> the only game that they could have gotten me excited with would have been like more Hitman stuff. Uh, like, they're not I, doing Hitman. The thing anymore. is, is I what they don't do Hitman anymore. Oh, they don't. No. Uh, so they, um, they terminated their partnership with IO and IO went independent and now IO actually independently develops and publishes. Uh, no, that's not true. Oh. They partnered. IO is independent, but they have been partnering with WB has published, um, this happened back after the launch of Hitman 2016, um, after that entire Hitman 1 was out, uh, IO got dumped. And then WB, um, there are like separate copies of Hitman 2016, like the full season, the full experience. Some copies were published by Square and other copies were published by WB. Uh, and then WB published Hitman 2 and Hitman 3. Oh, fair enough. Well, yeah, then I just don't think there's anything that they could have gotten. So I just, I really, I feel like it's unfair for me to grade them because they just don't make games that I'm very interested in. Uh, Tomb Raider 4. I think if they had brought Tomb Raider 4, I would have been excited. That would have been nice to see, but I don't know. Edos, have they even been doing anything lately? They're doing Guardians. Yeah, I mean, they don't really have a big enough team to really be working on two projects at once. No, they don't. So, so. all right. Well, um, Ben, I think that that's a reasonable reason to abstain from grading. Uh, all right. And then, let's see. Capcom, let's just blow right by Capcom. Resident Evil Village DLC. Games that already exist. That's whatever. Uh, Nintendo. So Nintendo. Uh, Kazuya Kajua, Kaja was from Tekken is being added to Smash. There is one final DLC character left. Uh, how do you guys feel about Kajia being added to Smash? Not is it one of like the cool animals from Tekken? No, no, he's not. Then that's kind of disappointing. Is it? Does he have like anything cool? Uh, He turns into a giant, like bat monster. Oh, I remember that laser. Yeah, that could be kind of cool. I I might, I might spring for that. I mean, I'll be playing him. I got the pack already, so I'll give him a shot. Can know, you get can... him individually, or do you have to buy the whole pack? You can get all of them individually. You don't okay. have to buy just the pack. I bought the first pack and was like, oh, wow, there's only like one character in here that I care about at all. <laughs> yeah. Banjo. Banjo um, good. I, I feel like even with this one, the additional characters, especially in Fighter Pack 2, have not been as iconic as I would have hoped for. 
like Smash. Well, is I think that they're just they're they're panning to the Japanese market. It seems like. Yeah, it's generally what they've been doing because that's where they're located centrally. So yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, I think the bigger news that comes out of this though is that um, showcase that they showed the other day with Sakurai, um, with the Me Fighter. Um, yes, which knocked out a few characters. Knocked out Dante. Um, they showed. Yep, Dante is now a Me Fighter like costume. He's not going to be in as a character. Uh, same with Lloyd Irving, one that I was kind of hoping for. Um, he's going to be another just me fighter. Um, there was a couple others, but not, those are like the two big ones to me. Like I feel like Wait, Dante. So, what, what? Hold on, briefly explain that to me. I think I missed that. So they decided to do their like showcase of the new character. Um, it was like a couple days ago, rather recent. And they showed off, hey, we've got some uh, new uh, Me Fighter costumes for you if you want to buy them. And um, both Dante and Lloyd Irving were costumes in that pack that you could buy. Um, and generally, when they do that, that means they're not going to be uh, making that character an actual character. So, uh... a lot of, so these two characters that a lot of people have been pulling for um, will and... not be seen as the final character. And like Dante, okay, I got confused. I feel like Dante was like a pretty heavy favorite for the final one. Like, I mean, if you if you're really gonna narrow um, it down to like three, I feel like Dante would have been top three for my predictions. He and Lloyd were towards the top of um, Japanese polling um, in recent polling, so. It's obviously that they're listening to the fans. They just can't give everything that they want. So, yeah. But yeah, overall, interesting character. Don't think uh, I'll be maining it, but I'll give it a try. Fair enough. Bring your Switch next month so that we can try it too. Don't go anywhere without it. <laughs> All right. And, and then before we move on from Smash. Uh, ben, you said that you think it's going to be Shrek. Who who do we think the last fighter is going to be? If it was Shrek, I would be so stoked. That would be pretty great. Um, God, I don't even know at this point who I'd want in. Actually, yeah, I do know who I want. Eggman. Give me Eggman. Ah, see... But isn't he a isn't he a trophy? Is he? I think so. Or wasn't he a boss? I'm not in, sure. In whatever that like giant campaign was. I don't know. I I don't I don't think so. It's interesting that you would choose Eggman, Ben. If you, I mean, video game characters. Who who do you think the the final fighter is going to be? Well, as we just talked about, the Avengers are video games. <laughs> <No>, it's <just laughs> going to be Iron Man. Exactly. Um, no, I think it will probably not be anybody from an American 
developer. All right. Yeah, so... no, Patrick. He was just a he was just a spirit. Oh, okay. Uh, and the, like they've used most of their IP already. I'm trying to think if there's something in their IP that has not been used. What about the cloud dude? <laughs> cloud? Oh, Lakitu? The guy who floats on the cloud. And, That's yeah. Lakitu. <laughs> Probably not. Um, sorry to say. I. So if I were going to narrow it down to three of who I think it will be, it would have been Dante, but that's out. Uh, and then Master Chief, I think, is still a contender um, just because of how iconic he is to video games in general. And then potentially Sora. But Sora runs into a bunch of licensing because you would have to have Donald and Goofy in there. And so... Yeah, you... No way. There's no yeah, way big deals with Disney. See, that's and that's where I think that they're running into problems with Sora. So I guess I got to say, I would have said Dante, but I got to say Master Chief. So hopefully it's Master Chief. All right. Um, I just don't think it, but maybe. Yeah, maybe. Uh, coming, um, and then uh, next up we had Mario Party Superstars. What did you guys think of this one? Tim, you look excited. Tell me what you thought. I love Mario Party. I am stoked for this one. It's like five or six maps. I don't remember five. which one. Of, um, five, okay. From the original three Mario Parties. The best three Mario Parties, if you ask me. And a hundred mini games. The hundred of the best mini games throughout the entire series. Like, I am so stoked for this, especially considering, the, like, a few of the maps they've shown were Peach's Birthday Cake, one of the best maps from one, um, Space Land from two, and uh, Wispy Woods from three. So, like, you've got three of the best maps in the 60%. first three games. I'm, I'm just so excited for this. I, so I am... one and two were both 64, and three was GameCube, right? Nope, three, three was, was 64, 64 as well. So it was oh, one was through 64. three were 64, four through seven were GameCube, eight and nine were Wii, 10 was Wii U, and then Super Mario Party was Switch. <clears throat> so, I mean, 60% of the maps, but... Mario Party's pretty fun, but... I, I agree with you, Ben. I think it's pretty fun. I enjoy it. Um... Ben, like, Tim, I, I'm assuming you're going to buy this. Absolutely. Just want to have the fucking shake the soda can. <laughs> <laughs> I remember the first time I saw that minigame, I was playing with Eric in my basement at my parents' house, and, and we get to the shake the soda can one, and Eric's like, oh, man, I'm going to be so good at this one. And then I just smoked him. Turns out I'm a better masturbator than Eric. <laughs> so Tim's gonna buy it. Tim's super stoked. Ben, how do you feel about about uh, Mario Party Superstars? I tend to buy all of the like Mario Offshoot Mario games. games on my Switch. 
So I'll probably buy it. Like I haven't bought bought golf yet, but I'm probably going to. Like I was watching somebody hit an eagle at, at 3 a.m. on Twitter the other day, and I was like, oh, that looks like fun. <laughs> just probably fucking stoned out of your mind at 3 a.m. Just watching Mario Golf. Well, no, they were just commenting on how they had. I was. They were commenting on how they had done it at 3 a.m. I was oh, okay. It at 3 okay. <laughs> that makes for a less funny story, but still a good story. So, so you're you think you'll probably crack for this one? Yeah, I'm sure I will. Like they're always fun to play with, like groups of people. Yeah, that's the thing. And, like, I'm sure that I'll buy this, too. My question is, though, is that, like, $60 and it's a whole different game, whereas, like, Super Mario Party was very thin on content. Like, this could have easily been a $40 DLC for Super Mario Party. And I would have felt so much better about enhancing the game that I've already got and spending more money on the game that I've already got than than spending than buying a whole nother game. Yeah, but Tim says it's the best. It's the best maps. So I think there's something to be said for that. Yeah, I. I know Super Mario Party hasn't been super well-received. I mean, people have liked it, but they haven't loved it. So I got to give Nintendo props for kind of abandoning it and like, hey, let's try this again. Let's try and get that old Mario Party feel, figure out what it was that fans actually loved about these games so that the next time we make one, we can do it justice. And well, that I feel like that. some of some of there was a little bit too much randomness in some of the mini games even in in, in super mario, mario party. party yeah yeah i i'll definitely agree with that no not, i so it was almost just like yeah i don't like it, it, well and then like jill just learned how to benefit from the randomness and so jill just won all of them basically because <laughs> jill would just play them yeah yeah so, and uh, yeah, she would just sit there and play Mario Party solo, and that's just retarded. But, like, I, like, I don't know. I feel like, I feel a little bit burned because I had, like, because, granted, it was gifted to me, but it's like, Mario Party, it was $60, right? Super Mario Party was. And the entire time I have felt like this, like, the content that is there is good, but it's not $60 good. And I like, if they had let me do like, if they had sold this to sold all of this content to me for this, like uh, Mario party superstars, like for like 30 or $40 for DLC, which by the way, it's all running in the super Mario party engine. Had they sold it to me for like 30 or $40 as DLC. Then suddenly I would have felt like, like super Mario party was a very quality package for a hundred dollars or for like $80, $90. I would have felt like that's a really high quality package, but yeah, but, yeah, but 
like then all the what the, what about all the people who didn't buy Super Mario Party and then they have to drop a hundred bucks? Yeah, I guess that's a good point. God, I I see, and and that kind of addresses the the thing that I was getting to is like Mario Party. It really needs to just be a platform that they add to periodically, so that like. You know, you can buy in at any point you want and you can buy the base stuff and then you can buy like, oh, I want to buy the, you know, Mario Party one through three pack. I can I want to buy the Mario Party, you know, four through seven pack. And but like Mario Party just it it needs to be Mario Party Ultimate in the same way that Smash is Smash Ultimate and just include everything or at least work up to including everything, because as it is like selling me five boards and a hundred mini games for 60 bucks. I just feel ripped off. And I feel like they can get away with this one more time, but if they try and do this again in a few years, I'm going to say right now that I'm not going to buy it, but I'm sure I will. But like, I'm not going to be happy about it. Unless, unless Mario party superstars really kicks ass, which according to Tim, it's going to. So I I expect it to. I'm I mean and like don't get me wrong, I'm always excited for more Mario Party. Mario Party is just stupid fun. But I'm just a little bit. I'm so just I'm sure that one of the mini games will be the one where you roll around the snowball on the top of the mountain, right? That'll probably Correct. be included. I think they actually showed that in the uh the trailer. That's even. like one of the funnest mini games that I ever remember playing. And they'll probably do the skateboarding one yep, too. That- Oh, yeah. I find it hard to imagine that that one will be left out. Honestly, I would be very surprised if um, most of the minigames aren't the minigames from the Mario 100, Super Mario Party 100 that they did on the 3DS a while back. Yeah, which is like they've just like they've already done this. They just they're just doing it right and taking more of our money. Granted, I didn't buy the Mario Party Top 100 when when it was on 3DS, but like. I don't know. It it just feels, and and I'm really typically not one to say this, but it just feels very. Uh, it just feels like they're nickel and diamond me with Mario Party. But but the thing is, is Mario Party is so fun when you have four people or more that like they can nickel and dime me, and I'm gonna pay sixty dollars for five boards. Well, that's so. the thing is like four people have fun for one night for sixty dollars. That's less. That's like basically the, how much four people it would cost to take four people to the movies. Yeah, but I'm the one paying for it. That's uh, that's. I mean, that's a good point, Ben. That's a very good way to break it down. Is like four people have fun for one night. It's the movies. Four people have fun for two nights. It's gravy, right? Like suddenly you're at seven fifty yeah. per person per night. That's a pretty good deal, I guess. Gravy. That's no, that is a really good way to think Damn about it. Now it, I'm man. hungry. How, why did you mention gravy? Yeah, go get some mashed potatoes and gravy. Talk to Chris. He made them for Jillian when she was drunk and she never forgot it. Uh, all right, WarioWare, get it together. Um, anyone have any strong feelings about WarioWare? I played. I remember I like the one it. on GameCube was fun. Yeah, I mean, 
like full disclosure, I've never played a Mar- uh, WarioWare game, so I might I might play this one. The the one on 3DS, the last They're one. They're all just fun gimmicky mini games. Yeah. The last one on 3DS looked really funny just with like the way Wario would draw himself versus like the way Wario drew everyone else was just really funny and so so they look more like like <laughs> really what I I I think that I'll probably get this but it looks like if I do I'll be getting it for the laughs but instead of like the silly mini games. Um Ben, are you at all intrigued by this one enough to buy it? Uh, I honestly did not watch anything about it, but it, I mean, maybe there, that's like the game I've, they're always, they've always been fun games to just play. It's another game that's fun to play in a group. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, uh, Tony Hawk's first skater moves with me at the end of July. Yeah. Tony Hawk's pro skater one and two. Um, we just, we already had a trailer and and a release date for this, but they just reiterated coming to switch on 625. It's out. I have it. It's awesome. It plays, it's such a good port. So if you guys are looking for like looking into getting that game and you want it portably, it's, it's like switch ports have kind of been one of two things. They've either been like basically the exact game, just low res bad textures basically worse graphics or worse graphics and they run like dog shit um this is the former which is awesome because like pro skater is definitely a game that requires the frame rate to be pretty steadily and to be like pretty steady and and uh and consistent and and it's it's a great port i can't recommend it enough uh, I know that I'm probably the one that's far and away the most into Tony Hawk. So we will just move right on to uh, to can Tim. You, can you put on the infinite, ba- the unlimited balance or the perfect balance? Yes, you can. Nice. So, uh, Ben, you didn't buy it. You didn't end up buying it on Xbox, did you? No, I haven't bought it on anything. Same. I haven't picked it up either. Are you guys, do you guys have any interest at all? I mean, if I, I want to play it, now. I have it on PlayStation. I can just go over to my shelf and play it. <laughs> Not one of those games that like ever rung true with me. So, yeah. Um, Ben, what were you saying about Switch? I might get it on Switch. It plays really, really well. It's, it's like, surprisingly good so all right then uh then tim blew his load because now we're getting to metroid dread (laughs) all right tim take it away tell us how you feel about this game yeah like he that's not an understatement i pretty much just my pants when i saw this this was (laughs) absolutely like all right, it's not Metroid Prime Four that I'm looking for, but this is just as good, if not better, right? Really? Now, because it's actually going to be playable this year. Yeah, it's not just. I'm a not going to have to wait any longer for another Metroid game. Do you prefer? And it's two. It's by the 3D. same. 
Um, personally, my favorite is Super Metroid, so I do prefer the 2D. But the Prime games are phenomenal. Like, I love playing through 1 and 2. 3 is kind of meh, but, you know. Um, but yeah, I'm super excited of it for this. It's supposed to be kind of a continuation or prequel to Fusion. I don't remember what they said about it. It's the end. This is this is Metroid Five. Yeah, it is okay. it is the so the end yep. of Samus's it's story. The end of it. Yep. Which yep. is kind of crazy to I'm, me. Yeah. Is the end of the side scroller story? Uh, so Metroid Supposedly. Prime takes place between. Is it between Metroid and Metroid Two, or is it between Two and Super? But all Metroid Prime One, Two, and Something Three. Like all take place between two of the earlier games. Um, And then this one, Metroid Dread, is the end of, like, and they they announced Metroid Dread back in, like, 2003 or something like that. So, like, they announced this game a long time ago. And, um, and, and they, they even said when they announced it, like, this will be the end of Samus's story. And they even like reiterated that in the, in the Nintendo Treehouse um, after the direct that like, they're still planning on this being the end of the story between Samus and the Metroids. So like, I think that that kind of leaves the door open to maybe they'll make more games with Samus, just not with Metroids. But I, I I think that this will be a very interesting thing because basically as far as like Nintendo franchises go, the big three are Mario, Zelda and Metroid. And it'll be interesting because they're never going to end Mario because Mario isn't really a story. But I do think that this will be a, give us a pretty good idea or be a pretty good indication. Of of, the people. What's that? Oh, never mind. Okay. I, I think that this will be a pretty good indication of like they're gonna end Zelda eventually. And like this'll give us an idea of how they might go about doing that. So uh then I mean it, there's still plenty of time that they can make other games in between Metroid right. One and Dread. Well, I mean they already have like Prime Timeline. Timeline stuff aside, I am super excited about the uh, feel of this game. I like that they're going for more of a horror motif, like what they did with Fusion. Um, like it, it just reminded me so much AX chasing you through the station. Um, and I, I'm really excited that we're going to be seeing more of that. Um, the only thing I'm not super keen on is that they're bringing back the melee counter I was going to ask you Samus about that. Returns. Because I know that, that a lot of they, people disliked um, that. That was... I didn't care for it. I thought it was fine for a one-off. I'm not sure if I like the idea of carrying it forward. Um, but who knows? Maybe it'll grow on me again this time. Maybe they'll make it a little bit more precise. Because um, it's the same studio that did the uh, Samus Returns, right? Remake, so, yeah, and that that seems to have kind of been a test bed for them. Of like, we're gonna we're gonna see if you can do it with a remake, and if you can, 
guess who gets to finally make Metroid Dread? Um, and so, yep. I I think that with the larger analog stick, I think that controls in Metroid Dread will be significantly better than Samus Returns. Um, I I don't know. I every time I play a Metroid game, I think eh, I don't really like Metroid. But then a new one comes out, and I think maybe I'll like it this time. So I'm probably going to play this. But who knows? I might not. I I don't know. I'm probably going to play it the day it comes out. Fuck me. Um, ben, any any interest in Metroid Dread? Yeah, you, you will. <laughs> yeah. Probably oh. not, but maybe... All right. Um, and then they closed the show with more information on The Legend of Zelda, the sequel to Breath of the Wild. Uh, they said that they will not tell us the name because the name will reveal too much about the plot of the game, which I think it's like, okay, then what? When are you going to announce the game? Because if it's going to spoil the story... The fall of Hyrule. <laughs> I mean, if it's going to spoil the story, yeah. then, like, no, are you going to tell us... you know, change the title a little bit? Yeah, exactly. It's like, you're going to have to announce the title before the game comes out. And so whether it's now or in six months, you got to announce it. And so, like... What are you Zelda, this is the one where Zelda dies. <laughs> that would be a good title. You should work for Nintendo. Um, they said that they're aiming for a 2022 release, which to me just screams spring 2023. Then they don't need to tell us. Why? Considering we haven't... 2022... It's a long time. Yeah. It's true. Tim, what were you going to say? Considering we really haven't seen a whole lot of the game, we haven't seen gameplay demos, we've only seen a couple trailers, um, 2023 is possible. I think end of 2022, um, like holiday, that might be what they're trying to slot in there. Yeah. Um, But... Until we get a release date, until we see the title, I can't really say much more on that. But I will say that the trailer did look really cool. Uh, some of Link's new powers looked awesome. He's freaking yeah. Ash Williams now from Evil Dead 2 because he's got his robotic <laughs> he's got arm. that arm, yeah. Yeah. Now, um, the Floating Islands looks cool. I mean, the Floating Islands, I think, is going to be yeah. the change of like to the map that I was really hoping we would get because I was so worried that it was just going to be the same map again. Yeah. That was a lot of my concern. And I hope they kind of go back to more of a dungeon system versus same. what we had with the... Uh, I still want um, shrines, but... Shrine beasts. Yeah. Oh, yeah, same. But, like, I want to be immersed in a dungeon for, like, three or four hours as I'm... yeah. Like solving puzzles. There's not dungeons. I'm probably not going to play it. Yeah, you weren't ever real hot on Breath of the Wild one. Correct. 
So, I mean, I'm definitely going to play it. I, it's just a matter of like, I like I didn't love Breath of the Wild. Um, I know that that's kind of heresy, but like, you're just dying, but you have cooled since. I feel like initially when it came out, you were pretty into it. Um, no, I mean, I enjoyed it. I put about 160 hours into it, but like, I, I always, I've always had problems with it. And even, even when I was like at the peak of my enjoyment with it, I still would have told you, you know, I still like Ocarina of Time, Majora's Mask, Wind Waker, Twilight Princess. I still like all of those games better than Breath of the Wild. And now I would even include like, um, what's that? I knew that. Yeah. Yeah. And and I mean, now I would even put like Minish Cap, uh, Link's Awakening, Link Between Worlds, Link to the Past. Like all of those games go on that list ahead of Breath of the Wild. So I... I don't know. I guess I'm just not as excited for this game as most people, even though I'm very excited for this game because it's, I mean, Zelda is my favorite series. So we'll just, I, I, I think the fact that they say we're aiming for a 2022 release to me, that just, I feel like they're aiming for it, but what they're going to hit is 2023. All right. Well, um, it's very possible. Yeah. So out of 10, I'm going to give Nintendo a seven. I thought Nintendo did pretty well. Tim. Uh, they get about an eight from me. Okay. Um, while we did talk about a lot of the stuff that I was interested in, there was still a lot of stuff in there that wasn't exactly for me. Yeah. Like Shin Megami Tensei 5, I might play, but not super stoked on it. Advance Wars, people tell me it's a great series. Nothing I've ever played. Probably nothing I ever will play. It's not my style of game. Um, and yeah, there were just a few other things in there that were just like, all right, cool, Nintendo, good for you, but you're not helping me any. Uh, yeah, I mean, there was, there was something for everyone in there, which kind of leads to not a, not a whole lot for anyone. And so, like, instead of getting, like, a 45-minute balls-to-the-wall, like, oh, my God, this is amazing conference, it was, like, there are a few things I'm pretty into in this. And one of them was the trailer for Tony Hawk's Pro Skater that's out in a few days. And I've already I've already played. I've already seen the trailer. I've already, you know, like, it's... I... So I actually, Tim, you're kind of talking me down. I think I'm going to give him a six. Ben, can you convert a six into grades for me? That would be a D. All right. D plus probably. D plus. Okay. So I'll give him a D plus. Ben, what about you? What What are you going to give Nintendo? Yeah, I mean. I would say that they are not failing, but they're not excelling. Yeah. So D seems pretty reasonable. All right. Fair enough. 
All right. Well, we are gonna we're gonna cover the um, Sony topics next week because we're about out of time. But we're gonna real quick. Well, and we're they gonna, weren't technically at E three, right? We're gonna what? They weren't technically at E3, right? No, they weren't. But they had some acquisitions that kind of raised some eyebrows this week. So, uh, but we'll we'll discuss yeah. those next week. Um, but before we go, we're going to do the weekly trivia challenge. Trivia! All right, this week's trivia challenge. Uh, in the early days of the franchise, Insomniac used sexual innuendos for the subtitles of their Ratchet, uh, Ratchet and Clank games. Which of these was not a Ratchet and Clank subtitle? Was it A, Going Commando, B, Size Matters, C, Quest for Booty, or D, Coming Together? Ben, I'm going to call on you first. Uh, quest for booty. All right, quest for booty, final answer? Yeah. Tim? What were B and D again? B was size matters, and D was coming together. I want to say coming together. But I'm not 100% sure about that. But I'll lock it in. Lock it in at, at D coming together. All right. Yeah. Well, Tim, good job. You're getting a point because I thought coming together would sound like a multiplayer game that is also, you know, you're coming together. Um, so I made that one up. Uh, the Going Commando, Size Matters, and Quest for Booty were all actual ratchet and clank games uh size matters was a psp game so they were playing on that the whole you know portable aspect of it going commando was their second game and then quest for booty was part of the ratchet and clank future subseries. so that's all we've got for you guys tonight uh if you liked what we, what you heard make sure to subscribe and leave us a rating and review on whatever podcast platform you found us on uh you can see everything we do all in one spot over at coldnorthpro.com We'll be back next week talking about whatever happens within the next seven days. So until then, reset. And we're going to talk about Sony. episode please leave us a review on itunes Welcome to the 702 Gaming Podcast, episode number three. I'm Jacob, and I got 
Josh with me here today. Jason's yo, yo. out of town. How you doing? Good, good. How are you? Good. So I wanted to start off the conversation today. Um, now that the Sea of Thieves has had the Disney collaboration update with Pirates of the Caribbean, um, I got to play through. There's five tall tales that they've added, which are stories that take you in or out of an instance, like a dungeon type thing. Uh, the stories are pretty cool and well-written and you fight bosses, things like this. But I've completed the first two. Um, uh -huh. They're really good so far. Nice. I really like it. Um, but it, it made me think is, are they trying to go in the direction of say like a Fortnite where hmm. they can then bring in not just pirates, but you know how Fortnite's brought in right. Marvel characters and it's worked out really well for them. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I know Sea of Thieves has nowhere near the player base that Fortnite has, but still, are they trying to go that route? Do you think, or was it just pirates worked perfectly? I, I mean, I, I wouldn't mind seeing it. I don't, I don't know how many movie characters, like pop culture characters, right. That Fortnite can bring in. I don't know how much could they do that with sea of thieves and still center around the pirate life. Like Fortnite is just a basic BR and they can, do whatever they want with the i mean they got like some base zombies and then it's like yeah we're just gonna make it whatever we want to make it so see yeah. the thieves can't really right probably they gotta they still have the to pirates. stay they stay i mean it's gonna be pirates and some types of uh ghost skeleton yeah. goblin you know something i i don't you can't get like too overly magical i guess or off off your genre and would it get a little muddy if they ended up adding more disney pirate like elements like captain hook or uh little mermaid type because there's mermaids in the game uh, you know if they're gonna run yeah do, is if like, it's do all, they keep going with it because uh, uh, <laughs> it'd be cool like that hook, captain hook would captain be cool. like a captain hook and like um peter pan thing like obviously you probably yep. can't be peter pan but maybe you like they could go that route if you work with them <laughs> seems a little like a little uh, out there uh, well <laughs> i think it brings the maturity of the game down a little bit if you know what i'm saying if, if that yeah. makes sense yeah. like it is like anybody could play right now like it could be a family right. game or it could be pretty hardcore adulting and like really toxic right but yeah <laughs> or, that's a good point though so I, that's a very good point pirates of the caribbean is dark by nature <laughs> and i think that fit in like really yeah. well you know jack sparrow and, and like but it's also a disney thing so it it just aligns really well like overall and it was pretty cool to see the e3 when that dropped you know, yeah. not, to, not to go too much uh, in the past, but I know it's it's playable now and all that. So, um, yeah. How many missions is it supposed to have or the, the Tall Tales? Yeah. So the Tall Tales itself for the Pirates of the Caribbean section is five. Okay. And they're, they're good. The first time you run them and you don't know what you're doing unless you look up, you know, a walkthrough. If you don't do that, it's going to take you probably an hour and a half each each tall tale yeah i would say yeah it's if you have a walkthrough and stuff i'm sure you could burn through it but um we tried not to look up anything before we do each one so it right. can surprise us yeah and it yeah like i said in the previous podcast there's like 
all the audio from the ride and Easter eggs just everywhere. You know, oh, I remember seeing that on the ride, or uh, I, on I remember the Disney that from ride, the movie. Right? On the, yeah, yeah, okay, so cool. And as I'm playing it, I'm sitting there telling my my wife and my brother that are my crew on there. Uh, you realize we're playing a game based on a movie based on a theme park ride. <laughs> it's just that's wild. <laughs> and the loop just keeps going. I think you lost yeah. me there for a second, but it's it, no, it's <laughs> it's really cool, interesting what they're doing. Um, I never would have thought this would have happened. Like I didn't even. I mean, obviously, like Sea of Thieves is not necessarily on my radar, per, you know, overall. But um, to get the contract with Disney and put that in the game, that's that's a hell of a collab. Like, it's yeah. that's pretty nice. Like, that was pretty smart. And, uh, and and for Sea of Thieves, long term, if you would have told me when it first came out, I was like, oh. But it's mostly cosmetic. Like, what am I going to chase? It's it's that part for. I don't know my own personal stuff. That's why like I didn't play it, but yeah. The the long haul, if you, I would have never thought or guessed they would have been able to get to this point. So bravo to like Sea of Thieves of like dev teams and, and marketing and all that. Like they really kept the game going and um, it's definitely a, a future in it. I don't know if it's like you said, I don't know if it's Fortnite. It's going like yeah. that. that uh, but but Hook I mean, would be cool. Like I mean, but it, and yeah. then you've got to start stretching or make your own characters. But if this is like, um, I don't know, a stepping stone to make their own stuff and pretty original pirate stories, um, it sounds dope. Yeah. And uh, I remember uh, when they showed that trailer on E3, I was traveling and you shot me a text immediately and said, yo, did you see this? Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, what is it? And you said, just, I'll just let you watch it. Yeah. <laughs> That's that was, that was probably cool. I was like what was I didn't not expect the, oh, oh man and it dropped really fast right so E3 and then yeah. now it was three weeks or something yep. it was pretty quick you're already yep. playing it and that was free yep free free update and it like I said it added a whole lot of um, enemy types so if you're in the water sometimes these siren mermaid guys will just start attacking you in the water. Um, you'll hear music play and they just come up from the depths and start attacking you. Um, there's these crustacean guys that'll pop out of the dirt and they have different moves. Like one kind of rushes you like a bull. One has an electric eel that he whips around and electrocutes you. <laughs> uh, different things like that. There's like a giant crustacean looks like Hulk or something like uh -huh. that. That's cool. Um, so they added some stuff just in the world too. You don't have to be in the tall tale to get to see the new content, but it is, well, it me, is really tell cool. Tell me about the other side of that though. Like the loot and stuff that, yeah. that is it most, is it still cosmetic stuff or now are yeah. you learning any new moves to combat <laughs> new, new things? Or is it still the, the same, just like hack, hack slash. And then, <laughs> and then like, I, I, I want a little bit more from that game. That's yeah, all I'm saying, I know. but I'm biased. Well, so nothing is tied into your character. But they do add new weapons and things to use to fight other players. But you don't start off with those. You have to go find those items in the world. But they did add a staff that shoots like a ball of energy, I guess, or water. Go. I don't really know. And you charge it up. And the longer you charge it, the more blast radius it has. And when you use all of its ammo in it, the staff dissolves in your hand. And you find that like floating around or sometimes um, 
you find them sitting on islands and stuff. And that one, that was really cool because you can hurt some people. Uh, we boarded a ship and they had the best of us. Actually, we were about to sink and we got on their boat and I had that staff. And when you're on a, um, brigantine at the bottom, it's like pretty much one long hallway. And I just stood at the back of the hallway. And as they were coming at me to shotgun me, I just kept hitting them with that staff down the hallway, just hitting them, hitting them. All three of them took them all out. That gave us enough time to repair our ship and sink them. And then by the time they came back, it was done. We got everything from them and they had a lot of stuff. So nice. it was pretty cool. <laughs> so it's pretty cool. Um, what what have you been playing lately? Um. Huh. Uh, overall, just been on like a Mario kick. I I still play oh. Destiny. Uh, we we raided like last night. Um, you have I'll, a crew, right? I still yeah, we have our our raid crew and all that. Um, yeah. The 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 I don't know since Mario Super Baseball came out or uh, golf, right? The mm-hmm. I've been kind of stuck on that, and then which made me want to play Super Mario RPG again. And then um, with that, I'm playing this other like baseball game. I play it with my brother, Super Super Mega Baseball. It's like kind of not realistic and all that, but uh, super. What's that on? Uh, it's in the Steam Store. You can play it on oh, Xbox. Okay, you're it's playing a, all it's, this on PC. It's a it's a Microsoft game. Uh, we played like the first iteration or second iteration of that Super Mega Baseball Two or something like that on Xbox. Game shared it and did all that. That was cool. Um, That's cool. But. Uh, yeah, super stuck in Mario RPG right now. I am like, uh, you have to get six stars, and I have I have like four of them. So I just nerded out on it. This, this is last a week. No, that's an emulator. The Super. Oh, Mario, you're this, on an emulator. So this is an old game. This is a Super Nintendo game. Gotcha. Oh, okay. And then I'm also playing the Super Mario Golf on the Switch. Oh, okay. So okay. I'll go sit on the couch there when I'm done playing RPG for a while. I'll go play. I am like, I don't know. It's weird. Like, Mario out. Yeah. Kind of Mario. I think you need to go to that new uh, right now. Nintendo theme park. Isn't there one in <laughs> Florida that... now or something? Is it in Florida? <laughs> something. I don't know. I it got it like shut like... down immediately because of COVID. Like in J- but Japan or Tokyo or something I think like it, that. it might be. Yeah. It looked pretty cool though. That's... <laughs> so, but you play Destiny on PC. Correct. Now on Destiny, can you hop onto an Xbox and play your same character? Does it go back and forth, or are you playing a new character when you do that? So that's you can do cross save right now, and then okay. I'd have to look up the date so I'm not wrong. But coming the next season, right? Mm-hmm. Destiny has a season pass model. Um, mm-hmm. at the next season will be cross play. So if you were on console right now and had said character, then you go to the Bungie site um, and link the accounts, and then you can take it to the other console or right, whatever, and then next season we can play together. So Cool. And they did that. They did the cross-save. Wow, it's been quite some time. I think at least over a year for cross-save. So you can go from PC to Xbox to PlayStation – with your character so you didn't have to like keep starting over on the different consoles or even generation and then um which is just was a big prelude to crossplay eventually like i it if you're not crossplay in the next three years on a game 
you're 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 not on my console like they, right. like a or my pc for, for that matter like and then i won't play with you because i'm just like it's got to be basically on the pc and your console if you're going to stay there yeah I, it just needs to um most games it gets do. it draws in a larger player base and i think so i like for a game like destiny when you're looking for a group to do a dungeon or do a raid and you don't have people with you because a lot of people don't have that they just do the lfg right in game doing crossplay opens up that pool so you aren't waiting 45 minutes to find a crew right it finds right. it a lot faster so that will bring in maybe my my hope would be that crossplay brings life to their uh, guided games like lobbies so guided games are I'm willing to show you how to do the raid and all that right and I got three or four of my friends or guys and my crew my clan so then I can go into a guided game queue say I'll Sherpa or lead it with my guys and then it, and then other people that are there's another section that lets you log in as like one or two players and then so you guys are like oh, I'm a noob I need help help me through it so they go into that lobby and then we get paired up right now <clears throat> besides just being limited to your console or you know the steam account per se like that pool is already small enough because it's like there's not a good reason to go help people like you don't get okay. any rewards from that so it's really just out of the goodness to your heart and most people already have their teams because that's how we were like had to do it that the pool of lfg through the game is not very good now on like there's a great discord server that helps with that but that's only really pc guys so the right. pools for those lfgs and maybe those guided games could potentially be bigger i'm not saying that's a fix-all but it's just it's more room for opportunity to uh make the lfg process a lot a lot less painless or a lot more painless i guess well if someone was wanting to go through the guided games and be shown you know how to exactly do a raid or a dungeon where do they do they access that through the game you can that, that there's is a guided game mechanic and right now like i i, I don't mind doing them if, if people want to do it with me um that's the other part is like i got to convince other friends to go in there because typically it's seen as like oh well they're noobs and i want to get this raid done in an hour i don't want to drag a couple of noobs through for what i don't get anything you know progression in the game besides a variant of an emblem so you know in a game where it's so loot based like that you're like they I, need to I, I do a thing rewards. you give me a thing yeah cool yeah yeah that's yeah. that's how that game is built and it's what everybody gets a joy out of um if they dangled some really good loot in there for people that guide someone else, mm -hmm. that would be really enticing. Like if it was an extra. So right now, like pinnacle is part of the, the power based system of the leveling system. So the pinnacle drop is what you want to be within season, whatever rank and do the newest stuff and, and stay on top of it. Um, if they like gave every person in that group said that pinnacle drop for helping two other people it would be more worth it they just don't do that for whatever reason i think that guided games was just like an idea to try to give get people off of third-party lfg for the game itself but third-party lfg really runs the show for destiny like even outside their own app they have a destiny app where i can move equipment around 
characters or whatever I want to do. Um, but they have an LFG system on there as well. So not in game and on their app and they both don't get as much action as say the steam one as the main destiny Two like LFG discord there. Are, I, I, I couldn't even, I'd have to click off of it to find how many viewers in it, but I mean, or users, I should say in that, I mean, they post so fast in that one. There's so many people doing it in there. Your screen yeah. is just going to do, 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 do. And when you're looking for somebody, sometimes it's, it's even hard. So, and that's, I just don't understand why it's third party in discord and not through the game on the game itself. It would, it's like, why couldn't you just do that on the game? And yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know if that's Bungie server side, like that's too much traffic and to really get that going. Maybe that's the reason. I don't know, but. Bungie did a similar thing when they were still on Halo where they had like a separate website that you would go and look at all your stats and everything. But it was like, why can't I see it in game? It's it's so odd to me. Sea of Thieves actually has a similar where you go to the Sea of Thieves website and you can see your progress and everything like that. And at first that's all you could do um, to see that stuff. But now... They have been adding. See, Thieves been doing. Rare has been doing really good at adding that information into the game, right. where you can look at it through like a a log. In game, it's way better. I agree. Yep, way better. So that Mario uh, Golf's pretty good. Oh, I yeah, I'm digging it, man. It's uh, <laughs> I mean, it's very you know, it's it's Mario Golf. It's cartoon. It's not like you know a, a sim or anything. There's a couple <laughs> other golf games like that. Um, but I've always enjoyed playing those and it's like you play speed golf and like run over people like you would play in Mario Kart, right? You do like special yeah. <laughs> runs and dashes and you bump them out of the way and their coins oh, come cool. flying out and you go hit the ball real quick. And then, um, uh, I, I mean, I'm going to play through it. I'm going to finish it. I'm probably 60 something percent through like the story campaign kind of portion. And then, um, some other friends that I have are playing multiplayer a lot. And so that's, that's not, I guess that's pretty, pretty slick too, but I don't know how long I'll really be on that. I just, I really wanted to play through like the story and yeah. enjoy Get the that. main meat out of it. <laughs> yeah. And then just when a kid wants to play, just absolutely dominate him. Just <laughs> kill him. Just he, he was watching me. Coins everywhere. Yeah. He started playing it too. And then like, I was like, Nope. You're getting ahead of me, so then I I went hard and stayed up way later than I should have the next day and got all ahead of him. He's like, "Oh, you could hit the ball so far now." I was like, "Yep, get wrecked." <laughs> so yeah. he always tells me he's ten. Do you train him? Well, I don't know. He almost got me on the NHL game the other day, but I know we gotta keep our kids in place by stomping them <laughs> on the game every now and then. You forget forget why you're so good. <laughs> got the gaming gene. So what uh, character do you play on Mario? Uh, Who's your character of choice? You can create your own. You're uh, oh. like you like uh, you played Wii before, yes? So it's like your me, your me. character. Yeah, so okay. you recreate gotcha, your gotcha. me within Super Mario okay. and then you build them up and then you after doing practice sessions or the story missions, you like you get to fill your progress bars. So you get like Very cool. you get power, speed, like you have to have stamina because you literally you like run 
across the course, the game looks great and it plays super smooth. Like uh, if I were like the way you do play it, it's almost too smooth and boring. Um, <laughs> you, can, you, you hit your drive and then you just like go into like sprint or you do your special sprint and try to knock off the other competitors and they're doing the same thing. So it's like a weird, like Mario Kart and golf <laughs> smash mix. Up. And does it go based on your swings, like real golf, or is it who gets the ball in the hole first? So there's all, there's a it? whole bunch of different games for it or game modes, different modes. Yeah. Oh, and okay. that's what excited me when I saw their presentation back in E3 and I really wanted like I pre-ordered it had it ready to go um is there's like speed golf there's cross country golf which basically like puts you on a side of a hill with a bunch of different holes and elevations and you just like have 30 shots to get all the way across all of them and make it's I don't know it's it's pretty neat it's different right it's yeah. not just straightforward golf games um there's one where, like you were in a desert and you had to make sure you didn't sprint too much or something to so you didn't lose and dehydrate. I don't know. Like I don't know. Losing just, fluids. Yeah, it was it was hot. You know they needed. They were in a drought. I had to fix it. Literally, they were like, "Oh, we're in a drought. The boulder's blocking the water or whatever." And Mario's like, "Don't worry about it." Pulls out his driver and crushes a ball into the boulder, blows it up, and now the village is saved because the water is coming down after he was able to t drive a ball through a boulder and blow it up so um but yeah it's very mario-esque in that way so all the different game modes and stuff are cool though like speed golf is whoever gets the ball in the hole fastest with the lowest score and like oh, okay. the, i think like if you were going to do online i wonder if they do like three or six holes i haven't done the multiplayer yet i, I want to but um that must just be like total time across, you know, nine holes or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Cause it, you know, it, it is really, it's just a sprint and you're just bumping each other off with the super. Would that stuff. be a fun game if they built a cabinet arcade cabinet and it was sitting inside of a bar and you're having beer? Like if they yeah. removed golden tea from the bar and they put Mario golf. Um, I, I I don't know because if you're playing Golden Tea, you know what you're doing. So Golden <laughs> yeah, Tea's serious, Golden Tea's fun. There's, With that ball, you got to go. They'll spin hit, it up, and there's like national tournaments for Golden Tea. Yeah. And isn't Golden Tea the high score on the cabinet itself? Isn't it connected to the internet and it tells it you be. like yes, it yeah. can be. So people that's like so cool. literally, if you go to a bar that's like certified to have one and then is connected, you could do like a tournament like regional tournament and then you like you get invited and you do like national tournaments with golden tea i remember my brother was into that for a while yeah it was uh i'm not good at that game but it's really cool if you see and a I lot like of some of them play. show like money like cash prizes on the game and show oh. like it'll, it'll be like oh golden tea national championships like fifteen thousand dollars you're like oh yes <laughs> yeah i could do this give me another beer yeah you know, that's when your shots are like getting better on your first beer, getting better on your second beer, and then third beer you're slicing, and fourth beer you're in the that's how <laughs> sand it, trap. That's how it goes for real. <laughs> in real life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you recently got together with your crew on Destiny IRL. That is true. Right? Yes, that's true. <laughs> So I heard a little bit about this and I thought that's pretty cool. So what, how did that even come about? 
So, I've been playing Destiny for f- five years, and the game has been out for like almost eight, something like that. So, I mean, Destiny Two's been out for quite some time now, mm-hmm. right? So, I've known a lot of these guys um, through playing the game, and I've known most of them for. Uh, at least one of them for like four four years plus from like playing Destiny 1 before it turned over to Destiny 2. And mm-hmm. some of the others just kind of trickled in. And it just so happens a lot of them live in the same area in Nebraska. So playing with these guys and raiding with them, you know, once or twice a week for the last, you know, several years, you know, you kind of just become gaming friends. You know, you have – you meet other people through different people and – is when I was like really hardcore in Destiny, uh, like running the clan, doing all that. When I was more posting on YouTube for for that gaming channel for a while, um, we just built those connections with those people and, and and got friends. And you know, it's COVID times. I was bored. Uh, flights there were <laughs> uh, it it cost more for me to fly my bags to nebraska where i went then your body then my body (laughs) (laughs) so it was like all right well frick it let's go do it why not i haven't how long were you up there never really done anything like that before so um how long were you up there so i was up there from thursday to sunday but thursday i got there really Mm -hmm. late so it was really just like friday saturday sunday and then i took like the red eye back um, it was like first got there, didn't have like that night, didn't really have a lot of, uh, experiences. Like I said, with like grabbed a snack and then went to, um, uh, dirty's apartment. I won't say his real name for, uh, security purposes, I guess for now, you know, people <laughs> hacking, whatever. I don't know. Um, uh, so I went to his house and it was like main guy. We organized all this, you know, a couple weeks prior. I was like, yeah, I'm going to do it. He was like, really? He was like, okay, you can crash from my couch and then we'll do all this and, and party or whatever. Um, so he lives in like this downtown, uh, Hastings, Nebraska. So that's like, and they're trying mm-hmm. to like revitalize, revitalize it. Bleh. Um, so it, it's kind of. More like Zappos was doing downtown, trying to like just make it more modern. I don't want to say more hipster ish, you know, like yeah. um so first morning went down, it was it's called the art bar. It's pretty dope. Shout out to the art bar. Hopefully uh, maybe the podcast hits their ears or some of the Hastings crew out there. Um But it's really nice, like small, the population's not very big, right? I mean, I walked there from his apartment. Like he was just sent sent me the text he was up he was working did some work in the morning we ended up meet so I, I get down there to the art bar get a coffee it was super tasty honey vanilla latte or something like that and sit down and he's just finishing up work on his laptop just kind of taking in the atmosphere it's really small town um and then in come all these other people that we've met like on discord that are in the area and that game two and they're different gaming. So, and it was almost like we sat down first thing in the morning when I got there and it, if I could have put a microphone down, it would have been just like this <laughs> Nebraska art bar uh, gaming podcast. He was just talking about anything from video cards to, you know, 
even destiny a little bit. Um, so yeah, I golfed a lot. Um, it is pretty surreal when you've gamed with somebody and you've only chatted with them and you don't really do a lot of video chat. Right. So like I have, have them on Facebook and you know, I kind of see their profile picture or whatever, but to be face to face with somebody that you're typically, you know, six, seven hours during the week you're playing games with and you're just voice chatting. It's kind of, there was like this weird adjustment period. It's like, mm, all right. I, I hear the voices coming out, but it's, it's weird to actually like see you, see your body, like be it. Cause now it's like in real life and you're so used to this distant connection. You're like, okay, this, we're just like two talking heads or whatever conversing and there's no real physical. It's just different to be in person yeah. overall. You know what I'm saying? Um, but the vibe is awesome out there. I really, it, not in a hurry. You know, everything's closed. I'm so used to being here in Vegas yeah. and everything not closing ever. And, you know, <laughs> we're everything's shut down everything, at 8 p.m. Like, they're like closed on Sunday and Tuesday. Yeah. Like all the shops. And so it's like a small downtown area. I mean, probably like a mile, square mile mile a square mile and a half was like the little downtown area and we walked everywhere he took me to his awesome restaurant um which i met uh oh my lord and i, I don't want to again i'm just using game tags for yeah. so i met them and then it was another guy's birthday party that's in our discord dude he's not a destiny player but he plays all his other games and so we all went out to like had the best filet of my life i mean nebraska Beef yeah, they're raising the cows corn. there, man. Yeah, man, dairy farms and all that. So, um, mm. and then just started drinking and walking around downtown, bar hopping, downtown area, and literally like we're just 10, 12 people deep because it's this other guy's birthday party, and we got some of the raid guys are getting together now. So there was three of us at that point, and then later the next day we got the, we got we got five of the six that are in our raid crew. The six couldn't make it down from Kansas City, so he's up in Kansas City. And the other ones are in like surrounding Nebraska area somehow. So it was only like an hour, hour and a half for some of them to come in and like meet the next day. But you got your clan there physically raiding bars. Like, yeah, <laughs> it was like a dungeon well, crawl, but it, it was a bar. It, crawl. Was, it was the three of uh, the three of us were with a bigger party. But yeah, yeah. it was. And we were dungeon crawling from from bar that had to bar. To been a blast. It, it was, man. I even like I FaceTimed my wife because I was like. You got to see this. I turned around. I was like, there you go. I said, you see that? I said, this is us. This is everybody in downtown Hastings right now. He's like, <laughs> I was like, literally, there's nobody else out here. I was like, it's it's 930 at night. We're done, had dinner. We already went to one bar. We were walking to another. And it was like, where is everybody? Do you, do you feel like after that trip, you you? I'm guessing you've played with them again since, right? Oh, yeah. Last like, night. Do you feel like? you guys relationship is better now or different or is it make it a little weird now that you know each other in person? No, I mean, if anything, because even I say, you know, our bond is even a little stronger for, for doing that. And, you know, now they're talking about coming out here and I told them, I oh. said, all oh, you hooligans can't stay at my house, but like, <laughs> if you come out here, I'll come hang out with you. Um, no, like, Again, each time I met a different person, right, face-to-face, -face, it's like, because uh, I, I only knew 
I think I only had like one of them for Facebook anyway. So seeing all their faces for the first time, besides like maybe seeing a stupid, silly picture that they posted in discord, you know, being there, it's like this weird, and then you kind of like, that's, it was pretty short and it got shorter as I met more of the guys, but like 15, 20 minutes. And then like, okay, now I'm just associated face. That's what you look like. And yeah, we're still friends, like all that, and you fall. We just fall right into bullshit, and like we would if we were playing Destiny Discord, chatting, and all that stuff. So, um, you know, you really, you probably, if if you have that good of friends even online for the, for that long of a period, you know, my my buddy in California and his wife's the slot queen. She's yeah. got that channel. Like I've known got him for yep. six or seven years now, from like earlier mm-hmm. in D one days. Um, it, I don't know. You're already good friends and you have like a good judge of character. Like those people don't annoy you. So just being able to hang out for real and like, you know, slap hands, high five, you know, have that personal interaction. I mean, I'm not that much of an introvert. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah, but I don't know if I've ever told you this story, but, um, so one of my friends that I've known for a really long time here in Vegas, um, we were playing Gears of War 2 when it was out, when it first came out. And we're playing online, and a friend of mine from Oregon hit me up, and she was like, hey, I love Gears of War, can I join you? So she joined. We ended up playing like all night, us three, on Gears online. And after I logged off and went to bed, I guess they kept chatting and to make a long story short they're now married and have been married for a long like 10 years living up and they moved up to oregon and (laughs) see i mean mean, you can meet someone online and then end up married yeah yeah i don't want i mean that's kind of fairy tale but (laughs) there's something to said like because you can only have a conversation online, right? You literally have your avatar in the way of like, you know, everybody, I guess it's like, you can really talk to somebody and, and you probably get to know more truths about somebody in, in just blind conversation than you do when what you know when we're person to person we're very guarded and deceitful and all that as human beings so i think that definitely you know having a longer conversation over period longer periods of time like you really have a good idea of what that person yeah. is made of because like you're not going to be able to fake it for so long when you're like oh you can't see me you're going to slip you're going to be an ass yeah. and you're going to be you know if you're <laughs> if you're a jerk it's going to slip every few few times over over the long haul just like it would i mean if you're person to person but and in the way they're meeting or that you meet people online you've already established something in common because you're both in the same not just this both playing games but you're in the same game you obviously like similar things right so you end up hitting it off that's good why not (laughs) i don't know (laughs) I don't know. I don't know know about like dating online like that. I just, I I guess, I guess you could say we are, you know, a little bromance on our raid crew. And then, you know, (laughs) there might be a little favoritism of some of the guys, the others, but you know, oh crap, they might listen. Oh, yeah. No, my friends. I didn't say many names. Yeah. No, I didn't. 
I heard a couple. Um, yeah, like my friend, they they talked a lot via Xbox Live, but you know, once they decided to start dating, they traveled to see each other and stuff. So it worked out. But yeah, you do hear stories about people like on World of Warcraft or whatever, wow. right? Never seeing each other. It's not unheard. Of. It's not yeah, unheard. it happens. And you know, like you said, you you doing something you both enjoy and it's like yeah. it's hard not to be friends as long as like everything you know the the vibe has to be there you know um and that's that's one of the biggest things literally the note that i wrote down for that was that you know the nebraska vibe out there overall it was just easy to fall into and they're pretty laid back and you know again because i've known these guys for a long time it was like a slight 15 minute adjustment period just like okay all right yep just there we go all right i'm good um i did tell you we were we went to the karaoke bar late that first evening i was there and uh that that shook me for a loop i wasn't i don't i don't really get go bar hopping and get uh shaken up too often like that but it was like our fourth bar and it was just did you see no no it was it <laughs> i swear so I was talking about how nobody was on the streets, right? So yeah. we were just like, oh, ho humming. And like the group got bigger by like two more people. Like it's just the group kept like getting bigger. I'm like, okay, like this has to be the whole town here then. And then we finally go into, oh, I can't remember the name of it. They're going to yell at me. Um, but it's karaoke bar. And then just like open the door and lights were flashing. People were singing. And there was like 50 people in there. And it's like a small little, like alleyway kind of strip mall kind of bar. It's it was not very big, a thousand square feet maybe, with like fifty people in there with the lights and everything in the full bar. Um, I was just like, uh, too much. Need some air. Uh, don't do this. I'm a little too old for this now. But well, I have uh, a feeling if those guys come down to Vegas, they're there's plenty of options to go crazy down here. Oh yeah, yeah. It was, <laughs> it was just weird. Cause like, um, I don't think they do that every day or every night. It yeah. is close to like a college, so it did feel like small college downtown bar hopping is mm -hmm. uh, a way of life. So <laughs> it could <Yeah>. be. <laughs> What's the um, arcade? Not Dave and Buster's, but the other one. It's down High like scores? Town Square. High scores? No, that's the bar arcade. This one's just like a Dave and Buster's, but um anyways, that that arcade, uh they have rooms that you can rent couches and consoles and just basically throw a party. That would be pretty cool to to do if people came from out of town and you know, they serve you drinks and all that stuff. That yeah. would be cool to get a group together from out of town and just have like the whole raid crew in one room. They, they, no mics, just raiding. That'd be, that'd be cool. Little land party. Yep. That's what you, you used to have to <laughs> do before, before we could play online, right? And do land yeah. parties. We did plenty of that. Yeah. All right, man. Well, I think that's about it. Um, if anyone wants to hit us up with questions or things they would like us to talk about, hit us up on 702gaming at gmail.com. Seven is spelt out S E V E N. 02 gaming at gmail.com. 
find us on uh, YouTube and your local, uh, not local, but your online podcast streaming, Apple, Google, Spotify, wherever you want to find us. We're out of here. Please follow us on Facebook and subscribe via iTunes. If you enjoyed today's show, please head over to iTunes, give us a rating, and leave a review. Please be advised that this podcast is meant for educational and informational purposes only and is in no way a replacement for legal or medical advice. The opinions contained within are solely those of the interviewers and interviewees and should be received as so. Those seeking help or advice are encouraged to obtain professional legal and medical services.